Now the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man is born, he's a man of beans. Let alone come to, they got nothing but genes. They got different strokes and takes, different strokes and takes. The Druff and Friends Show being recorded December 14th, 2016. The time right now, 8.20 p.m. You may wonder, why those three 80s theme songs? You probably have figured out why the third one, but why the other two? First, I'm going to put on our co-host tonight, the same co-host we've had for the last two weeks. Calwatt, welcome to the show. How you doing, Druff? All right, pretty good. And... Um, I am Todd Dandruff Wattellis, for those of few of you that don't know. And the reason I played those three songs to open the show is they all have to do with Alan Thicke, who died yesterday at the age of 69 while playing hockey with his son. I think his son's like in his early 20s. Not Robin Thicke, but another son that he had. And uh, he had a heart attack, and that was that. That can happen to you. You know, just it's, To me, that's the most scary way to die. Just, uh, it just pops you out of nowhere. But anyway, that happened to Alan Thicke, and someone who wasn't expected to die soon, when that occurs, and it's a known name, people kind of get, 
a bit unnerved. Different Strokes is the that's a theme song that Alan Thicke wrote for that show, which started in 1977, starring Gary Coleman. I guess uh, Alan suffered the curse of Different Strokes because just about everybody associated with that show is dead, including uh, two of the three kids, Gary Coleman and Dana Plato, are dead. Conrad Bain is dead, but he did live till eighty nine, so I guess he didn't. Well, wasn't do that wasn't Plato like a crack whore or something? Uh, pretty much. She also robbed a convenience store in Las Vegas. So someone actually called up. Yeah, after she robbed the convenience store in Vegas, the employee at the convenience store called the police and said, "I think I was just robbed by Kimberly from Different Strokes." <laughs> oh they, they really said that, and they were. It, it was true. Kimberly really, really did rob them. Anyway, so uh, so the only two that uh, are alive from different strokes are Todd Bridges, who almost died himself. He got in a a deadly fight with a gun dealer or with a drug dealer, where he ended up shooting the guy in self defense. So he could have been dead too. And then uh, Mrs. Garrett, who went on to The Facts of Life, which was the second theme song I played, is also still alive. She's 90 now. And uh, Mrs. Garrett, Charlotte Ray, uh, she got the spinoff show, of course, The Facts of Life, two years later in 1979. Now, the reason I played that song was that Alan Thicke also wrote that song. He did not perform that song. He performed and wrote the Different Strokes theme song. So the guy singing on there is Alan Thicke. The Facts of Life is a woman singing, so he, he wasn't the singer, but he co-wrote that song. And strangely enough, for his own show, Growing Pains, I don't think he wrote the song. So, R.I.P. to Alan Thicke, and that's the reason we started with those three songs. We're also starting tonight with a free roll. Last week we had $135, mostly thanks to C-Money, who gave 100 and I thought of maybe holding back a little bit in case we were short this week. And, of course, we're short this week. So I want to thank Larry Laffer and Tough Puppy for giving $20 each for this week. So we have 40 But uh, I'll throw in the other 10 to make it 50 so we're not, uh, we don't have an embarrassing free roll of less than $50. So that's, uh, that's what it's going to be this week. So, it'll so be- is this like a poor man's version of Win Ben Stein's money? <laughs> yeah, win Ben Win, win, win uh- Dan Druff's money? No, it's more like when Ben would tell us his money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be his money one day, but $10 less. So prize pool will be, uh, I'm going to make this up on the fly, $25 for first, 13 for second, 7 for third, 5 for fourth. So it's 25 13 7 and 5 $50 free roll. Thanks to Tough Puppy, $20, Larry Laffer, $20, and me. For $10. And Larry Laffer actually got some heat on the forum when I said, hey, we need some free roll money. And he said he's donating. People people were giving him a hard time and making fun of his job. And you know, people shouldn't do that. He's he's donating to the free roll. He's donating so listeners of the site can make money. And Larry Laffer, he's not a rich guy. He, he's a bike messenger. And he's open about that. I'm not making fun of him. I'm not giving away personal info. He doesn't make a whole lot of money. So he's giving away $20, which actually probably means more to him than some other people who donate. Though I appreciate every bit of money, whether it comes from someone who's rich, average, or poor. But uh, I, when someone gives money who I know doesn't have a whole lot of money, I think that's especially generous and impressive. So thank you to him. Thank you to Tough Puppy. And uh, we have $50. The free roll starts at 8.40 p.m. on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. 
You need a separate account on that poker room. You can find it near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. And you need to understand what the rules are to qualify for the free money. Even though it's totally free, it doesn't even cost you any play chips, but it does have some rules as far as being able to be eligible to get the free money, which is real cash. I'll send it to you pretty much any way you want. If you win, PM me Dan Space Druff on the forum or email me dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. That's dandruff, all one word, at pokerfraudalert.com after you win. And I will send it to you in one of many ways. It can be a check. It can be a bank transfer. It can be Bitcoin. It can be a cash in the envelope, which I won't guarantee gets there, but I'll send it. It can be other ways that you can ask about. So... Real cash money, but to qualify, you have to go to PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll and understand the rules. PokerFraudAlert.com slash FreeRoll. Exactly as it sounds, all lowercase. And I haven't updated that in a long time, so whatever it said for a long time still stands. It's important to know that, though, if you have never read it. So, happy to have CalWatt here tonight. And you guys are probably still wondering about Brandon. Is he off the show? Well, for now he is. He hasn't officially left the show, but for now he's off. But he told me that he will probably be doing a show sometime in the coming few days. So look for a Brandon show. I'm not sure if it'll be called Into the Night or something else, but Brandon claims he will be doing a show maybe as soon as tomorrow, Thursday, December 15th, maybe Friday. He hasn't officially announced it, but he's been telling me that uh, I should expect he's going to do this. And I said, okay. So do it. So it'll be here on PokerFraudAlert.com. And I'm sure he will post or tweet about it when he has more details. I know as much as you do right now. So if you want to call into the show, same phone numbers as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston's going to get a foot of snow tomorrow. A foot of snow coming down to Mount Charleston, Mount Charleston maybe even more tomorrow. I will not be there for that, but I will check on the phone. Yeah. Foot of snow. For real? Yeah. Hmm. Foot of snow. Uh, they haven't had much snow so far this year, as far as I know. So that I think it's, other than the ski resort, which makes snow, as far as natural snow, this may be the first real snowfall they have in this uh, fall slash winter season so far. But it will come down tomorrow. In fact, uh, the entire southwest is going to get hit with a storm tomorrow. L.A. is going to get over an inch of rain. Uh, Las Vegas will get some rain. Mount Charleston will get a foot of snow. So Yeah, i got a buddy of mine up in Oregon, so they just got buried with two feet. Yeah, that's, that's probably the same storm that's coming to yeah, the south. Yeah, probably the same thing, just blowing down. Yeah. So that number is 702-430-1808. It's a separate phone number. It's an old 70s rotary phone, which forwards to where I am, but it does forward into a separate line into the show. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. That can be called as well. No matter which number you call, make sure to show your caller ID when you're calling in or you won't get through. If you want to text the show, you can do so. Same as the main phone number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355 is the text phone number into the show. If you want to text Brandon, maybe ask him when he's going to be on. His text phone number is 203-299-2436. 203-299-2436. The final phone number I want to tell you about is the call-to-listen line. That is a phone line you can use to listen to the show, either live or when we're not live, you can hear our random streaming reruns of our 
almost five years of programming here on PokerFraudAlert.com. It picks a random rerun and runs it as if it's live. So that phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. It will not cost you any data if you have a data plan. It does not require a smartphone. It does not re- require the Internet. If you have data, it will not even use up one byte of data. And if you have a poor cell connection where you are, maybe you're driving in the hills or the mountains or something, you should use that to listen because it's a lot easier to listen on a phone line than over a streaming Internet connection. You won't get any buffering or any freeze-ups or things like that. So if you have a weak cell phone connection, that's a great number to use to listen to the show. 712-775-8162 from any phone in the world that can dial. That's not a call-in number, by the way. Don't try to call that to call into the show. That's just to listen to the show. You can always listen to the show after it's over in the archives. We have that directly on the server. You can listen to the MP3 file right on there. You can also use iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn. These are all different apps to listen to the podcast. You can use any of these options to go listen to the show after it's over. In fact, the TuneIn app can even be used to listen to the show live or our streaming reruns. Just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com. Just go to PokerFraudAlert.com and then click on the radio tab near the top and you will see all the phone numbers I gave out in case you forgot them and all the different ways you can listen to the archives. If there's any way that I can provide to you to listen to the show that I'm not making available, let me know and I might add it. I want to add as many options as possible. I know how frustrating it is when you want to hear a radio show or a podcast and you can't. It's difficult. It requires effort. It requires some app you don't have. I don't like that. I want to give every option possible so it's easy to listen. Because I know as a listener myself to other shows, it pisses me off when I want to go listen and I have to go through heroics to do so. Or that my preferred method of listening is not made available to me. The agenda tonight is as follows. One other thing before the agenda. The chat room you can go into during the show if you're listening live and interact mostly with other listeners. I think, Cal, why do you, you read it sometimes during the show, right? I do. Yeah, and I, I read it occasionally, but I think Cal reads it more. Yeah, actually, a lot of the, the people that are in chat are really helpful. They uh, message me some stuff when they got pointers or stuff to mention, that kind of thing. They are very helpful. We, we have some yeah. very smart listeners and very aware listeners. So, like, we, we say... Like oh, we don't know about this, and then they'll they'll correct us. They'll they'll give us some information we don't have. They'll they'll direct mm-hmm. us to something, and it's great. They're they're almost part of the show. So the chat room, you have to click on the chat button near the top of the screen. You need a Poker Fraud Alert forum account in good standing. You also need a Flash enabled device, meaning no iPhones or iPads will be able to get in there. And don't we got to do something about that, Drew? Well, I mean, you can you can help. I I was searching for chat rooms. I mean, yeah, I guess I could write one from scratch, but it'd be a lot of effort. No, but don't I, write one. That would be I awful. I, I'm telling you, I went through a, a big searching process, and everything either had some kind of issue where it wasn't good, wasn't useful for us, or it was going to be very tough to integrate with the vBulletin forum software, or every one of them had an issue. This was the least of all the problem chat rooms and the one downside to this was that it needs flash which which kind of sucks but uh why not just set up a slack well we can talk about this what we can uh what we can do oh yeah process. we won't we won't bore everybody yeah. so anyway here's the agenda tonight then we will get going uh near the end of last week's show we had some 
a breaking situation. I wouldn't say breaking news, but a breaking situation. This always seems to happen where these sort of things occur. Usually some kind of controversy in poker. Remember the Jacqueline Moscow thing happened just as we were ending a show in May, and then we were stuck on for a while talking about it. And then last week that Hanson kid called in and alerted us to the fact that Mike Dentali and Kate Hall were fighting back and forth on Twitter about uh, it all started with a, a poorly played hand by Kate Hall in, in the Bellagio Five Diamond, and it went from there. So there's an update to it. We won't rehash the entire thing, but it'll, we'll give you a summary again and give you the update to what's going on with that. Senate, you, you know what's happening, right? You know the deal? Uh, if something changed today, then no. If something changed like a day or two ago, then yes. All right. So if I, if I have old info, you can correct me. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid is back on the hot seat. Now, he's about to retire, but he might be criminally charged. Why might he be criminally charged? Well, Harry Reid was accused, and I believe he's guilty. I don't have proof of this, but I believe he is guilty of accepting a fairly large bribe from Full Tilt Poker in order to support their legalization. <laughs> no <One> shit. $1 million. <laughs> that, that's what he was ex- accused of accepting as a bribe, I think, back in uh, 2011. And fortunately for Harry Reid, with the Democrats in power, uh, Eric Holder, the Attorney General, did not want to pursue it. And in fact, the federal government was very, very uncooperative with the state of Utah that was attempting to investigate this. Because uh, Jeremy Johnson, the one who gave the bribe, who was a payment processor at the time and also a telemarketing scammer, uh, this all happened in Utah. So Utah wanted to investigate it, and Utah basically couldn't do it. The federal government threw up so many roadblocks, and it was very clear they were protecting Reed. This is the problem when you have a partisan attorney general office, which you're always going to have. If there's a Republican in office, they're going to appoint a Republican. If it's a Democrat in office, they're going to appoint a Democrat, and then they're going to protect their own party. So that's what was going on. It looked like Harry Reid got away with it. But there are some new developments, and of course, there will not be a Democrat in office in about a month. So Harry Reid, he may still have to face up to what he has done. And whether you support or don't support. You probably do support the legalization of online poker, as I do. Uh, politicians should not be accepting million-dollar bribes. That is uh, never appropriate for an elected official. And Harry Reid has been accused of a lot of dirty actions dating back decades. He's known as a dirty politician, but he's always slipped through the fingers of the law. And this might change. It's a five-year-old investigation, but it's getting started once again. So I'll tell you all about that. Speaking of full tilt, the DOJ is going to keep a lot of money that was meant to reimburse players. One million dollars. No, I wish that's all it was. The DOJ is going to keep $45 million of full tilt remissions payments. You know, payments that are meant to go to us. The government's just going to keep it. I'm sure it will be used for improving the roads, (laughs) Drew. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be put to great use. So yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about that and uh, tell you about the how the full tilt remissions process is finally over. A fight breaks out, or should I say broke out, on the opening night of the long-anticipated opening of the MGM National Harbor Casino. 
Democrats in the D.C. area, people have been waiting for this thing to open. And here it is, and the first night it's there, a fight. Are are you shocked this happened to D.C.? Not even a little bit. (laughs) Speaking of Washington, but the other Washington, Washington State has been seizing money from online gambling payment processors. They've been very aggressive with this. And also, you may or may not know that it is the only state in the Union that it is a felony to play online poker. In fact, it's the only state where it is illegal to play in any way, but it's actually a felony in Washington State to play online poker. So that's watch out if you live there. We're going to talk about the that old law that's been there for a while about the felony to play online poker and how they've been seizing money from payment processors. There's some new information that came out about that. A poker pro named Jake Cody, I'll admit I didn't really know who he is, but I guess some people do. He's a poker star's pro. He's a tournament player, I think. That must be why. But he's revealed that he was he revealed that he was robbed while skinny dipping. <laughs> I'm gonna play his uh, I, I guess he did some YouTube video about that explaining what happened. We'll comment on that. Lucky Chewy, Andrew Lichtenberger. He has started his own poker site, or at least he's opened up a beta site. And it has earned much mockery from the internet. It's, it's, uh, you have to see it to believe it. Now, of course, you can't see anything on the radio, but I'll direct you to where you can see it. And we will talk about Lucky Chewy Poker, and if it has any chance to succeed. Good Lord. <laughs> That's what everybody's pretty much saying. Wait till you see the, uh, the skin for Lucky Chewy Poker. It almost looks like a joke. <laughs> it, al- it really almost looks like a joke. Uh, more, another casino has jumped on the charge people for parking bandwagon. The Cosmopolitan is now also going to charge. The Cosmopolitan is afraid that with everyone else around them charging, that they're going to be the designated free parking lot in the area, and they don't want that. So they're going to start charging. Cat Holbert is an old-time gambling figure. She's in her 60s. She probably goes back about 40 years in the world of gambling. She's been around a long time, maybe even more than that. And she wrote a long article that's getting rave reviews about her life as a professional gambler in poker and blackjack. And I will tell you about my involvement with Cat Holbert 12 years ago, which was actually uh, its actually an interesting story, including the possibility. I, I won't say that this is true, because I, I don't know if it's true, but someone, one of my friends told me that they felt it was true, that Cat Holbert was a cougar and in 2004 was interested in me. And I'll tell you why Cat Holbert and I have not talked since 2004 and how it wasn't even my fault. And it's not really her fault either. So I'll tell you a bit about Cat Holbert and my experience with her, my brief experience with her in 2004, which started off well and ended not very well. Uh, A man found that he had, uh, this is in Australia, but he found that uh, a bank Mm -hmm. had a hard time... uh, stopping him from writing overdraft checks that he could pretty much just write checks for anything he wanted and it would be honored. So I read this article last night. He just kept writing check after check after check. And I know I've overplayed the sound effect a bit, but he wrote over $1 million worth of checks for cars, strippers, and cocaine. And now he is facing the music for it. General topic... 
Yahoo has gotten hacked. And you're saying, wait a minute, we already talked about that on this show. No, 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 no. It has just come out that Yahoo was hacked another time. And this dates back to 2013, much like the other hack. Over a billion accounts are supposedly affected. So we'll talk a bit about the Yahoo hack. This has to do with Yahoo email, by the way. And why I advise that uh, you be very careful if you use third-party services to store your email, like Yahoo. And what some alternatives might be to using a service like Yahoo, or if you do use a service like Yahoo, how you can more safely use it to where your data won't be compromised. And also, really, what the threat is, if you, if you don't take any of these precautions, or if it's too late, if, people, if they've already maybe gotten access to your email in mass, what's likely to happen. So we'll talk about those things. And whatever else comes up, maybe if we have time, we'll talk about the Donald Trump Russian election interference allegation. And that is our agenda for this evening. So we're going to get going. And I got to tell you, Druff, I told you I'd come on. I, I got up at about 5 a.m. this morning. So you're saying my you, dogs were freaking out, and I don't get up at 5 a.m. So I'm going to do my best. Okay. I, I got my glass of rum. I'm going to try to hang in there, but I might not be able to be here all night. No, that's fine. That's fine. If I hear you snoring, I'll just cut you, and that'll be that. <laughs> but uh, you know, I won't do to you what I would do to people on the phone when they'd fall asleep on me. Because I, I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate that it's, it's near midnight for you. They, your dogs woke up at 5. Why were the dogs barking at 5? Do you know? God knows. I live on 17 acres. There's some animal outside. I mean, who knows? You live on 17 acres? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you, you have 17 acres for yourself? Well, i got a couple of dogs, too. I, I didn't know this. I, I learn something new about you every day. Wow. 17 acres. That's uh, got to be a lot of money. Land is cheap up here. Right? I know. I know it's not like you know California land, but it's not like seventeen acres in <laughs> anywhere in L.A. I mean, I mean that's true. That's true. It's probably like a point seventeen acres in L.A. Just adjust your expectations that's true. appropriately. That's true. Well, okay. Uh, I, I appreciate whatever time you can give. And what I would do though to people who would fall asleep on the phone with me, and I, I just told someone this story recently, and they asked me why, and I couldn't even answer why. I, I think it was just like because I could. Uh, I'd be on the phone with someone, and they would fall asleep, and I say, hey, wake up. You asleep? Hello? Hello, you asleep? You there? Hey, wake up. They don't wake up. So I say, okay, what do I do? And like, I should have just hung up. That would be the mature thing to do is just hang up and understand they fell asleep. That's no fun. But you're yeah, right. It wasn't fun. So I'd start pressing buttons on the phone to you know, with touch tones to wake them up, which sometimes would do the job. But sometimes the touch tones were not loud enough to wake them up. So then I would bring in the big guns. The big guns... There's a phone number you can call, one of many phone numbers. Uh, they end with 0002, and they're really, really loud. In fact, I won't even three-way it onto the show because <laughs> you're not going to want to hear it. It's really loud, but it makes it sound like, it's, it's called a loop line. It's, uh, it's used to test uh, telephone company equipment. It's existed uh, for decades. And uh, being an old-school uh, phone hacker for my youth, I, I've known about these forever. So I would three-way that on. And that's like one of the loudest sounds that can be carried over a telephone. And it would just, that would wake people up. It would be very hard to sleep through that loop line. In fact, if, if you could sleep through that, you're really sleeping deeply. So I will not do that to you. I will not put the loop line on here, even though I could. It still exists today. Please don't. In fact, uh, <laughs> if you guys want to call the loop line, I think, I think here's one that still exists. I, I think uh, 
310-414-0002. In fact, I'm not going to call it on the show because I don't want to. I'm going to call here. I'll call on a different phone so this way you guys won't uh, have your ears blown out. See, I, I, I'm sensitive toward my listeners. So you'll get an idea what it is. You'll hear it... Uh, If it works here. There we go. That's the sound. So that's annoying. It's it, I mean, and that wasn't even like a three-way call. That was me calling on my cell phone and putting out speaker. So, like, imagine Drew, that your uh, your three-way sound a lot less fun than I was imagining. <laughs> yeah. especially well, with that tone. No, Jesus. it was that was actually pretty fun. And uh, actually, when I called party lines too, if if people were just being complete assholes on there, I would sometimes three that three-way that on too. That'd be the end of the the conversations there. Sure it would. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was a precocious little scamp there in the 80s. But, uh, yeah, if, you guys can use it, too. 310-414-0002. Also a good number to give people if they want your phone number and you don't want to give it to them. So you give them that one. <laughs> they call it up, and that's what they get. And it, it really blows out your ear. That's thing. That's like about the loudest sound. Like People would get prank calls, and they would use a whistle to blow into the phone, thinking that's going to blow out someone's ear. It doesn't. It, it doesn't translate the same way as it does in person. But that thing, that'll do the job. So, the free roll started six minutes ago. You still have 19 minutes to get in there. I, I hope it's working. I never verified that the free roll was set up because it kind of just set itself up and I just assumed it was fine. So let me know in the chat room if the free roll is working. <laughs> I knew I was forgetting something, but it was already set up from last week and it just rolled over to start again. So, by the way, uh, with the MGM topic, we're going to talk to someone who was there. Scott from the East Coast, he said he will tell us uh, about the fight and the, quote, epic fail that occurred there. I believe he was there that night, so thank you to him. Scott from the East Coast, by the way, he was a very nice guy. He he bought a gift. I've mentioned that before for uh, myself and for Brandon, a uh, for jerseys for our favorite baseball teams and with our names on it. So I have a Wittellis jersey for the Dodgers. It says Dodgers and Wittellis. And uh, I actually wore it to the Dodgers playoff game I went to this year. And he got one for Brandon for the Marlins. So very nice guy. Met him a number of times in uh, in Vegas when he's there for the World Series. So Forum Wars is saying it sounds like the emergency broadcast tone from the 70s and 80s. It kind of does. It does sound a lot like that. It's even more annoying. It's, it's, it's louder and more annoying than the emergency broadcast tone. All right. So, looking at the chat room, is it this own Mattisau says? Is it true that Nate Seven fucked Sean Shakan up the ass? Where, where's that question coming from? <laughs> I I don't know. I know nothing about that, but I got your question out there. Uh, also, a link about Lucky Chewy Poker that I clicked on. F and Donkey, met him before. He's a nice guy. He says uh, he lives on 80 acres in Oklahoma, but he says land is cheap here in sister fuck Oklahoma. I hope that doesn't apply to him. I hope he's not fucking his sister in Oklahoma. But yeah, I can imagine it's cheap over there. I- I've considered that at some point. Like, if I like to sold the house I live in here and then move to some really cheap place in the U.S., I, I could live in such a baller place. But then you, I, you too could be on seventeen acres. I, yeah, maybe even more. So I, mean, I believe that. I mean, 80, eighty in Oklahoma. Maybe you should move there. Well, yeah, but then you'd be in Oklahoma. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean. 
So I don't know. Like, yeah, I think if I if I didn't have a family, if it was just me by myself, and it, it might be worth considering to just uh, trade in uh, a less desirable place to live for uh, just to really look like a baller, to just look like the richest guy in town that just everyone envies. If you if you're on that much land, no one's ever going to see you. Yeah, like a big build a big uh, a big fence. A big wall. You could have a Koresh compound out there. Yeah, I could have a Donald Trump build me a wall around it and. <laughs> be great. Okay, you, you try, you're going to be trying to keep people in or keep people out. No, I'll keep people out. No, no, I'm not okay. going to keep people in. It's just just like the U.S. You know, keep people out. Okay, so let's let's start with the topics here. Uh, Mike Dentali and Kate Hall had a Twitter battle back and forth last week, a week ago today. It all started when Kate Hall, who is a 32 year old female tournament pro, I think she was a live cash pro prior to this. I, I don't know her full history. I've kind of been curious of it recently and tried to look some things up and then kind of lost interest. She used to work in a crypt somewhere. <laughs> that, that At least that Photoshop got... Uh, it, it, it's made the rounds. But So, so this is what happened. Uh, this is what kicked off the whole thing. She had Ace-10 offsuit in the Bellagio 5 Diamond. And keep in mind, Kate Hall has like 400k worth of tournament caches in each of the last two years, in 2015 and 2016, including one for 95k in the Bellagio 5 Diamond in one of the prelim events. So she's not a fish. She uh, She's probably entering a whole lot of these, so I don't know how much she's up. She might be backed. She uh, She's traveling a lot to some very far-flung places, and those expenses... But she's not up. backed. She's an idiot. Yeah. I'm sure she's backed. Yeah, she very well could be. But she should be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even criticizing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, whatever. So, like, you hear someone's up. A, so someone is. Uh, they've cashed 800k since the beginning of 2015. You go, oh wow, that's that's amazing. But her profit can't be anywhere near that. Uh, I, I yeah. assume she probably has. Is probably up if you take buy-ins versus expenses. You know, buy-ins and expenses versus cashing. She probably has not spent 800k. But how much sure. is she up? I I don't know. Uh, it is acknowledged that she's run pretty well, but at the same time, I, I don't want to take it away from her. She's been playing for two years in these tournaments and uh, in these big tournaments, many of which were tough, and has done pretty well. So I'll give her credit there. I don't think that Kate Hall is a fish. Uh, I can tell from her tweets, even though I don't agree with them, and I think that she's often very self-centered. Uh, she seems like a smart woman. She's uh, So I, I can understand how someone like that could become uh, pretty good at poker if she has the talent for it. But... Uh, Everybody also has their bad days, and some people have really, really bad days. And I've, you know, I've made some dumb moves in tournament poker. Every time I, I mean, I get depressed when this happens. When I make dumb moves in tournament poker, and then I'm out, I'm so frustrated. Even if they're only moderately dumb moves or kind of questionable moves, which aren't that terrible, I still question myself. I still beat myself up for it. I, I couldn't handle being a tournament pro for a living. You don't smoke enough weed. No, maybe that's what it is because it. I, I just get so stressed out by it. Like, I enjoy the World Series experience, but the the seven weeks of the World Series is enough. And I don't even play all seven weeks, but it's enough. Like, after that, I'm done, and I'm happy to be done for a while. Then I look forward to it again when the pain wears off. So it's not that I hate playing it. It's just I, I couldn't do this the whole year. It would be very, very, very difficult. But and i gotta I got to tell you, Druff, after seeing the whole blow-up between these two, and then you're starting to recount the story about how it started. And you're like, so Kate Hall had Ace Ten offsuit, right? I-, I can't just help but thinking like how fucking ridiculous poker players are. 
You know what I mean? Like this thing is turned into an out and out bloodbath. Yeah, it has. It, it, over one stupid hand. It is interesting. So yeah, so what happened for those of you that don't know is she had Ace Ten offsuit in the Bellagio Five Diamond, which is a ten K buy in event. And remember she had cashed ninety five K, I think, in third place in a preliminary. But uh, she wasn't in the money here yet. And so a guy named Barry Hutter, I haven't really heard of him before, he, he had uh, a bet of 16500 I don't know what the blinds were. Uh, Kate Hall re-raised with the Ace-10 offsuit uh, to 44000 And then he tanked for a little bit and moved all in for one forty five k So it's basically another hundred k to Kate, who, that was almost all of her stack. She had like 165k total. And she'd already put in 44. So she tanked for 10 minutes. 10 minutes she tanked. Clock. And then, uh, after, right, someone finally called the clock. And I mean, what the hell could you possibly, I mean. Yeah, so, so the so weird thing is, she, what she's sitting here thinking with Ace-10? Ace-10 is a terrible hand to have in this spot because there's just, other than 8-8 or 9-9, or some kind of just total bluff, which isn't that likely, uh, you're way behind. And what hands are you, you're dominated often and never dominating anything else? Yes, it's it's either, in the or best not case... never, but should be very rare. Very rare, right. So, so, I mean, yeah, if he's shipping it in with Ace-3 suited or something, great, but it's probably not happening. That's probably not happening there, and so at best you're you're racing with eight eight nine nine, and uh, most likely you're way dominated and you're screwed for almost your whole stack. So well, either, either way, Druff, like if there's if there's some dynamic with this guy at the table where she has reason to believe that he's, you know, he could be doing it with an ace blocker, or he's shipping light or whatever, you know, it shouldn't take ten minutes to decide on that, you know, and and if it's someone that you have no reads on or they've just played standardish. And it's just a fold. Yeah. I mean, what's I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it either. So finally she called, and he had jacks. <laughs> so everyone at the table was shocked here. And the board ran out, didn't help either of them, and he doubled up, and she almost busted. She was down to 20K, and then she busted like two hands later against him in a fairly standard spot. So, uh, so she already warned people that the update's coming, and the internet's not going to like it. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, that's, uh, that's, that's already how it started. Like they were, uh, she was all prepared to, uh, where is this here? I, I had it up. And I, is this well, like you said, though, everyone makes mistakes in, in tournament poker. It's, I mean, it's a game and imperfect information and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we can criticize her until the cows come home, but... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a really I, dumb I, play. I don't see how this ever turned into such a big yeah, deal. Yeah, it, it really blew up. So it was it was a dumb play. There's really no defense. I mean, the, the, the bad thing, she, she should have just said, okay, I play so many of these. I made a dumb mistake. I screwed up. Sorry. Like, I've said that before. I've said, oh, I made a bad play. I screwed up. Like I, I went with my read. Yeah. How about that? that? That's what she said. But, you know, just... Uh, well, then just leave it alone. Walk yeah. away. So she says, she puts it out there. And by the way, Kate Hall is always tweeting. A lot of times it's social justice warrior type stuff and... She's gotten a lot of people to dislike her over time, and, and other people who don't necessarily dislike her, but kind of just intrigued by her, partially because she's a, <laughs> a, 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 a somewhat young female and uh, uh, very outspoken. So it's just it's easier to 
notice someone like her who's very active on Twitter. Yeah, she's got a cute face. She's got a cute face, yeah. right. So don't, all the, all don't look the, at the hands, right. but she's got a cute face. <laughs> so so, yeah. so a lot of people have, are paying attention to everything she does. So knowing that, she tried to get out in front of it and say, spoiler alert for those watching updates, just went with a read I was pretty confident of and was wrong. I will look, It will look horrible. Now short. So then it got out and... Uh, she tried to defend it a little bit, and then came. How long ago after this was? So she warned people at 4:20 p.m. on December 7th. Uh, then the discussion about this was going on at 11:39 p.m. And when she said to some guy named Brian Rennert that she was getting 2.3 to one, depending on range assumptions, Mike Dentali, who already didn't like her for some reason. Uh, because he had already posted about her like back in November, some critical things. So they had a history of some sort. And I think she had blocked him at some point, but she, he wasn't blocked anymore because she saw what he wrote back. He uh, responded to what she was saying about the 2.3 to 1 odds she was getting, depending on range. He writes back, this answer proves to me you're clueless. And there we go. Now it got going. So she writes back, bro, you do a lot of talking. If you want to play heads up tonight or any other time, I'm game. And then it went back and forth and back and forth, and other people got involved, and and uh, you know they were it got nastier and nastier. She started calling him bitch. He started making fun of her long bony fingers, which we analyzed last show, and it turned out was true. She actually does have long bony fingers. So <laughs> uh, it's funny because like I looked, I've looked at pictures of Kate Hall not really closely prior to this. Like prior to last week's show, I knew what she looked like. I'd seen a number of pictures of her, and my opinion was yeah, Kate Hall is a, a a pretty attractive girl, especially for someone in poker. And I never noticed the hands. I always just I looked at the picture. and I thought, you know, she's an attractive girl, but something kind of is a little bit off. Something a little funny about it, but I, I can't see what it is. And when Mike Dentali pointed out the hands thing, I'm like, oh my god, that's exactly what it is. She has like really long bony fingers and. Uh, I won't like say, one of those anatomy skeletons. Yeah. yeah, and I won't. I won't say who did it, but a certain person made a Photoshop of uh, Kate Hall's face on the Crypt Keeper, and then that was uh, posted in the chat on our radio show chat. And then Lou Father went and tweeted it, to, and Mike Dentali retweeted it. So I'm sure she's seen it. <laughs> I'm sure she's seen it. But anyway, uh, so they went back and forth and. It seemed that Kate Hall was much more excited about playing heads up than Mike Dentali was. He he seemed willing to do it, but then was backing away whenever she was trying to nail him down on details. Like it was one of these things where, yeah, I'll do it. I'll play you heads up. Okay, when? Uh, well, I'm in New York. I can't really do it right now, but we'll do it soon. Like She was trying to get a, a concrete date, and he was clearly trying to dodge it. So I don't know if he is afraid he's going to lose or if he just doesn't have the money to put into it or... Well, here's the thing that's so dumb about this. Like, okay, whoever ends up walking away winning, what it doesn't mean anything. Right, it doesn't. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally nothing. Yes, it it, it does mean nothing. And uh, so, if but, they played like a thousand tournaments, then maybe it would mean something. And that's what people know? are making fun of here. Like, what heads up for rolls? Like this, this is like. A ten-year-old type challenge, or it's actually much older. This actually has been going back before we were born. There's a heads up for rolls challenge. Oh, they're all... both whipping their dicks out on the table. Yeah. So, and, and it was. I guess Kate... she's whipping her lady out. I don't know. <laughs> or, whatever you want to call her, it. bony fingers out. But, <laughs> oh, no. but look, uh, she is the one. You know, to Dentali's credit, she, he was not the one who threw down this challenge. She threw it to him when he criticized her. He, you know, he criticized her and said she's clueless. 
And then she said, oh, yeah, well, you know, if you want to play heads up anytime, let's do it. And then it went back and forth and she kept taunting him when he said he's willing to but wouldn't nail down a date. So it was clear that she was the one who really wanted the match and he was kind of a little uh, reticent to do so. But finally, uh, it has been nailed down. And you might wonder if you can see this match. And I'm not sure if it's really going to take place. But uh, right now, it is uh, scheduled for the moment. Let me uh, let me get mm-hmm. to the... Is, is that the last we have on this, or do you have more? It's, well, it's, it's happening in March at the Sugar House. Yeah. It's going to be broadcast. Right. So it's going to be on uh, our, our favorite uh, poker program, Poker Night in America. Yeah. Which is uh, the same program that had the controversy involving Nolan Dalla and Jacqueline Moscow. So, yeah. and uh, Tuckman is going to be doing the commentary. I don't know who else with him, but I know he's going to be doing the commentary. Maybe they'll get some uh, some other heads up specialists in there. I have no idea. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I guess uh, he agreed. So this is a. I guess she was showing a text. She was having back and forth. Trust, I'm driving down there. Like, if this actually, oh, you're going to really watch it? Okay. I'm, no, I'm, well, I mean, I know some of the guys are going to be there anyway, but I'm driving down there. I mean, just, you know, the one in, uh, yeah, maybe one in ten shot that it ends up being a complete fucking, you know, clusterfuck with the fight. And, you know, God knows, like, he calls her a cunt at the table and she jumps over the table and chips fly everywhere and she grabs his nutsack with her bony claw and makes him blubber <laughs> an apology. I mean, just on the, the, the tiny chance that that happens. Yeah, I, I'm really hoping one. there will, will be trash talk, right? If it's just like a quiet match for raise, call, all in, fold, like, it'd it, it, be boring. I hope there is trash talk. But this, this is what was... Uh, she tweeted this out when she, you know, she woke up in the morning and uh, tweeted this out excitedly to everybody. She says, good morning, Internet. Today is a glorious day. This is the day after on uh, December 8th. This was a text conversation with her and Matt Glantz, who was helping set this up. And Matt Glantz is associated with Poker Night in America. In fact, he may own part of it. He listens to this show, by the way. But uh, Matt uh, texted her this. Wow, he agreed to play. I asked him if he can do Th- Thunder Valley on January 28th or Sugar House in Philadelphia in March. He said he will commit to Sugar House. You guys have to work out what the match will be, but we will live stream the entire match and then cut it f- for at least one TV show. He's referring to Poker Night in America. If it's great, we can get multiple episodes out of it. Pretty epic. And she says, holy shit, really, really? And he says, that's what he said. I'm very optimistic and hopeful. And she says, yes, a million times yes, I'm in, obviously. So she, she tweeted this conversation out. This is not a private conversation. Now, I saw something weird on the screenshot of these tweets. So above it, she has an iPhone. Above it, it says Matt, referring to Matt Glantz. And then it says messages, parentheses, 2869 to go back and look at the rest of her messages. Now, how does she have 2869 unread text messages? I mean, do it's it's actually possible like if she's got if she's in a bunch of like group chats, you know. Okay, it's, I've just never group seen text, like this. You know? I, I have a lot of quote unread. Well, you email. don't have the social calendar that she has. I guess okay. not, but uh, like I have emails that are supposedly unread where I it's just something I already know what it's going to say and I don't bother opening it, but I want to save it. So those unread emails build up, and eventually they have thousands of, quote, unread emails, when in reality I, I don't need to read them. But right. I, I've never seen with text messages. Text messages, I, I, if I get a text from someone, I go over there and I read it. But how do you, how do you have 2,869 
It's almost certainly group messages. It must like, be. It's, it's, it's got to be. I thought maybe Kate Hall has so many fans. They're just uh, She's inundated with messages. She just, yeah, she just, but she, I mean, <laughs> yeah. however many fans she may or may not have, they're not going to have her number. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, it's weird, but that's uh, that's was there on the screenshot. So is is that the last we've heard? Yeah, yeah. Um, that is the last that uh, that I'm aware of. Um, I'm with you. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't happen, but I really hope it does. Yeah, and I'll say. I the, mean, I, yeah, sorry, go go on. Yeah, you go on. I was just gonna say. I mean, I think the whole thing is incredibly fucking stupid. It is, but I'm glad. I'm still glad it's happening because it's probably going to be a train wreck, and it'll probably be entertaining. Well, that's what people are saying. Like, people think this is stupid, and they think this is kind of petty and immature. But they, it's also been kind of boring recently in poker, and this is kind of a, a dead time of the year. So at least it's provided a little bit of excitement. And and if it is an interesting match back and forth with trash talk, then it'll be interesting to watch. I'll say I, I'd much rather watch that than the GPL's uh, phony teams against one another, about the, the Los Angeles Sunset against the Las Vegas Moneymaker. I don't give a crap about that. This, this at least, you, you have a reason to watch it. There's there's a, a real competition angle here beyond just winning at poker. So it's not going to prove anything, but... I will be interested to see it as well. I think most of us will be, and I think that's why Poker Night in America was smart and grabbed this. I, I, I think Matt Glance probably went to Todd Anderson, who runs Poker Night in America, and said, hey, we've got something good here. People are going to want to watch this, and maybe it'll, it'll introduce people to Poker Night in America that have not seen it yet, and then they'll watch it again. I mean, it was very smart of Matt or whoever took this to Poker Night in America. I assume it was Matt to get this on there, because if I, if I was associated with that show, I would want to put that on there too so that that has happened some people are criticizing and saying who's going to care who's going to want to watch these two d-list poker celebrities play like, there's enough people who are going to want to watch it just because of the a lot of people watch this trash talk back and forth and those that didn't have been reading about it on uh, poker news sites it really is everywhere now so now yeah the very casual poker fan is going to have no idea who either of these two people are but if they give a bit of background, then they'll be interested anyway. Because it's it's kind of an interesting competition. Mike Dentali, for those of you that don't know, is this uh, like stereotypical, aggressive, muscle-bound guy at the table that always gives you a look like he wants to kick your ass every time you beat him in a hand. That's that's pretty much Mike Dentali. His, his whole persona is, I'm a tough guy, be afraid of me. So that's that's the persona he puts on at the table. And, and, and he, But he's, you know... He's kind of smart about it in that, you know, he talks a lot of trash and does a lot with his mouth, but he actually plays pretty tight. Uh, And he's one of those guys that he probably tries to seem looser than he is by virtue of doing that. Right. The Iceman is like that, too. The Iceman, he doesn't doesn't try to come off as tough, but he kind of – he tries to come off as as just some crazy gambler type and some – like a guy you're not going to expect to be a tight player. And I know a lot of guys that do that, and amazingly – I mean, it seems to work. Like, if you're talking a lot, people think that you're actively involved. That's, that's you know, I did this, <laughs> yeah. I did this too. I wasn't tight, but but on uh, Absolute Poker, before I got cheated by Grey Cat, I uh, made Ralph, a lot of... I heard from a couple of guys in Vegas that you're very tight. Really? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that one. Wide stance in the, the yeah, bathroom I, I, stall I know, I know is all I'm going to say. I'm not going to comment on that one. <laughs> the Bellagio bathroom. I know the same place that... Uh, same place that Scott Montgomery got robbed. Same scene of the crime. But Coincidence? You decide. <laughs> Maybe I robbed Scott Montgomery in blackface. Maybe it was me. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah. doing that that pimp talk that you did last week, yeah. <laughs> Amazingly, nobody gave me a hard time about it. I thought I might get uh, complaints. Ah, it was all in good fun. So, you know? on Absolute Poker in in '07, I had uh, an account there that people didn't really know was me. Eventually, people learned it was me, but for a while, no one knew it was me. And I I had like a character I did with it. I typed in all caps in the chat on purpose. I was very brash. I was very I was really trying to encourage action. I was. Uh, I, I was very, very talkative, and I was really trying. To, it, it actually worked because the fish really enjoyed playing in that environment. The fish liked talking trash back and forth with me. They liked the kind of fun environment I created there. But in reality, I wasn't tight. But I was never playing on tilt or crazy. Like er, every time I, I was playing, I was making a bet with a purpose, or, or you know, every move I made was with a purpose there, and I was fully in control. But I, I came off as this like loudmouth gambler type that they like to play with. And since I wasn't a tight player. That, that especially made them believe it. And so I really kept the games going there for a long time because the fish loved playing with me there. And they would they would love to sit when I was there because they, they saw that as... They, they thought it was someone like them rather than a, a pro who was just waiting for them to sit down and take their money. So it does work. And I understand why these guys do it. So I, I hope that we see kind of a, a live version of the... Twitter war we saw when Mike Dentali and Kate Hall play each other in March, and we, I hope this really happens. And I hope it wasn't just Dentali agreeing, knowing that March is a few months away, and that if he backs out of it at that point with some excuse, people won't uh, care that much. So, I don't think, especially after that very public Twitter war, there are going to be a lot of people who are never going to let him forget it yeah. if he tries to back out of that. That's true. And now what's also weird is Kate Hall claims there was some reference to a challenge he put down the previous week to rep Porter to play him heads up and that the, really? the offers quote still open to him but then she didn't elaborate but someone said something like, oh this is like what you said to rep last week she said the offer still open to him to play me as well something like that which that that surprises me because rep Porter is is a tough player and and uh you know he played both cash and tournament why is she going around making all these dumb challenges? I don't know. Like people are, who know both of them, they think that Kate Hall, poker wise, probably has the edge on on Dentali heads up. I I don't know for sure. That's what I'm hearing from people. But of course, these could just be ass kissers or fanboys. But that's what some people are saying. But I, I have to say, if she was playing Rep Porter, I'd have to go with Rep Porter on that one. So yeah, but again, but three heads happen, up yeah. matches. I know anything can happen. I'm just saying what you, I you know. Yeah, but she apparently challenged Rep Porter, which is uh, was surprising. But I know no more about that other than the quick mention where someone made to her about, "Hey, didn't you just do this last week?" And she said, "Yeah, that's open as well to to Rep." So I don't know if he's interested. Now, some people have criticized the buy-in of this of the 10k buy-in to the of the heads-up matches that it's not enough money, and that unless it's going to really damage the roles of either of them, and unless neither of them are backed, then it's kind of meaningless. But I don't agree. I, I I think just from all the trash talk, this will be interesting to watch, even if the consequence of losing, other than the humiliation of losing, if you even can say it's humiliation, since it's uh, really anything can happen in just three matches like this. So it, it doesn't have to have some life-altering consequence to be interesting. So I, I don't really agree with that criticism. So as you said, I'll, I'll be interested. I I don't live close to there to go see it. In fact, you, you don't live very close either. Uh, it's only a few hours away. That's it's a few not hours? a big deal. Okay. 
So I've got, I, I can drive down there, and I, I could be the uh, the on-scene reporter that's for right. Poker Fraud Alert. That's right. Yeah. Then I can send you out for a watermelon slushie. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know about that. You ever been to the Sugar House? No, no. Not the best. Uh, I mean, it's kind of in the hood. I, I was at the Harris Philadelphia that, uh, that racetrack. In, that I've been to. That's the only Philadelphia area of casino I've been to. Yeah. So that is going on. Uh, oh, hold on a second. Is she going to be on the 2 plus 2 poker cast? I see someone posted a link in the chat to a picture of her. Oh, it's one of those bony hand pictures. Maybe she's already been on before. <laughs> but but it, it says, it, you know, pokercast.2plus2.com slash IMG slash guest slash Kate Hall. Like, it's a picture of her. Uh, that's probably one of the old ones, but okay. I guarantee you she'll be on there. Uh, Why wouldn't she you know, be? They always get everybody. It's so frustrating. Well, it's a dead, I mean, it's a dead news time. This is uh, uh, probably... <laughs> No, but you know, I, bliss for for those guys. I know, but I just I just wish all the other shows didn't get the guests while we get nobody. It just well, are you are you actively out there trying to get guests? No, but I, I just oh, well. I, I just have this fantasy. <laughs> no, but I have this fantasy that uh, like nobody can get any guests, and they've all got to be entertaining in their own right. And you know, right. I, I live this fantasy that Chicago Joey doesn't really get guests, and it's all in my head. Like I, I just want to believe that. I don't want to believe okay. that. You know, I I feel like uh, the guy who. Uh, isn't going to prom and all the hot girls are going with other guys. I'm going, damn it. You know what? I just wish nobody goes to prom. It, kind it of actually is real work to get guests and to line them up. I mean, they're program directors, so that's all they do. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I don't do so, it. So, I mean, <laughs> that, that's why I don't do it. That's the thing. Like, it's, uh, I, I, I don't have, I haven't had the motivation to get guests or to get sponsors. And I think if I put enough effort into it, I could get both. Now I probably can't get as many guests as a Chicago Joey type, and I think you know between people that I've pissed off or that I've pissed off their friends or people who just are afraid this show will have too critical of a tone, even if I say it won't, I think we'll have a hard time getting a guest compared to someone like Chicago Joey, who's uh, yeah a good softball player. So I I think that kind of deters me as well. It's one of these things, like, if, if I don't ask, they can't reject me. So, all right, let's, uh, let's go to the next topic here. Harry Reid is back on the hot seat regarding a bribe that he allegedly made or requested and got in regards to changing his stance for online poker legalization in 2008. 10 or 2011. $1 million. That's the amount he's alleged to have received. And it was through a third party. And uh, this, this first came out when uh, Jeremy Johnson, who is a telemarketing scammer, and in fact was, in, was somewhat helped out by two different attorneys general of, of the state of Utah who were uh, hit with corruption cases. Yeah, first one, then the other. Uh, he, Jeremy Johnson was a payment processor for online poker. If you played online poker back in the day, Jeremy Johnson probably was one of the people processing your payments. He was very involved with the Sun First Bank in St. George, Utah, which was processing poker payments. Uh, Jeremy Johnson was actually not part of the Black Friday indictments, which the Sun First Bank very much was, because they already had a much stronger case against him 
involving his telemarketing business that was scamming people. Jeremy Johnson ran a $750 million telemarketing scam unrelated to online poker where they, they would basically just uh, sell people things and then just keep billing their credit card and would not let them cancel. Or they'd say they're going to cancel and not cancel. They just keep auto billing, auto billing, auto billing, and they're and just uh, not letting anyone cancel. And they stole seven hundred fifty million dollars this way. So Jeremy Johnson, they you know he was finally cracked down upon by the federal government, and they felt that case was a lot stronger and a lot easier to prosecute than the online poker payment processing. So even though they knew about it, they just said you know we're, we're just going to skip this part of it and concentrate on the stronger case we have against him. But he was very, very much an active payment processor. Chad Ellie, who also was a very active payment processor, and we had him on this show in 2012. And he listens to this show sometimes still. He sometimes will retweet when I announce this show is going to be on. And he said he'll come back on sometime for a follow-up of what he's doing these days. But he worked directly with Jeremy Johnson to process poker payments. And he went to prison for five and a half months for the Black Friday bust, of which he was one of the defendants. Uh, I have a feeling that Chad Ellie hid money away. He claimed that he was broke and that the government took all his money and he was going to you know, start being a professional poker player or something. But I think that was just a story. I think he hid away money. But uh, that's just my guess. Anyway, uh, he said that Jeremy Johnson even cheated him and stole from him which I probably believe. But uh, getting back to Harry Reid, Jeremy Johnson, when he was, uh, he was going to meetings with various uh, government officials when the heat started coming down on him, because what, what Jeremy Johnson would do, he, would, he wouldn't just scam. He, would, he was very generous. He would give a lot of charitable donations. He, he made close friends with the attorneys general and uh, took them on expensive trips and... Uh, he seemed like the nicest guy, except that all his money came from scamming. That was the one little problem. So uh, he had a meeting with uh, the Assistant Attorney General John Swallow, who eventually became the full Attorney General in Utah. And Jeremy Johnson secretly recorded the meeting. And when the recordings of these meetings came out in early 2013, while he was talking to John Swallow... Jeremy Johnson was talking about how he gave a million dollars to some, you know, he put a million dollars in some weird account, some weird offshore account, and that he was told to do this by a third party, and that that third party promised that if he did this and put the million dollars in this weird offshore account, that Harry Reid would change his stance on the legalization of online poker. Well, sure enough, around that time, it was in 2010. Around that time of that bribe, Harry Reid did abruptly change his stance regarding. No. Um, yeah, it's a shock. I know. No, <laughs> he really did do an about face that at the time people didn't understand. He he went from anti online poker to pro online poker very abruptly, and 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 then here you we have this tape that Jeremy Johnson recorded of him meeting with John Swallow, where he was talking about how he gave a million dollars to an account that someone told him to put it in there and Reed will change his position. Now, of course, this is just Jeremy Johnson saying it on tape. He, there's, there's a lot of explanations. You know, he could have just said it uh, knowing he was recording and knowing he could use it one day, but it seemed real. I heard it, and it just seemed to kind of flow in the middle of the conversation. It didn't seem like he intentionally threw it in there or had 
planned beforehand to say this. It sounded like just part of a long conversation he had with, with John Swallow there. And then only later did it become significant when the government was cracking down on him. He said, mm, yeah, I remember saying this. And then this became... Just, just an aside, Druff. If John Swallow ever has daughters, <laughs> I just feel bad for him. <laughs> Sorry. We should look into that if he actually has daughters. That's, that's... I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just horrible. I mean, it's, it's a good question. So the, the state of Utah really wanted to investigate this. You remember that? Jeremy Johnson was operating out of St. George, Utah, which is, I think, about an hour away from Vegas. It's, it's right on the border between Nevada and, uh, and Utah. Or not between, but it's right on the border of Nevada. And a number of people who live in St. George are actually former Vegas residents that decided to get away to a smaller town. I've always found St. George to be kind of a strange place. And it seems like a lot of shadiness goes on there, too. But... The state of Utah was, they were trying to investigate everything related to Jeremy Johnson and this thing about Reed. I guess, uh, I think even the meeting that took place that he was talking about, that where he gave the million dollars, took place in Utah. So Utah was really trying to investigate this, and the federal government was throwing up roadblocks because Eric Holder was a Democrat, Harry Reid was a Democrat, Harry Reid was Senate Majority Leader at the time. They, they did not want him to go down. I mean, he's a very, very prominent Democrat. They did not want Harry Reid to go down on corruption charges of accepting a million-dollar bribe. Wait, Swallow didn't want him to go down? <laughs> or somebody else? Eric Holder didn't want him to go down. So okay. so basically, they the federal government did all they could. That includes the FBI. Um, or the, you know, the, I shouldn't say the, the full FBI. The FBI and the Salt Lake City office wanted to investigate but uh, over their head, they were not allowed to investigate. Basically, the federal government did all they could to thwart this investigation and did. And that was the end of it. So it seemed like it was over. And I've talked about it on this show before, that Harry Reid, who's been alleged to have been taking bribes for his whole career. I mean, the, way before this happened, there were rumors about Harry Reid taking bribes. Strong rumors. But, you know, Harry Reid, he, he knew the game. He knew how to do it. He he wouldn't go up to you and say, hey, uh, the, give me a suitcase of money. Like he, he would do it through third parties who then could claim later that they just uh, were making it up or they uh, they just assume Harry would want it, but he didn't agree. They they have these these, these, these intermediaries who do it, who part of their job is to take the fall if, if something happens. So anyway, here, here are some... Uh, Excerpts from a Salt Lake City Tribune report about this, and now, and now they're uh, the investigation's heating up again, and they, they may reopen this and and attempt to uh, t- attempt to make this happen, and it's going to be easier with no more Democrat Attorney General in office, which will mm. be in about a month. So, here are some things that. Uh, the Salt Lake City Tribune found, and just just as an aside, Ruff. I mean that <laughs> I realize this is reality, but that really just shouldn't factor in. No, it you know shouldn't. what I mean. Like it shouldn't matter whether it's a Democrat or a Republican Attorney General. If someone is fucking taking bribes, they should be taken down. Yeah, and so the problem you know? is, yeah, I've always felt the Attorney General's it should not be a position appointed by by the president because this what you end up having is a person who is loyal then to the president and often to the president's party and then they don't want to go after their own and this is what happened here and i'm not going to say 
you know, because I'm a Republican, I'm not going to say, oh, if, if this involved Republicans, they wouldn't protect their own. Of course they would. They protect their own, too. This is the way it is. So uh, this this is one of the problems, one of the many problems we have with our, our current uh, political system. These these type of things need to be reformed. There, sh- there should not be a partisan attorney general office, but there will be as long as it's someone who is appointed by the president. So th- this is uh, what the Salt Lake City Tribune found through the a freedom of information claim that they made. Jeremy Johnson withdrew $2 million from the SunFirst Bank on November 5th, 2010, in the form of a cashier's check. The funds came from a corporate account known as Powder Monkeys, which was <laughs> a funny name, which is one of several such payment processing accounts linked to Full Tilt at SunFirst. The cashier's check was made out to another Full Tilt ent- entity based in Switzerland called Mail Media Limited. Then the check was sent to an L.A.-based gaming attorney named Ian Imrich, who worked for Full Tilt, and I remember him. Uh, the, the check was forwarded from Imrich to Mail Media's account at the Swiss bank, Basler Kantel Bank. Then uh, there is a payment channel, I guess, kind of through Switzerland to uh, through that Swiss bank over to Reed in some way. Now, they don't have a completely solid link, but the Salt Lake Tribune was able to obtain a registration document for a company in the Marshall Islands called Searchlight Holding, which Rawlings, uh, who's, uh, who's uh, the uh, Davis County uh, attorney who was trying to uh, prosecute, he said that uh, this may have been in control of by Senator Harry Reid. Now, what's interesting about Searchlight Holding Guess what the name of the city that Harry Reid is from originally? Searchlight. He's from a town called Searchlight, Nevada, which you pass if you're driving between Las Vegas and Laughlin. So it's a tiny town. Uh, Harry Reid's dad actually ran a whorehouse there. And really? <laughs> yes, and Harry Reid grew up uh, in that environment. He grew up in a whorehouse? Yeah, at least uh, with his dad running one. So Never knew that. Yeah, so Searchlight Holding... It's better than growing up on a farm, as far as your first encounter, right? Is a company in in uh, the Marshall Islands, which it said that Senator Harry Reid was probably in control of it. If that really is his bribe account, how stupid is it to call it Searchlight Holdings? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that would be. But that I mean, maybe he did anyway. The, they don't have evidence of a bank transfer between this Mail Media and Searchlight Holdings, but the company was registered at the Marshall Islands, uh, Virginia office. On October 27, 2010, and that was created just a week before the $2 million check was cut. And I, I guess it was $2 million. I guess all this, I thought it was $1 million all this time, but I guess it was $2 million. So that searchlight... You know where the Marshall Islands are, right? Uh, no. I mean, they're basically in the South Pacific, in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, I knew they were somewhere and, in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. And there's not a whole lot there. And... <laughs> I mean, I can't think of too many other reasons to incorporate there other than if you're going to try to launder money. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so what happened is they found that uh, the Searchlight Holdings was registered just a week before this $2 million check was cut in the Marshall Islands. And, uh, and remember, you have Jeremy Johnson on tape 
you can buy one of the Marshall Islands for $2 million. Yeah. You have him on tape talking about how he gave, he's at a million, but whatever, he may have forgotten a million, two million. He dealt with so much money back and forth, but that he gave a bribe to, to Harry Reid in 2010. And sure enough, Harry Reid started up the Searchlight Holdings uh, a week before that. So anyway, then the, uh, the Utah DA Rawlings wanted federal assistance regarding the true owners of uh, seven different uh, companies there in the Marshall Islands. One of them being searchlight holding, the other, uh, then there's uh, six others. He can't get it. The federal government is refusing to cooperate with this. Because remember, they, ha- they have an office in Reston, Virginia, this Marshall, the Marshall Islands, for these, uh, these accounts. So they could get it, but uh, the federal government says, we're not cooperating, we're not giving it to you, which is strange. And it says, uh, the ongoing effort by Full Tilt to curry favor with Harry Reid was already known to have started earlier in 2010, but additional info surfaced in the piece. It includes an excerpt from a June 2010 email from from, uh, Jeff uh, Ifra, which is different than uh, Ian Imrich, by the way. This is another attorney, Jeff Ifra, urging uh, Jeremy Johnson to accept a lunch invite from Harry Reid. So Jeff Ifra was a gaming attorney for Full Tilt, was trying to get Jeremy Johnson to go to lunch with Harry Reid, which is weird. Like, why would he be doing that? Uh, so also, in conjunction with the 2010 meeting at, at and a fundraiser at the Golden Nugget between Reid, several Full Tilt officials, and even John Pappas of the PPA, uh, Full Tilt CEO Ray Batara is alleged to have used $20,000 in Sun First money to make $20,000 in cash donations to Reid using several third-party donors. The Federal Election Commission has sued Jeremy Johnson over this attempt to evade the individual donation limit of $2,400, which is all an individual can donate to a candidate. And that case is still ongoing. So it's not direct proof, but it's very suspicious, especially given that Johnson was saying in this long conversation that he went and did this, and then the Salt Lake City Tribune found all this, which seems to corroborate a lot of it. And also corroborates the fact that the federal government is, is throwing a big, a big roadblock here. They don't want the Utah DA to know who owns those seven accounts in the Marshall Islands, including Searchlight Holdings. Hmm. So it really looks like this is what happened. What Jeremy Johnson said on the tape, th- this is what it was. He said, uh, so, so I, I guess uh, John Swallow asked at one point, do, you, do they know about your poker transaction with Harry Reid and stuff? And, and Johnson replied, I don't think anybody knows that. Honestly, you're the only person in the world I've even told this to. He said, I'll tell you this. We had a meeting with Reid where he said this was a private meeting. It was Reid. It was me. You remember John Pappas? Remember him, the PPA guy? And Swallow said, oh, yeah. And he says, John Pappas and Ray Batara and the owner of Full Tilt owner, uh, and Senator Reid. This is when it was a tight election with this lady down there, real tight. They're referring to uh, uh, Sharon Angle who was a Tea Party candidate, a terrible candidate who ended up losing to Reed, even though Reed was very unpopular in 2010. It was one of several seats Republicans just threw away by picking bad candidates. So then Swallow said, yeah, I remember that. And Johnson said, he said, look, I, I polled my constituents. They don't like online poker. Bottom line is it's bad for jobs here in Las Vegas, but I'm going to back what you guys are doing here. I'm going to introduce this bill for you. And that was basically it, right? Well, I kid you not, a week later, Right after that, Reed leaves with a little entourage. Ray Batar's buddy then flew over here with him from Ireland. I said, how the hell did you get him to do that? And he said, let's just say he got a little something in his retirement fund. 
And I was like, oh, okay, that's how it is. Well, I'm not kidding you. A week later, they have me, and they're specific. We want a bank check drawn the bank's general account. And then Swallow said, wow. And Johnson said, for a million dollars to some company, some media thing or something, a cashier's check, the money had, the, the money had better not get traced to our account or any circum, under any circumstances. So what do I do? Of course, I go out to the bank, tell them I need to pull this out of the bank's general reserve, which is held in their account. I don't tell the bank what I'm doing, and I didn't know what I was doing. I was like... Don't you know, you know, I mean, I suspected, obviously. So I, I believe Reed genuinely is on the take. I believe he's getting money for deals all over, all over hell because he's got so much damn influence. I believe they're on to him. And I think in the grand scheme of things, you're a little nugget or a little piece in the puzzle. So it seems to match pretty well with what was found by the Salt Lake City Tribune. So, so basically, they, uh, that what happened was they had met with Reed. They promised Reed... You know, allegedly, of course, but this was allegedly promised to read, hey, you know, support your, you know, support this and then we'll get money to you later. So it wasn't, he wasn't bribed first and then changed his opinion. He was promised to bribe first, supposedly. Then he changed his position and then they told Jeremy Johnson, hey, grab some money out of the Sun First Bank, do it out of their general fund so it doesn't look like it's really coming from anywhere. And, uh, and, and put this check in this account and then it, it makes its way over to Reed. So, hey, uh, Drove, just to put it in perspective, the Marshall Islands. What, what do you think their GDP is? <laughs> I've been I've been reading up on it while you've been talking about this. Uh, could it be one million dollars? That's probably more than that. Uh, <laughs> how, is it uh, ten million dollars? One hundred and fifteen million dollars. Okay, yeah, I, I understand. So but that's their that's their gross domestic product. Right, that's insane. That means that this this bribe that's flowing through the Marshall Islands is almost one percent of their GDP. Yeah, I, I actually I one little how, bribe. I didn't know how small they were. I actually thought maybe ten million dollars is possible, but uh, I guess well, it's, it's, they got a population of fifty three thousand. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Okay, okay, I, w- I wouldn't have said ten million then. But yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, uh, look, this is all fitting here, and Harry Reid already had this reputation prior to all this, and. You know, do you really think that Jeremy Johnson rehearsed this whole story, which which isn't, and, and you know, taped himself saying it? And I guess he wasn't even the one who brought it up. I guess it was Swallow asking him about it. Then he went into all this detail here, which matches what the Salt Lake City Tribune was able to find, and and matches the time frame when Harry Reid changed his opinion. And do you really think you know this doesn't directly have anything to do with with uh, Jeremy Johnson's telemarketing case? He just said it in passing conversation in a long conversation he taped with John Swallow, I guess to use as a bargaining chip later if Swallow ever turned on him. But this long conversation he had, I know you keep laughing about Swallow. This is like a Beavis and Butthead episode. (laughs) (laughs) He said Swallow. (laughs) So I can't help. So yeah. I believe it. I believed it from the start, and I especially believe it now. So the, the question is, now that the Salt Lake City Tribune has gotten more, and they've done their own investigation, and now that it's going to be a Republican-dominated political environment over there, where they have, they have all three houses, and there's going to be a Republican Attorney General, is this going to be it for the protection for Reed? Once uh, the Republicans are in power, will Utah be finding out who owns all seven of these 
Marshall Islands companies, including Searchlight Holdings? Will they be able to dig deeper? Will the federal government, in fact, cooperate? Or maybe even start their own investigation into Reed? I hope so, because whether you supported the legalization effort back then, or even support legalization efforts now, uh, this is really an abuse of public trust. Our politicians are not here. We don't elect them to enrich themselves with bribes. And even if they're taking bribes for something that you support, it still should not be happening. It should not be happening that way. Harry Reid should not be getting rich to change his position. And if you support that, then that also means you support bribes involving matters that you wouldn't like. You either support bribes or you don't. You can't say, I support bribes if it's something I agree with, but if it's something I disagree with, then bribes are terrible. So this just has no place in politics. I I know it's going to be in politics. I know you can't completely do away with it. But when it's found, especially on a large scale like this, it needs to be aggressively investigated and punished. And I hope Harry Reid, for all the allegations of bribery that have existed over the years, that finally this one takes him down. Even even if he's out of office by that point, which he will be, because he's going to be out of office in a few weeks. But uh, I mean, he would he deserves it. This is true, which I'm pretty confident it is. He deserves it. So we will see if this gets going again. And props to the Salt Lake City Tribune for doing. Can, can it, okay, so let's say this ends up getting prosecuted, and it does come out. Can Batar? get prosecuted for the bribe or is he I'm guessing, in some kind of double jeopardy situation I'm guessing they have some kind of agreement with him that any and all things that he's done involving full tilt they they're done with it, that was probably something that his attorney negotiated I have, I haven't seen proof of this but that's usually the way it's done so this way the government can't come back with some other related charge they oh, we're letting you offer this but not for that so now we're going to prosecute you even though we made a deal so that Usually it's more far-reaching where everything related to that matter, it's agreed that they're not going to And go that makes sense, it. but, I mean, there have to be limits, right? I mean, if they uncover that he, like, you know, murdered someone or, you know, yeah. bribed the president or something, I mean, it, there's got to be some kind yeah, of Yeah, there, there, there right? might be, and I, uh, there's probably some written agreement they have. Bribing a congressman's kind of a big deal. Yeah, it is. But it may be considered all part of the same thing that they're just. It was all part of the, part of the same thing. Considered business as usual, too. Yeah, right? yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, it may be considered that this is all part of the illegal operation they had going on, including pretty much owning a bank over there, mm-hmm. and that uh, compared to everything else, it's all pretty much the same to them. So I, I don't think Batar is going to face any more charges. And boy, the government really crapped the bed with that one, with, with letting him deciding that he was not compatible with prison because he had a heart condition that that whole thing i mean that that fucker pisses me off even more than letterer and yeah i know and then so so then he's supposedly on his deathbed they don't you know they make this sweetheart deal with him and uh then oh a miraculous recovery and then he gets married to a really hot chick and he's got all you know the super expensive wedding and he's got to have gobs and gobs of money that he stole from us still and he just goes on with his life pretty sweet deal pretty sweet I don't know how they fell for this not compatible with prison crap. They they can make modifications to how he. I is. mean, it really it really does sound like the right people were bribed because any objective person that looked at that was like, "You got to be kidding me!" Yeah, and it, you know, that's, and that's not 
that's not our problem if he's not quote compatible with prison. Even if he's sick, then okay. If he needs to be in uh, get medical treatment or needs to be certain allowances made because of his uh, illness, fine. But he still has to be in prison. He doesn't get out of prison because he's sick. <laughs> I'm sure if he was a street thug that was arrested oh, yeah. for jacking a Seven Eleven, he would be not going to jail because uh, you know if it, be, if it wouldn't be compatible with his health. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, right. give me a break. I, I imagine if someone who was uh, there for holding up a Seven Eleven, right? They, uh, he says, "I'm not compatible with prison. I've got a heart condition." The 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 judge. You got to say it in your pimp voice. Yeah, the judge would say back. <laughs> I'm not doing the pimping it this week. But yeah, that's it's a joke. So hopefully at least Reed will get in some trouble here. And I, I you can't even say, oh, you know, partisan politics now they're coming after Reed. Reed would deserve this here. This is a case where if the Republicans go after him for this, they should. Because the Democrats already should have and have been not just uncooperative, they've actually been putting up big roadblocks preventing this from proceeding. And the state of Utah has complained about this. For six years now, so or not for six for for three and a half years since this was discovered. So okay, let's take a look at the chat here. Uh, Roland X four twenty, who I know plays the free roll a lot, is one of the better free roll players we have. He says, "I lost a a professional free roller." Yeah, he pretty much is. But he says, (laughs) "I lost nineteen hundred in three minutes last night. It was like an out of body experience." But he said. But it was uh, in Blackjack Online, apparently. He said, anyone ever degened their role off an online Blackjack and felt like the scum of the earth afterwards? Yeah, that, that never happens. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about online Blackjack. I mean, I, it shouldn't have to be said here, but you can't even trust that that's fair. There's, right. there's no body that is regulating that. So even you know, putting aside the fact that, onli- that online Blackjack has never positive expectation for you even if it is fair if it's unfair uh like anything could be happening they could be just stealing from you you have no way to know there's no regulatory body that's making sure the game's fair you should never play any kind of casino game online to where they are determining the result uh where you're against them now online poker at least you're playing against other players and unless you're against house players which most of the time you're not unless you're on absolute poker yeah. Uh, you, you're, it's not going to be rigged against you. Uh, if you're betting sports, of course, the result is not dictated by the sports book. It's by the teams playing. So you're safe there. Only way you're not safe is if they don't pay you. But online casino games, you shouldn't do. So Roland X420 made a big mistake with the uh, the playing blackjack. But he, it seems like he. <laughs> It seems like he's aware of his mistake. He says, I lost 1,903 minutes last night. It was like an out-of-body experience. So, oh. Yeah, I don't have that leak. I never... And you can ask the Hanson kid about it or whatever, because he basically had to force me to play blackjack one night. I have no desire at all to ever play those games. No, I don't either. Fact, zero. I'm going to tell you how difficult it is for me to play them because when i have like a bonus on something like like the ignition casino when i deposit and i have a bonus to play their casino games and it's just free money to play with and i have to roll over a certain amount to get it out and usually you don't end up rolling it over and it just goes away but it, it's even painful to play with their bonus money and just watch it go down because i go that man this sucks like a, like i watched my two thousand dollar bonus go down to zero 
And in reality, I'm not losing anything because I, I, I got the money for free and I can't cash it out until I've played enough. So I have to run it. But even there, it, it kind of hurts to lose it. It kind of feels weird to be playing it to me. So I, I don't really have that, that bug either. So uh, I did lose $1,600 in Puerto Rico playing at a playing blackjack at a casino there. Uh, it was a good game. I was counting cards. It was a shoe game. And I just I ran so bad, the dealer got all the blackjacks. A lot of blackjacks happen when the count was high, as it's supposed to, but not for me, mm. which is a big problem when you're blackjack card counting in that the blackjack can go on either side. All You're, you're raising your bet, basically, because blackjack is a higher chance to come, and you get paid three to two, and the house just gets even. So that's why if you and the dealer were to trade blackjacks back and forth, you'd make a lot of money. So that's what you're hoping at least happens, that you guys split the blackjacks on the big bets, but like just about every blackjack on a high count came for the dealer, and a lot of them came. Like more than normal came, and they all went to the other side. It was brutal. So, and, and I, I actually, I, at least I placed insurance on some of them. When you place insurance, you get your money back. And I, I was trying to justify why I was placing all these insurance bets, which is usually a sucker bet, but when the count is high, it's correct to do. So I'm like, well, he just keeps getting the, the blackjacks every time. It's got to be happening again. So here you go, $300 insurance bet. And they turn it over. Yep, there's a 10. Wow, how do you know that? <laughs> so at least I got some of those back. But uh, <laughs> at that point, you're rooting for the dealer to have blackjack. The worst is when you lose the insurance and lose the hand anyway. So like the dealer turns over ace nine for 20 and you lose. But uh, anyway. Well, you're still rooting for yourself to win, right? Like, wouldn't you be, again, I don't know a ton about blackjack, but wouldn't you be better off even if you did put insurance on it if you won the hand? No, because uh, you're you're putting in half the bet for the insurance. So when the dealer has an ace, it's already kind of a crappy situation. The ace is so flexible, and and there's so many ways you can still lose, so you just want out of it. You just want to, so if if you're putting this insurance bet out there, Oh right, right, right. You just yep, you just yep. want the whole thing to go away. Now, especially if you yep. have a crappy hand, if you got fifteen or sixteen, you really hope they have it. But even if you even if you're holding twenty, I mean, it's not. I I haven't done the math. I mean, if you're holding twenty, it, the, I forgot that the insurance thing that uh, it ends the hand right there. Yeah. Now, may, as, if maybe you have twenty or something, it's still correct. Uh, it's still better for you if the dealer doesn't have it. I've never tried to analyze that mathematically, but and you don't have any power over it, so it doesn't really matter. But. Uh, it is correct to do the insurance bet when the count is high enough. What the count high means is that there's a lot more aces and tens left in the deck right. compared to the low cards. So that's why you go place a big bet, figuring you're going to get half the blackjacks and you're going to make the money. That's that's most of the reason behind the card counting and, and, and why you raise the bets like that. But if the blackjacks all fall on the other side, it's a disaster, which is what happened to me. So I lost mm-hmm. uh, I lost $1,600. And I probably would I may have lost more, but I... I decided that's the most I'm going to lose. I, that's what I brought to the casino, and I said, that's all I'm going to lose because I needed the rest of it for the bankroll for my trip because mm-hmm. it was the very beginning of the trip, and I had like a 10-day trip to take. So I, I, need, I had like $1,000 left there I, I wanted as a bankroll for the trip because a lot of things I had to use cash for some of these islands. So I wanted a comfortable bankroll on these islands to, to use the cash. So I said, I'll bring my 1600 If I bust it, I busted. So I busted it, and I left. But that sucked because I knew I couldn't go back and play again. It was just that night, and that was it. So anyway, uh, getting back to... I think uh, actually one of my worst poker experiences ever. I think I was playing, I think it was to Galance. I think it was to Matt Galance. Really? Yeah, we are playing some big mixed game at Parks, and uh, god damn, the guys just ran fucking amazing at me. We were playing uh, Ho. Yeah. 
And oh, it's fucking brutal. Absolutely brutal. You're playing against Marino? like I had, like I had I had trip aces uh, with a low draw against his. And he ended up somehow having trip jacks that turned into a boat and just this monstrous pots. And it, was, yeah. it, was, it was horrible, man. I just wandered away from the table. So, well, Glance, if you're listening, thanks for the ass kicking. Th- does he know who you are? Ah, uh, probably not. Okay. I doubt it. Well, you, you, Matt Glance, I'm sure he's heard you before, and he can feel good that he's won money off you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm helping to fund his retirement. Like, you usually don't remember the people you beat either. Like, I've had people come to me before. And tell me that yeah. I, I just put a beat down on them, and you know, yeah. live or in poker stars. I go, really? I don't remember that. And then, and then yet the people who beat me a lot, boy, I remember everything. He he probably just you know, first yeah. he's concerned. All right, see you later, buddy. You know, yeah. Like mean? if you like saw him again, I'm sure he wouldn't think, oh, this is the guy I killed that night. He probably wouldn't even remember you. Ah, I'm one of many. He says that to all the girls, you know. <laughs> okay, so I want to talk again about full tilt, but a different topic. The Department of Justice is going to keep $45 million from the money that was meant to go to the players. And this is not a surprise. Uh, $160 million was earmarked to pay back U.S. players of Full Tilt Poker, whose money was stolen by Ray Bittar, Howard Lederer, and crew. And this money was paid by Poker Stars when they purchased Full Tilt they coughed up $750 million to the government. And this was part fine, part remissions payment for what Full Tilt did. It was basically poker stars buying their, uh, both buying Full Tilt and buying their way out of trouble. So the government said, thank you very much. We're keeping everything except the money that we are returning to the players. Because what happened is the government seized Full Tilt. The government pretty much owned Full Tilt, and, and the guys who owned Full Tilt voluntarily gave up ownership of it to the government as part of the settlement. So, yeah, it was just like when dr- they repossessed drug dealers' property and cars and stuff. Yeah, except even more, here they actually agreed to give it up. It wasn't just, we, right. it wasn't just we're taking it, it's we're taking it and we want you guys to agree, and the guy said, okay, we agree. So the well, government if owned they it. Didn't, if they didn't agree, they were still right. going to fucking take it. Right, so that's why they had to. So so, so the government owned Full Tilt, and then they sold that's it. It's like say, do you agree for me to rape you? Um, I guess, if you're going to do it anyway, <laughs> you know? So so the government, took, they owned Full Tilt, and then they sold it to poker stars who, you know, as part of the purchase, were no longer going to be prosecuted for what they did which is the same as what Full Tilt did. So part of that payment, $160 million, was to go back to the players. And the reason for this was that it would have been very, very unpopular. There would have been a lot of outrage if the government took $750 million from PokerStars and then did not make the players whole. It would have made it look like the government was so greedy for itself and then leaves the players all twisting in the wind. So while it could have been said to the players, hey, you were playing on an unlicensed site, you knew it, uh, you took the risk, tough luck. It, it would have looked really, really bad. So this way the government gets everyone paid back who submits these difficult remissions forms and knows to submit these forms. And they look like heroes here, but they also keep a whole lot of money. Because remember, only $160 million of the $750 million was going to the players here. So this process was managed by a largely incompetent company called Garden City Group. Now, I had to go through this whole process. And there were a lot of problems. In fact, like when I went to go 
log on to my Full Tilt account to verify my balance, which fortunately was only like, it was supposed to be around 900 something dollars. And I logged in to verify it, and I saw that my balance was... Zero point zero. So I had to go through a lot of hassle to get my Was that the $1 million sound effect? I still can't hear them. So. Oh, you, oh, you can't hear the sound effect. No, no, it was no, zero point no. zero. Here, I'm going to call you right back. Uh, I was right, rooting for the $1 million. Okay, I'm going to call you right back so you can hear the sound effects. I'll put you back on. I didn't know that. I didn't know he couldn't hear the sound effect. This is this weird idiosyncrasy with Skype. Where where he can't hear the sound effects sometimes, and I I don't know why this happens, but it happens. So we're gonna we're gonna put him back on, and uh, it seems like we have to do this once every few shows. It's, it's some problem with Skype. Okay, we're gonna try a test here. Dan, don't screw with me this time. Tell me the truth. Tell me if you can hear this sound effect. Did you hear it? I heard like a click. Damn it. Why does this happen? Why does this happen to me? I don't care. I can fake it. I'm just going to imagine <laughs> it was $1 million. It was 0. 0. All right. Uh, what should I? You know, I'm, we're going to try one more thing. I'm going to try the old Skype and uh, put you on with that. So I'll, I'll connect you right back on. Okay. Okay. Try to put the old Skype. If all else fails, you go back to what once worked. This really pisses me off when this happens. It just really pisses me off. There's no good reason for it either. I thought it happens like if they if if I call them Instead of them calling me, but this time I called him, and it still didn't work. I can't even get him on now on the old Skype. Well, this uh, no, oh, here we are. Here we are. Okay, let's let's try one more here. Okay. Show me that smile. Again. I got it. The old Skype. The old Skype does it. Thank you, Alan Thick. Thank you. All right. See, we've got sound effects now. Well, you really faked it well, though. I really believed all this time you could hear him. You're, you're, you're kind of like a, a, a deaf person just walking around, just pretending like they hear everything, and in reality, they, they, don't, they can't hear what's going on. Whenever there's silence, I figured I'd just wait for the sound effect yeah, this, to finish. Wow, what a professional. <laughs> you know, you, you'd make a good deaf person. If, oh, you're, if, thank you're, you. if you ever go deaf, then you're going to adjust to society very well, I can tell you. Uh, my, my wife already thinks I am, so... <laughs> You're not going to be the guy walking around going, what? 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 <laughs> can you do this in sign language, please? You're, you're just going to nod your head and make people think you're listening? I can see it. Maybe you did learn it from your wife. Maybe just you uh, you turn tune her out so often and pretend you're listening that you can do it with me. Well, okay, very good. So we've got that fixed. It was less painful than I thought it would be. But, yeah, so the government with the remissions, this is... This is what they did. You still here, by the way? No, we lost him. So we lost you, I guess. You back? Jeez, now we lose him. I can't win. If I use the old Skype, he can hear the sound effects, but we lose him. (sighs) Can't 
we ever have a professional show? Can we ever have a show that this doesn't happen? I've had people say they like the fail. They they think it's entertaining. It pisses me off. I I just feel like I want this to sound like a professional production. I know it doesn't, but I, I want it to sound that way. Now we can't get our co-host on here. When I can get him on, I can't hear the sound effects. When everything seems to be working, he cuts off. It's pissing me off. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to go on here and we'll get him back when we can. Maybe he fell asleep now. So here's the list of the amounts the government paid out. In the first round, they paid out $76 million on February 2014. In April 2014, they paid $5 million. June 2014, they paid $14 million. I think that may have been the one I got. September 2014, they got uh, $1.8 million. And then I'm talking about the players got all this money from the government. March 2015, $2.8 million. June 2015, $4 million. November 2015, $5.7 million. March 2016, $2.6 million. And November 2016, just a few short weeks ago, $2.6 million for the final 1,000 accounts or so that they processed. In total, $115 million was paid. You had to submit claims. There were deadlines. There was information you had to give. It wasn't all that easy. You were never notified that you needed to submit a claim. You just had to know to do it. So I think people with smaller balances didn't bother. Some people just didn't even know. They just thought the money was gone, didn't follow the story. So there was $160 million to pay, but $45 million of that just never got paid, was never claimed. And I knew that. I knew it wouldn't be a 100% claim, but it never is. So that was that, and the government is going to keep it, which sucks. I mean, why can't they use that $45 million to pay as interest to us who had money locked up there? Or some kind of other bonus for all the trouble we had to go through. If $160 million is earmarked to pay the players, they should pay the players $160 million and pay us a little extra for all the time we had the money locked up there. They shouldn't just keep it, but that is what they're doing. The remaining $45 million is going to be divided between... The Department of Justice and, very frustratingly, Garden City Group. Now I'm going to have to give up on these old, old Skype and call back. Uh, I call, call him back on the new Skype again. He'll just have to fake the sound effects. He'll just have to fake knowing what I'm doing. I, I want Calwet back. I feel lonely. Sorry about this, everybody. I would promise to go edit this out, but... Let's be honest, I'm not going to. Okay, so I put you back on new Skype. Uh, okay. I guess on the old one we can't connect anymore or something. you got to play that uh, Kim Jong-un, I'm so Romery sound effect. I'll just stick with this. <laughs> Do you hear it? Do you hear it? I can't hear anything, man. Uh, Come on. No, so, so for some reason the new Skype doesn't want to cooperate. For some reason the new Skype does not want to let you hear sound effects. We'll just we'll that's just, all right. We'll just do without it this time. We'll just do without it. Weird. Let's see if there's any setting I don't have here that's on the new Skype. I I think I'm doing everything right. Yeah, I'm doing everything right. I, I don't know what the problem is here. So, alrighty. Not a huge deal. So, you know what I also noticed is the show goes on, I play fewer and fewer sound effects anyway. I think they're, they're like a, a new toy to play with every week, and I get bored of them. So. Hey, Druff, if you couldn't tell 
up until now that I couldn't hear him, we can just keep faking it. That's right. Okay? I'll, I'll just pretend. Big it. deal. I'll just pretend it's a. You know what it's like though. It's like if you're if you're with a woman and she's faking enjoying what you're doing to her, and then at some point you find out that she was, then it's not the same anymore. Once once you continue. So the the thrill is over. Yeah, it's a, you just can't continue and pretend anymore. You, uh, while she's faking it, and you're convinced, then it's fine. But once once you know that she's been faking it, and she admits she's been faking it, then she can fake it again, and you're not. It's not going to be the same thing for you. It's going to ruin the whole thing. So I'm afraid that do might. Have, to, do you want me to not fake it? <laughs> I don't know what you, you want you, me to do. You you can fake it. Go ahead. I just I'm just right. I'm just warning you. This could be a problem. All right. All right. I okay. got you. Okay. So. It just frustrates me. I just, I just want everything to go well, and I, I hate when there's just a limitation. Okay, so let's, uh, let's uh, move on here. The $45 million is going to be split between the Department of Justice and the Garden City Group, of all things. So Garden City Group, who incompetently processed all this, is going to get half of it, which is really... So, and, and that's a third-party company, right? right? That's it's not, it's not even like a contractor hired by the government. Yeah, right? and that may have been the deal they had. Like that, they, they knew there'd be a certain leftover and they get to keep half of it. I bet that's what it was. But I, I didn't feel they did a good job. And uh, it's my, better than the Thanksgiving leftovers I had this year, <laughs> I'll tell you that. When I when I dealt with them, I even played on this show at some point a call I had with them, and I bleeped out info that I didn't want you guys to hear, but that's personal info, but uh, it was tough for me to get my nine hundred whatever dollars. There was a lot of incompetence and a lot of other stupidity, like the thing with the affiliates, where if you were an affiliate and a player on full tilt, they just don't want to give you any of your money. They just assume it all came from the affiliate program. Or even some people were improperly tagged as affiliates, and even if they were showing that they weren't affiliates, that they weren't getting paid. A lot of things that could have easily been solved in Garden City Group either couldn't or chose not to solve. And uh, along the way, everyone just got the idea like they hired a company that didn't really totally understand the process. And there's no excuse for that. So I had mentioned that if, let's say, they tasked me with doing it, I could have done a much better job for a lot less money. Now, I couldn't have done it myself. There would have been too much to process. But I could have hired people under me and I could have explained to the people under me and the people, and they would explain to people under them how to process these things and, and made fair rules for this whole thing. And people don't understand. I mean, there's a whole industry built up around this. I got a buddy of mine that that's what he does. Like when there are insurance settlements and that kind of thing, his company handles... You know, sending out the notices and settling the the claims with people and administering and all that stuff. It's it's actually an industry. It is, and, and Garden City Group <laughs> is part of that industry. And yeah. and unfortunately, with a complicated matter like this, you have to have people involved who understand it. And and they never did. I I don't believe the Garden City Group ever had any experts, industry experts, advising them on how to do this. I'm talking about uh, poker industry experts, not. Uh, uh, distribution industry experts. So they they may be good at the distribution part, but not at the part of determining which claims are valid, which are not valid, the rules to have for these claims. This, this was done very poorly, and there was a lot of criticism and a lot of valid criticism the whole way. So it's, hey, it's what's the what's the bubble in this tournament, Drew? Uh, the fourth place is the last money. Oh man, I'm I'm on the bubble then. Is there f- five left? Yeah. Is, is Roland X one of the people who's still uh, in? No, we got oh. JSTAT, oh, wow. uh, Own Matisau, S Double, and Blubber Muffle. Oh, see, I just uh, 
S double just shoved. I called with fives. He had seven nine. He flopped two pair. <laughs> so I just so I just S doubled S double up. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to stone cold bubble this thing. You probably will. Yeah. Okay, so a fight broke out. And by the way, Scott from the East Coast can feel free to call in if you'd like to uh, explain. You know who I realized I just forgot? Trader Ruski, he volunteered to be on the show. Get him on. And then I forgot. He volunteered a long time ago. So Trader Ruski, I'm going to text him too. If, if you're listening, come on here. Maybe you won't be able to hear the sound effects either, but you can fake it along with Calwatt. In the meantime, while I wait for Trader Ruski to perhaps appear... Here, I'll say call in. If, uh, in the meantime, I'm going to read my text that I've received on 775-372-8355. From the 505, as someone who... It, currently in dealer school, I can't understand why anyone would play the pit except for... Especially 6-5 to five blackjack... Baccarat and roulette, what a fucking waste. Yeah, 6 to 5 blackjack is horrible. Well, people don't care. Just like that guy you were talking about that you were trying to tell him, you know, hey, play this machine. It's the same game, but you got better odds. Yeah. He, he didn't want to play it because yeah. that wasn't his machine. They don't care. Yeah. They now this, don't care. This is from S. Double himself. He said, tonight is probably my last free roll for a long time because of work schedule changing. Mm. So... Uh, he says, I should have about 20 that I won about four weeks back. I'd like to put it on me as a bounty, but only if we could have PLO. I guess it's not going to be this week. We didn't have PLO. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Okay, well. Let's see. Uh, maybe no one's going to knock him out if he wins it. Uh, from the 406, which is the Montana area code. I think the only area code in Montana. I just purchased 210 acres in Montana. Highly recommend. Wow. Yeah, I bet it's really cheap over there. For the 916, is there a... The cows don't even want to live there. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a remote chance that Washington State might change the online gaming felony law? Move to Nevada for cheap land, he also said. He also wanted to let me know that the loop line that I gave out to make that loud sound works. Yeah, I did... uh, I actually did a project for some guys. That's what they do, is they, they have undeveloped land. You know, some of it has water, some of it doesn't, and uh, they sell it primarily to people that have bad credit because they hold the note on it. Um, but I can hook you up, Drop. I mean, they can get you some nice undeveloped land in, in Oregon, a bunch of other places. With no water? Well, it depends. Uh, okay. Some some of them will have water, some won't. I mean, it depends on the area and how developed it is. Something um, I hadn't thought about until, I don't know, I, I think it's until I talked to someone who was actually who had bought land somewhere and was looking to live on that land, you sometimes can neglect to think about the fact that it's not just automatic that you'll be able to have utilities where you live. Oh, yeah? And once you get away from, once you get off the beaten path, you get away from commonly used roads, there's often no utility hookups for you. So that means no electricity, no no water, no sewer, and no, no trash service, and it can be very tough. And and then also, if there isn't, then you will be charged by the utility companies to build lines for you. And, and for every foot away from the maximum, you can be from the, the commonly used roads. Uh, they charge you a lot of money. So so once you get even a short distance away, it starts to become prohibitively expensive, and you just can't do it. 
unless you just want to sink a ton of money into just uh, paying utility companies to uh, extend their services out to you. So a lot of times you just have to find ways to do it on your own without using these companies, which can be very tough. So you have to find ways to generate your your own electricity and and uh, you know, use septic tanks instead of sewers and you know, get get your own water from wells. So it's tough. It, it can be very tough. Yeah, and some of these uh, properties I'm talking about do have utilities. Some don't. Some have yeah, you know, the whole gamut. But you're right, and yeah, you know, some of them are just for you know people that want hunting cabins so they don't give a shit whether there will ever be utilities you know? yeah it looks like jstat just bubbles so s double is uh, he's good I me mean, he could still win the whole thing yeah so that's in fact that's a lot of the challenge a lot of the times to start new areas new like you'll if you make this long drive between la and vegas there's long stretches of land where there's nothing and you think okay in the future it can expand just uh, but to where eventually people will live in these spots but there have to be utilities in these spots, which right now there isn't, except in these... Uh, I mean, there don't have to be, some but it certainly the way. makes life a lot easier, yeah. right? I actually, I knew someone, and I visited them in Montana, who lived far enough away to where uh, there were some utilities, but not others. So they, for example, they had no trash service. So every night they would go out and throw their trash in a metal barrel and burn it. Hmm. So there's there's the nightly trash burning, <laughs> which is funny to yeah, see. Yeah, I would think that would be one of the worst things. Like, well, I don't know. No, no running water might be pretty bad. Yeah, that's the you worst. Know, would be that would be pretty irritating. But then after that, like, not having some kind of a trash service. I mean, yeah, you'd have to live really cleanly or just get used to hauling your own crap <laughs> to the dump or wherever, or burning it yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah th- these people didn't, so they were mostly burning it. So. Yeah. Anyway, these were people who, you know, it was a family of, of four, and they, they had very little money, and they actually moved from California to Montana so they could have a big house and a a big plot of land there, which they could never afford in California. But uh, they were in a remote enough place called Bozeman to where mm-hmm. they, uh, now not all of Bozeman is like that, but Bozeman is a, they actually even have an airport there. It's not a... I was going to say, I think I've heard no, no, of Bozeman. No, sorry, they weren't in Bozeman. Bozeman's where you fly into. They were in a place called Manhattan, of all things. <laughs> Manhattan? Ma- Manhattan, Montana. It's a real place. Something tells me there are no skyscrapers No, there. no. So, I, I thought that was ironic. It was called Manhattan. But yeah, Bozeman was the nearest airport you could fly into. That's, that's what I got confused with. So, anyway, uh, let me go back to the next topic. A fight broke out on the opening night of a long-anticipated opening, the MGM National Harbor Casino. And this is in the D.C. area. And I I know a lot of people were really looking forward to this casino. And it's it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big casino. It's going to be serving the D.C. and surrounding area. And... Of course, this isn't a very good neighborhood. So you get a lot of bad element over there. And apparently a fight broke out. Let me text Scott from the East Coast to call, and he was there. C-Money also drove out there. For the fight? uh, No, but uh, (laughs) I'll I'll read his uh, trip report. 
in the meantime, and then uh, I'll talk a bit about what happened. As you hear, they're legalizing casinos in Japan. No. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're they're actually the countrywide. They're legalizing casinos. It's gonna be it. That's gonna be a big deal. Yeah. It actually is. Okay. So let's. Uh, so here, see money. Who's the most generous donor to our free roll? This is weird. It's actually showing that you're calling, but you're on right now. <laughs> you there? I'm here. Hello? Yeah. Skype is just so crazy tonight. It's it's just not working well. Put him back on. No, I can't get him on here. This is so frustrating. Anyway, uh, I think Scott was probably trying to call, and it was showing that uh, Cal was trying to call. It's really frustrating. Try it again. No, Cal, why call back in? <laughs> I tried to answer a call, which is probably Scott. Yeah, I can't get Calwatt on now. Shut down Skype. Try again. This is every once in a while we have a show like this where the, the technical fail is so tilting. Nobody call in right now. There's no Skype. It means I can't take calls. Go back to the old Skype. Can we get him on. Right. Hello. Here you are on the old Skype, and I bet you can hear sound effects now. Let's hear. You hear that? I did. Okay, so you're on the old Skype. Hopefully we don't lose you. Uh, I don't know who was trying to call there, but uh, it showed you calling before when you were already on, and I stupidly said answer. I, I just thought there was like an alternate universe you on here. Hmm. You, you know what freaked out Benjamin a little bit is when I'll call the call to listen line, and then he'll hear me talking, and I'm standing right in front of him. I can see how that would and freak it's, him it's, out. It's like an alternate universe me having a discussion with someone. What is Daddy doing in the phone? Yeah. I say, look. Why, why is Daddy listening to himself? <laughs> I say, it's I, I two daddies. I go, here, I try to talk to the other daddy, and he tries to talk, and of course he doesn't answer. Oh, man. And I go, that's actually the daddy from 2012. The daddy from 2016 is standing right here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Scott here. He's, he was the one trying to call him, right? Okay, so we're going to call Scott from the East Coast and put him on to talk about what happened at uh, at the uh, MGM Harbor, National Harbor, that in Druff, I got a spot here. Can I tank for ten minutes? Is that allowed? <laughs> Do you have Ace Ten offsuit? Or you I got Ace Eight offsuit. Oh, I raised and S double just shoved. How long can I tank? Well, you can uh, you can tank as long as it'll let you. Oh well. Yeah, okay, Scott, sorry about that, and welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And, uh, so I was just introducing, the uh, amid all the fail, the MGM National Harbor segment. And so they opened up, what, what was the night they opened up, like last Friday? Uh, the grand opening was Thursday at 11 o'clock at night. Okay, so almost Friday. 
And uh, so if, if you want to see a picture of one of the rooms, by the way, uh, see money posted them. Some of them are sideways because of the the way the iPhone orients the pictures. But if, if you go to the flying... The rooms were sideways. If you could, maybe that, that's happening, too. The If you go to Flying Stupidity Forum, the MGM National Harbor Casino Trip Report from C-Money, you can read that. Uh, but, uh, Scott, you were there that night as well, the opening night? Yes, it was a complete shit show to get in. So, what do you mean to get in? Was there a line to get in? Uh, I got there at 10.30 when they were allowing people to get in the garage. And by the time I got from my car into where the elevators were, you couldn't even get in. You couldn't get in through the doors. It's so, probably 35 degrees at night that, at that point. So there were, when you say you couldn't get in, there were so many people you couldn't get in? Is that the problem? There were probably 20,000 people there where they could fit 5,000 to get in. Jeez. Sounds like a, uh, the fire uh, has and the fire and the fire, marsh- and the fire marshal shut them down, shut the doors, like locked the doors at around 1130 at night and said nobody else is getting in. Wow. That's how bad it was. So, so uh, and now, how far is this from D.C., M- MGM National Harbor? A few miles. Is it actually in D.C. or is it in uh, Maryland or Virginia? Where, where is it actually? It's in it's in Maryland. It's right by um, it's right after you cross over the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. Okay, yes, yeah, so those that come from Northern Virginia. Yeah, so for those of you that don't know the area, D.C., Virginia, and Maryland all share common borders, and they're all kind of that area is is all the D.C. metro area. So it's it's all kind of interchangeable over there. So I, I didn't know specifically where that's located. I, I don't know that area all that well. And, and so how far did you go to visit this casino? Um, about 50 miles. Okay, so not not that far. Not right no. down the street, but not that far. So, okay, so you went down there, and it was, it was very difficult to get in. Now, how long did it take you to get into the place? Once I got through those doors to get to the elevators, um, you had to wait about four elevators, wait for the elevator to come back down four times and it was just people it was like black friday when you see these mobs of people just trying to storm into stores it was just like that i mean i was having moments i'm looking at it like these guys are idiots just to get into a casino yeah and and i always get scared in these situations because sometimes people are just irrational they just they just want to get in want to get in and they'll just push 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 and trample you and and uh i don't know if I know you weren't even alive then, but uh, some of you might remember the incident. I think it was in 1979 in Cincinnati when uh, the Who played there, and they had an issue with uh, they weren't opening the doors on time, so everybody was getting very restless, and large crowds of people were forming around the doors. And then they decided to open some doors on the side earlier than the others, and everyone. Wait, wait! I thought I thought you said it was a Who concert. <laughs> Is it a Doors what? concert or a Who's concert? It was, it was con- a, uh, this isn't a Who's on first routine here. You're making it into one. But, uh, yeah, so they, everybody trampled over to that, uh, the doors that opened on the side, and 11 people were killed. Mostly mostly uh, teenagers. So uh, it was a big uh, tragedy at the time. And uh, so I always... I don't like these type of situations. I always feel like, what if I'm the one who's stuck with the crowd? And, and you, you, you're powerless to stop it. Like, if the crowd is just pushing all around you and, and uh, 
and relentless. There's nothing you can do to stop it. So there were plenty of police there, and the police could do nothing except I, we actually had people trying to walk out the side doors, thinking they'd get upstairs, and the police are just yelling at them, and people kept leaving, <laughs> not understanding you had to take the elevator to get up there. What a mess! So now, did you see the fight that happened? Did not see the fight. I missed it by a couple minutes. My wife was nearby, and let's just say I'm happy she's okay. Wow, there there are some idiots there. I mean, who wants to get kicked out of the casino and banned from life from all MGM properties on the first night that the place opened? Yeah. So here's here's a uh, I'm gonna play. It's not gonna mean that much. It's over the radio, but I'm gonna play the audio of a fight that occurred, hey, that occurred at. Uh, let me go to the right po- point in the video. You'll hear a little of the audio of the fight that was happening that someone recorded there. So that's the background noise. Here you hear, you can hear how crowded it is. Like it's, it's very, very noisy in the background. And there's a guy throwing punches. And uh, so a bunch of guys like throwing punches at each other. There's a guy on the ground getting punched. And everyone's. What's amazing is this. This is going on. Everyone's kind of just standing around watching it. Like <laughs> it's like okay. Well, that's get, what they do, Todd. They don't break them up anymore. Yeah, it's just people scared just, to get shot or stabbed. Just just stand around. Just there, standing, watching it happen. And uh, one guy has another in a headlock here. As I paused it, so this this went on there. I'm not sure what caused the fight. Do, do you know what caused it, or specifically uh, people getting drunk and having to. You know, just be idiots. Yeah, so that happened on the opening night, which is a bit of an embarrassment for the MGM National Harbor. And so now I'll ask you, the type of people you saw down there, and of course a lot of the people you see down there are not going to be the ones there every day who are just there for the novelty of it being opening night, like like yourself. Uh, but what type of crowd did you see there? Did you see what looked like a, a rough crowd or a ghetto crowd, or was it uh, were these just a few it bad It was apples? very, very mixed there was a um. There was a and he had to get a VIP invite to get in. I believe it was five o'clock that day. For he had to dress shabby chic, so there were a lot of people that were just there to um. Shabby for the chic. Grand opening at shabby chic is what is it that was a thing? Called. Yeah, what is shabby chic? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Did I say shabby chic? Yes. Black yeah. tie chic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what, what the fuck is it? Yeah, but what I'm is shabby chic? Con- no, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate here and beat this Matasso guy. No, no, but um, what, what is what is shabby chic? Black tie chic. But what, what is, what's the chic part? Is that I'm missing that? Uh, I guess girls don't actually have to dress with any black. There were there were some in just solid white dresses that weren't. Um, I'd say gowns. I don't know how else to put it. I'm still confused. So, so is that the black tie chic or the shabby chic? I, I don't know what these things mean. No, 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 black tie, the black tie chic. I'm sorry. But what is shabby I chic? Shabby I, I, chic I, but from. I want to know what shabby chic is. I don't know what it is. I'm trying to concentrate here on the computer. <laughs> okay. I don't know how that just came out. Like, you're in the tournament too? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's S double. I'm right next to you. I I, oh. I wanted you to tank for 10 minutes. I wanted you to tank and call a few minutes ago. And then you could play heads up against each other in uh, in a grudge match. I'll tell you what you I've got. got me right here. Oh, you're all in. Yeah, you can't. You can't collude here. I'm kidding. No collusion. Come on, put my five dollars back in now. All right, so back to MGM. 
So okay, so what happened with the MGM uh, so opening? So there was a fight there, and then after the fight, was there any aftermath? Did they close down any part of it? Did they uh, do anything different? Like I said, the fire marshal came in and shut out, shut the doors, um, said nobody was being allowed in. That was about eleven thirty at night. Um, when did the fight happen? About two a.m. You started. About two a.m. You could see people starting to get on the, starting coming in the, coming the poker room again, and I was down on that end, which is the high limit end of the casino. So, I, don't know, I don't know really how to explain it. Well, okay, so, so hold on. Did the, ele- did the fight happen before or after the fire marshal came and shut it down at 1130? I want to say about the same time. Okay, and, and you said the poker room, there was like nobody in there between then and 2, a, 2 p.m. or 2 a.m.? No, no, I mean, there were people, there were people in there. It was about 24 of the 39 tables were filled, and then about 2 a.m. it's, and... They just all fill up. So you think it's because the fire marshal shut more people coming in that the poker room couldn't fill up, and then people came in again at two. I think that's that's definitely part of it. So, so this this uh, aside from the issues with the fight and with the difficulty getting in and the fire marshal and all that, uh, what's your impression of the MGM National Harbor? Like, like on a regular night where all this is not happening, uh, is it a good casino? What's uh, what was your impression you walked away with for the place itself? Um, beautiful property, uh, limits way too high even on an opening night or weekend. I was there, at, like I said, at eleven o'clock. Table limits minimum were a hundred dollars, even for carnival games, huh. and they didn't reduce until three in the morning. I left at five. I came back at five o'clock on Friday night. They were all a hundred dollars again. Wow. And of course, uh, since it's an MGM property, if you have status at other MGM properties, then th- that status will carry over there. So if you're uh, yes. a Noir or whatever other M Life works, yeah, M Life works. M Life works there fully. And are, do you know if there's any reduced awards for uh, M Life? Because I know, like in Detroit, you don't earn points as fast as you do in Vegas. Do you know if it's like that there, or is it the same thing? I can't speak for table games because I wasn't breaking out my Jew wallet to find anything out. Um, as far as poker, you get $2 an hour, comp dollars, but you cannot, they give you $2 an hour, but you cannot spend them. I mean, you talk about a fail, you, you have to go to the shift manager and get a, um, a voucher. Well, that's, that's what it's like in Bellagio. Bellagio is like that too. Bellagio makes you, is the same $2 an hour, but it's in a separate system. I'm talking about poker. So it's in like a poker system and it's not general points you're earning. So, and not only that, they, they started taking them away after a time. Like, it's a rolling year where uh, they, they just take away whatever you've earned. In fact, I, I keep forgetting this. I need, I'm letting my points expire, too, which is very unlike me. But there's a rolling year at Bellagio. I don't know if they're doing this here at MGM National Harbor, where every credit you have is something you've earned in the last year. And if you haven't earned in the last year, then it's gone. Now, whatever you use will come off the oldest ones. But, uh, but like whatever, like today, December fourteenth, two thousand sixteen, every credit you have at Bellagio in the Bellagio Poker Comp thing is credits that you've earned between December fifteenth, two thousand fifteen, and December fourteenth, two thousand sixteen. And every day that passes, anything you earn before that expires. So it's crappy. So I, I don't know. I, it sounds like almost the same system. I wonder if they're doing it the same way over there because it's. All MGM properties. Probably the poker room is actually the same exact square footage as the Bellagio, and uh, 
and very, very Borgata like when it comes to looks and feel. Yeah, now, I don't know if you've ever been to the Borgata. Yeah, I, I have. Not a lot's been there. I have not yep. in a while, but uh, now it, Borgata. Now that it's uh, MGM, is that part of M Life yet? Um, not when you go to Borgata, you still use your card. But there was some talk that if you went into National Harbor on Thursday or Friday, you could give them your Borgata card and get your comp dollars switched over oh. to your M, to your M Life card if you signed up. I didn't try anything. It wasn't just wasn't worth it for me i mean there's like 25 dollars on my comp dollars that poured out of so when they move over the they move over it's no big deal yeah by the way we have another co-host on trader ruski welcome back to the show what's happening guys so see trader ruski he's he's still here even though brandon hasn't been on the show in some time people have asked uh, does this mean the trader ruski is going on strike and refusing to be on the show but uh, that's not true and in fact uh, you've you've been uh, assisting with brandon uh, getting his own show ready yeah, I mean, we've talked through some things for sure. Okay, and uh, so I so see you're you'll be on on both shows here. If uh, yeah, if Brandon, you're, are you going to participate in Brandon's show if and when he has it? Wait, time out. Brandon's still talking to people. Yeah, yeah, Brandon's. He, he, you know, you know how Brandon is. He's goes back and forth. We have another caller though. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, guys? It's uh, hey, yeah, me. Handicap meets. Now, were you at this uh, opening of MGM uh, National Harbor? No, no. I was at the uh, opening of the uh, holiday party for the bank I worked for. For for what? For the bank I worked for, like the the, the company I worked for. Oh, say so, so. You were yeah. okay. So, so what what are you calling in to tell us about? Oh, I was just going to say hello. Okay, okay. <laughs> See, we, wait, 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 wait. I mean, if you want me to hang up, like, I'm waiting for a pizza to come by. Like, like I just saw, I went on the site, and it's like, oh, radio's on. So I was like, oh, I'll call. So I'm like, if you want me to hang up, like, that's, that's perfectly fine. No, we just, we not, just have a, a lot of people on here. Unless you want me to, like, you know, it's up to you, buddy. Okay, wait, you're waiting for a pizza? It's one, it's one thirty in the morning, right? Well... You you realize that like I'm extremely drunk, but unlike your other drunk ass, like I can I just control myself. I'm just waiting for beats. Once it comes, probably gonna hang up and go to bed. Okay, but I, I can tell you're drunk. By the, I was gonna ask you if you're drunk, but uh, you've already revealed it. But yeah, I, I, no, no, wait, wait, no, no. In my defense, though, I the only other time I've ever called him like this was uh, I, was, I may have been a little bit hungover, but. But my response was, well, someone jumped in front of the train, and it basically screwed up my morning. Oh, so. I remember the train call, yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, wait, wait, so that happened. But otherwise, I mean, like, yeah, I I can promise you I've listened to every radio show. And uh, when you guys need more donations, you know that eventually I would just say yes and take their money and whatever. Well, you know, if uh, I, I could have used it tonight here, I had to contribute $10 of my own Jew, Jew gold. I'm not asking for money. I'm just saying I had to whip out $10 from my own wallet here. It was, no, it was painful. No, no, no. That's totally fine. Uh, wait, so uh, how about this? I'll make this promise. If you it's <laughs> never to uh, play the... It, 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 wait, so I get it why you like to play the songs in the background. And it's like, oh, you know, this hurts, blah, blah, blah. 
sometimes you play a song and it's a little bit obnoxious when you tell the story. Uh, I can't promise I won't make you promise anything, but I'll say this. Next time, uh, next week, if you don't have enough for the fifty dollars free bill, I will donate fifty bucks myself. Okay, thank you. But yeah, I, I can't. Handicap me. I, I appreciate that a lot, but for, uh, Todd's cover next week, at least by me. So okay, all right. I don't know who that is. I think Scott East Coast or whatever. Yeah, that's him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll get the week after that, Todd. Uh, just like if I don't wait, I'm not gonna say it tonight because I'm not gonna touch my computer. But just if you can remember, if anyone else can remember, just. Send me a PM. I will send it over to Todd, and he'll have the fifty bucks. All right, very. Yep. I, I hope that uh, you remember this though, because you're drunk. Maybe you're going to wake up and not remember that you promised this. Uh, pretty sure that I will not remember this. But if anyone, and I'm saying, can someone please do it? If anyone can PM me, and I'll see you in the morning, I will one hundred percent. Wait, Todd. Well, no, we, we have we have an evidence right here that we're recording. But here's here's the question. Whoa, 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 whoa. that's what I'm saying. It's fine, but like Todd, it's yeah. you and I after all the business that we've had, and then I'm going to say even China will back me up on this one. If I say I'm going to do X, Y, Z, do you really think I'm not going to do? Otherwise? No, I, I I know you'll do it. In fact, I feel I should take advantage of you here. I should take advantage of the drunk and try to get him to just uh, donate that's like large nice. sums of money. Here. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that's what I should do here. I should, I should, I should get you to pledge for like like ten thousand dollars this year. That's what I should do. I'm a good guy. I just want everyone to have a good time, except for the mumble sauce. Everyone else can just enjoy it. Enjoy it on me. Okay. All right. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. But can I just ask for one simple favor? Oh, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right. So I'm going to go on mute, but can you leave me on mute until my pizza comes? And then once my pizza comes, I'm going to hang out. Uh, all right. You can. You know there's a call to listen line for this, but I'll, I'll leave you. Just, uh... no, 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 no. So, uh, wait. Uh, have you ever noticed a 212 number dialing into the call to listen line? I, I haven't been looking. Okay. Well, if you ever see the two or two number, uh, wait. Uh, like, if you ever look at uh, what drives the call to listen line, I can promise you there's probably more than one two or two number dialing this set. Uh, I'm gonna say. I guarantee you, I'm, I got. I guarantee I got you beat, handicap me. <laughs> but this is if the call to listen it, line. I guarantee I got you beat. This is a call to listen line, call line conversation. Three times a day, minimum. I, I usually call it walking the dog. That's when I call it. Oh. Well, I don't know who that was, but I'm just basically saying, like, in terms of uh, when I'm... That's your, it's your mother talking to you. at work, but, like, I'm just working on, like, uh, something that... Like, the simplest way to explain it is, let's say, like, I'm trying to... I'm trying to um, do a relative value on uh, index investment grade versus index uh, high yield and like I'm working on a very simple thing and then I'm trying to make a story out of it like when I when I'm bored I just dial into the number which I have FYI just like paste on like the bottom of my one of my computer screens that I have like uh, well that's good I'm I'm glad it's it's coming to the bottom right corner I use that 
I just fall in. So well, I'm glad um, it's I'm, I'm glad it's, it's, it's that's that's gonna be someone. Okay. All right, handicapping. Uh, you're, you're you're kind of fading here, so let's. Uh, I'll put you on uh, no, mute here. No, I'm going to mute. Love you, buddy. Cheers. Have a good night. All right, thank you. He's so he's he's, fading, he's huh? using the the main phone number as a de facto call to listen line. Here, let's uh, let's throw on another person. Uh, Larry Laffer. Hello. Is this a fraud show? It's the fraud show. Fraud right? show still going? Did I miss the intro? Marty Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> This is like Actually, a, I have no idea what's going on. I, I don't either. On. I don't know what's going on either. Map, turned it on. So somehow we have random people tell around us there. What happened with the end of the fight? That's what I was waiting. Yeah. So, yeah. So well, I, I don't. I think he already told us. I think the fight just ended, and then uh, the the fire marshal cleared everybody out around that time, maybe before, maybe after, and then or they stopped new people from coming in, and then it took. Oh, a little, we're talking about the ghetto casino. Yes. Yes. The uh, National hey, Harbor. It's not ghetto. It's not ghetto. It's so, not ghetto. Well, yes. Is the neighborhood bad? Is I heard the neighborhood. You want is bad. you want ghetto? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You want ghetto, Todd? You brought it up earlier about Sugar House. You want to talk ghetto? The most ghetto casinos on the East Coast are in Philadelphia. Okay. What I was Chicago could get casinos and have the same thing, but National Harbor is actually a very. I'm, I work for the competitor, and it's a very beautiful property. It's not nowhere close to ghetto. But what about the area, like What saying, about the surrounding area? It's like comparing the area. It's like comparing the Aria to um, someplace off the shore. But hold on, what about the what about the surrounding area? Is that ghetto or is it okay? Uh, parts of it can be very rough. It, it's, uh, what are what are the liquor store to cell phone store ratio of the neighborhood? I honestly don't know that, Larry Laffer. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it right I off mean, the freeway, Scott? I live about I live about fifty to sixty miles away. So as far as I'm concerned. I don't live near there. And Trader uh, yeah, Ruski wanted to know if it's right off the freeway. Yeah, it's right um, off the beltway. It's pretty close. Right off 495. Pretty close. You don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to worry about getting carjacked if that's what Larry's trying to get at. <laughs> Nobody's going to get to you and carjack you. There probably yeah. are more police there right now than you yeah, find in the rest of the county combined. But wait, hold on. I could need to relax a bit because when Larry says I'm going to get carjacked, it's more like. Someone's going to hop up my tricycle and steal it from me because the guy can't reach the community. Yeah, yeah I, but see all, the people, I, see, all the people there aren't, aren't midgets like he is, so... Okay, let's, let's, not, all, let's, not, all pile, let's not all pile on Larry Who here. is that? Larry... Who's that talking? Okay, we have we have Scott from the East Coast. We had uh, Handicap Me who jumped in for a second. And uh, okay. he, I, I thought Handicap Me was muting, but uh, anyway, they, that's we have a lot of people on here. There's actually, in addition to me, there's five people on with us right here. We have Trader <laughs> And we had like no call. We had no calls all night. Now we have everybody. So we, we have Trader Ruski. We have Calwatt. Then we have as the three regular callers. We have uh, Larry Laffer. We have Handicap Me, and we have Scott from the East Coast. So that's if it sounds chaotic here. That's the reason. It's like a, an old school party line. What's up, Trader Ruski? Well, what's up, Calwatt? <laughs> okay, so, so hey, can I can I ask one favor, Todd? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Can you finish questioning me or what you have to question me about MGM and I can tell you my experience there and then I'm going to go okay. and, eat, and you can have a great show with the rest of them. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm about to drop everybody, but uh, except for Cal Watt and Trader Ruski. Whoa, 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 whoa. I have been asking gentle with me. Well, I know. You're waiting for your pizza, but let, let's go yeah. back. I'll go back. I'll go back to Scott here. Scott, uh, so you said it's it's in not that great of an area, but not terrible, and you said it's a, a very nice property. 
do you, are the limits going to be significantly lower? I know it's not going to be a hundred minimum, but do you think it's going to be reasonable limits there on normal nights, especially weeknights? I don't. I don't know what you consider reasonable. You have to define that a little. Well, more. like, are there going to be ten? I mean, they're probably going to go. To be ten dollars go as low as twenty-five. There won't be. There won't be ten-dollar games there at all. Um, it's hard to believe. There won't. Be I don't 10. believe for the, at least the first six months. Wow. It's just. It's too nice of a property. One of the weird things I saw there was that I sat down for some um, video poker. You know, big video poker like you and Trader Ruski, and uh, it was only quarter and dollar machines they wouldn't let me in the high limit slot area because apparently there were too many people trying already sitting at them and everything so i don't know what you can get in there i'm guessing five and ten but there's no 50 cent or five dollar machines on the floor that i could find huh which blew my mind with them having blew my mind with them having hundred dollar minimums on every table until three in the morning on opening night and it's only a quarter and dollar on video poker yeah, that is funny. And the payouts course, were junk. But yeah, I was going to ask that too. If the if the payout sucked, they may be better in the high limit room. But I, I was afraid that maybe with that casino being uh, probably going to be such a dominant property in that area, that they may feel they don't have to offer games with good odds and video poker. They'll just get the people down there anyway, and they uh, they don't have to worry about attracting those who want good pay tables. So. Uh, it doesn't surprise me either that they raised the limit so high on opening night with such crowds there, because it's it's much easier to change the limits on table games than it is to adjust machines. You have to do those one by one. So uh, I, this stuff doesn't really surprise me, and I, I will be interested to hear what that casino is like going forward, what the limits are like going forward, what the environment is like there going forward, uh, how good and active the poker room is. Do you know if they're on the Bravo the system? Been, the poker room has been packed since about Friday at 5 o'clock. Is it on the Bravo app? Under 30, I think they won under 30 tables on Monday, and since then it's been above 30 out of the 39 ever since with probably eight different, eight minimum eight different um, types of games running. Now, it, Anywhere from 1-3 no limit, 2-5 no limit, 10-25 PLO, 10-25 no limit. There's a 61-20 game for you. Well, limit hold'em sixty one twenty. There's sixty one twenty limit hold'em, and there's a sixty one twenty. They switched over to a mixed game at one point. A huh. uh, couple fa- couple faces you definitely recognize if you came in. I don't want to give out too many names, but uh, whoa, a couple, whoa, 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 tilt guys. You can hear the limit hold'em for sixty one twenty, maybe one hundred two hundred. I don't remember wh- wh- if one hundred two hundred was running. When I was there, so I don't want to confirm it. Um, wait, but, wait, wait, but even live, uh, sixty-one twenty. Yes. How long was that list? Wait, you're wait, asking. Wait, you're asking and, the wrong and, guy. You're, you're better. I only ask because I'm off. Uh, I work two days next week, and I'm off for the rest of the year, and <laughs> I got to see you, bro. Like, um, wait. My plan was to go to Foxwoods, but. If you're telling me there's going to be a 6120 uh, in Maryland or whatever, I'm going to VC and I'm going to try to pretend like I'm black. Even though I'm black. <laughs> I, I don't know what he's even talking about. Um, you, you probably want to check out Bravo Poker. Yeah, I can't. I can't find it on Bravo. To see fact, what's the, running daily. The, the app. I don't, on, I don't want to. Oh, speak oh no! I, I found it. I found it. I found it. First of all, I want to say the Bra- the new Bravo app is crap. I got an update, which I probably shouldn't have done, and it's terrible. Oh, but, terrible. 
It, it's, it's, it is terrible. You look at an ad every time? Yeah, it's horrible. I don't no, know no, 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 shut the fuck up, Mighty Mouse. Only talk when they talk about your bike. Okay. You okay. Like talk okay, there's too, there's too much contention here. Let me, uh, uh, here's what's running right now at the MGM National Harbor, according to the Bravo app. The Bravo app, for those of you that don't know, is an app that, uh, for, for casinos that participate, you can actually see the games that are running at the moment. Participate. So, participate. I'm sorry, I said it wrong. So, uh, by the way, there's already complaints here in text messages. I've got to hang up on the drunk. So, handicap me. It's, it's, it's thin ice for you here. So, anyway, uh, we have a 1025 no limit running right now, which is pretty big. Uh, 1 2 PLO, 5 10 no limit, 5 5 PLO, 4 8 uh, Omaha high low limit, uh, 1 3 no limit, 1025 PLO. Wow. I told you those two were running. Yeah, it's, it's, and they run almost all day. A, a, a two a two five no limit or a six. This there's actually six two five no limits, fifteen one three no limits, wow. and and a four eight limit. So there's no uh, as far as limit hold'em. There's nothing running above four eight at the moment. And uh, I'll I'll send you a couple screenshots of when it was running, Todd. And yeah, I, mean, I, I believe it was it. at some point, but it looks like it's probably not going to be a regular game. Now, of course, this is at uh, three or sorry, one forty-five a.m. on a weeknight on a Thursday morning, so uh, it is a new place. But this still probably is not the prime time. But that's, that's pretty good to have, yeah, you know, fifteen one-three games going at this time and six two-five games, and and even these two big games, the ten twenty-five no limit, more than I ever seen. and the yeah, ten twenty-five PLO. So it seems to be doing well this poker room. And I've got to learn never to update these apps that seem to be working well. They they always draw me in by saying bug fixes, and I go, oh, you know, who doesn't want to fix bugs? So of course, I update it, and they always put ads on there or change the interface, and it, like the search doesn't even work. I try to use the search, it just it just hangs. It's terrible. All right, so you know, I didn't I didn't tell, I didn't bring this up earlier, but there is a uh, there's been some pretty big promotions at Maryland Live, and they can't even put a dent in the Maryland Live. Keeping the people keeping the people away from going Maryland Live, so it's shocking how they're filling thirty nine tables since they're opening. How far is Maryland Live from Live, there? Maryland Live is about twenty. It's up the Parkway. I want to say about twenty five miles away, maybe thirty. Okay, it's that. I mean, I'm sure Maryland and Live I'm, is going to be really hurt by this. I don't know. I mean, I told you I knew some backstory um, about all the. About all the rake that not the rake. I'm sorry. About the um, bad beat that was kept and kept rolling over. I don't, do you remember the story that I emailed you? Yeah, I think so. And that the, and that there's about two million dollars in bad beat eligible payouts at the moment at Maryland Live, and Maryland Live's still paying it, and it, they fill their tables, and you still got 39 filling it at MGM, which is just shocking. Yeah, well, MGM, it's, it's currently the, the new story. Everybody wants to be part of it. Everyone wants to go down there and see it. So we'll see if it can maintain this, though it's a good sign that it's already going because the hardest thing with these poker rooms is to get people down there in the first place. And once you get people in the habit of going there, then they'll, they'll t- typically stick around unless you drive them away. So the fact that they've already got this many tables running, even at this time at one forty-five in the morning on a weeknight, that they, they have 31 tables going right now. Is, is a good sign, and provided people now make a habit of going there, you, this may be a very viable poker room going forward. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, so, Jeff, they're, they're about 40 or 50 minutes away from Maryland Live. Um, but they really, I mean, there, there'll be some competition, but 
I mean, really, Maryland Live gets a lot of their traffic uh, from Baltimore. Okay. And I think, and I think that uh, National Harbor is going to get a lot of the DC money is going to head out there. I see. I, I mean, they're, they're close I, enough. I'm shocked. You, I'm shocked. You know so much. Well, I've been. I mean, I've been to Maryland. I mean, Live you're totally. And, you're totally correct. You're totally yeah. correct. So. He's just impressed. I just didn't know you knew the area. He's, he's impressed. The New York boy knows all this stuff. I, I got a car. I've driven around, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and when I was last down at Maryland Live, they were actually talking about you know it wasn't open yet. They were talking about building it, but there's plenty of money down there. I mean, there'll be some draw, I think, in in both directions. But there, there's a lot of money in DC. Yeah. I think uh, National Harbor is going to do just fine. Now, Scott, did you play in any of the poker games? I did. Um... Ran very un- unlucky in PLO the first night and played a little no limit. Played some low stakes no limit the second night. And uh, within three and a half hours, did not see one pocket pair I saw a flop with and quadrupled up. It was, I mean, it, it's crazy how these people play out there, Todd. So I was going to ask, I was gonna ask you know, how are the games? Are just wild games? Like, what was it like there? I mean, it's just young kids trying to bluff away their money and you just. You play uh, very passive aggressive against them, and you take it from them. So, so you're you're suggesting then to the listeners of the show that if they want a good game, they should go down to MGM National Harbor. Um, I mean, I'll start there Friday. I'd, I'd say <laughs> I'd say go there, or go to Horseshoe. I mean, live is very live is very tough. There, there's some great players there. So, so this is an easier crowd and, to play against than uh, Maryland Live. Yes, it's probably okay. the second easiest in the state. All righty. So and, there's, and there's plenty of money. I do have to tell you, um, there were two problems when I went there. Yes. And and I don't mind bringing them up because I don't mind bashing a company for doing things wrong. But I get to the property. I, get to the, I told you I got to the property 11 o'clock on Thursday. The wife and I had already had a late dinner. And... Um, we decided we wanted to eat at about one forty-five in the morning, so we go to the marketplace. Well, the marketplace closes at two. We get in line at one fifty-five at a place called Papa's, which is uh, crab cakes. I want to say, mm-hmm. and we're looking at the menu. And we're like, eh, it's a little overpriced. Let's glance over at the place next door, which we do. And uh, the guy says you can't get in line. It's one fifty-nine. We close at two. We're like, okay, can we just go back to Papa's? He's like, yes. Yeah. So we go back to 159. The woman looks at us that's standing at the end of the line now doing the same job as the other guy and says, close it too. You can't be here. <laughs> and we look at her and we tell her, we're just there. We were just there. We glanced over. Yeah. Why can't we get in line again? She gives us some whole spiel. I don't want to get racial, but it is a very, um, it's a very black area. And you could see things where you could see a little tension going down in the whole place, obviously with the fight and all. Um, so we get out of line, find out there's one place open, I believe it's called Marcus, and put our name down. They say it's going to be half an hour. You know, half an hour is never half an hour. Half an hour turns into an hour and ten minutes. And we get them, and for the hour and ten minutes is even up, about 45 minutes in, waiter comes over and tells everybody, we're out of food, you might as well go home. <laughs> comes over and tells everybody that that's sitting there. Wow. So, so, the ho- so the hostess tells everybody, and I'm like, well, either this guy's lying and doesn't want his job, or he's completely telling the truth. And I looked at my wife, and I said, I, I hope he's just telling the truth. 
So you, so you sat there 45 tomorrow. minutes for your food and then just had to leave with nothing? Well, I mean, it, it's a it's a bar, too, so I guess you could just drink. But you stay, it's open 24 hours. Well, no, that's pretty bad. They ran out of food, though. I mean, it, it sounds like they weren't prepared well, at all. Well, here, 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 hear me out. So we had a man that the manager comes over, and we're there with another couple that have been talking to us for a good 25, 30 minutes and getting friendly with them, old black couple, and um, they're pissed. Too. I mean, they are beyond pissed. Like, I know you've met my wife. She can – she's the sweetest person in the world, but the moment you piss her off, it is done. So she's staying calm, and these guys are getting an irate. And then the manager comes over, and he goes, we're not out of food. We're a big resort. We can find it from somewhere. And I'm like, well, you better. And he just turns around and walks away. And about 25 minutes later, we get seated, and they give us a menu. And the menu has six total things to order, unless you want to wait till 7 in the morning for breakfast. Well, you say a menu. Where the menu is it their menu or wait, menu for- Wait, wait, wait. Oh, what's so their menu? Like, is this a menu or is this like buffet? That sounds kind of like like they turned around and said, we're going to give you shit. Do you enjoy shit? And then have a good night. Well, so, so, no, so what does this really mean? Like, did they give you just six options or they actually gave you a pre-printed menu? Oh, it's pre-printed. It's with six or maybe seven options. But I, I thought, you said, I thought they said they found, hold on, I thought they found it at... Uh, they found it like elsewhere in the resort. So where did the six options come from? I'm c- kind of confused here. No, no, no. It's it's their own menu from Marcus. Okay, but where, they but, had food. They had food. The waiter was probably just fed up and didn't want to okay. serve anybody else and wanted to lose lose his job. See, I would have been. So I would have been. I would have never been really, ran out of food. Yeah. See, I would have been nailing them down on this one. See, but whenever things contradict themselves, that's when I get pissed. Like I had it once at the. I I, I don't want to go into a tangent, but I'm going to anyway. I had it once at the Caesars Old Homestead Steakhouse where I sat for 45 minutes and they didn't. They took our order. They didn't even as much bring a salad. Okay, so 45 minutes into it, and the waiter didn't come over and update us. I, I finally went to the manager and said, what's going on here? And he said, oh, yeah, we're having a problem. Our computers are down. Uh, you know, that, That's the only way we can, we can process the orders to the kitchen. We're waiting for it to come back up. I said, wait a minute, so I've been sitting here 45 minutes. You've done nothing? Well, yeah, but we're hoping the computers come back up. I go, well, at what point? I said, do you realize that... Restaurants operated like in 1975 when there were no computers to do this. Like you, you can't just take the orders on paper and bring it back to the kitchen. That's not possible. Well, we can at some point. We're still waiting for the computers to come back. So, so the, the thing is here, uh, I, I wasn't just buying this BS. And I said, also, why did the waiter never come over and tell us what was happening? Why, why just the cover-up? Why are we just sitting, 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 sitting? And uh, and, and they're not even back up yet. I said, when, when's this going to end? You don't even know when it's going to end. So, I always want to know, like if a story doesn't add up, I want to always know what the actual truth is. So if, if a waiter comes and says we ran out of food, and I, I would have the same thoughts as you, wow, why would he, you know, why would he lie about this? He could lose his job. But if it turned out that they, and then the manager says, oh, we can find food from somewhere, which makes it kind of sound like that they're going to go get food from another restaurant that's open, but then they they have their own food back. Like, where did that come from? They can't just wave a wand to make the food reappear. So I, I think that, that maybe either the waiter made this up or they told the waiter, go ahead and tell people we're out of food and get them out of here because we're too crowded. But uh, whatever it is, I, I would have really held their feet to the fire and say, okay, why did the waiter say that? Where did this food come from then? Like, I would have demanded an explanation. Well, that's part, yeah. that's part of my complaint going to MGM and I'm going that I went to MGM with and why I'm telling you on the fraud show so everybody hears about it. Um. 
Yeah. So basically, the wife and I, the wife and I look at it, and it's shrimp and grits and five other things we or four other things we'd never order, and then a burger. And a burger was twenty dollars. And I'm telling you, Todd, I'm telling you, I could make a better burger back on the grill at home. It was McDonald's fries and maybe a quarter pound burger for twenty dollars. That's horrible. Well, uh, and I was five dollars for a drink. I said to myself, I should have just had ice. Water. I should have been a Jew and given the guy the extra five bucks for the drink and drinking ice water. Yeah, it was that. It was really that bad. Well, it, it sounds like especially that they they just weren't ready for the opening night and they they, they were screwing everything up and. But it's, it's, it's useful for, for people to know that this place. What was the name of it again? Marcus. Oh, Marcus. and the worst. Oh, I left out. I left out the worst part. And this is this shows you how shitty it is there. When we're waiting in line, about fifty minutes in, we're told my, uh, you know, my future baby mama decides to to say, when are we getting seated? And got, and the manager says, you're next. And we're standing there with the other couple still. And uh, we watch this one guy in a suit come by and this nicely dressed woman. And what happens? They take the table. And you want to guess what the excuse is that they get the table in front of us? Was it that they're high rollers? And it, they are executives in the casino. <laughs> now, mind you, there are four. Ta- hold on, there are four tables, and this the, the one they gave them is not one of these four that have reserve signs on them that I spotted out of probably twenty five tables. Four are reserved. At yeah. two in the, at three in the morning, mind you, we got there at two to put our name on the waiting list. You're talking almost three o'clock now. Yeah, you know, you know who you should speak to. Tables. I, I would find I'd track down the food and beverage manager of the place of the whole place of MGM National Harbor and tell them the story. Oh, I definitely am. It it only gets be- it only gets better though. I have to tell you this, and this will be it, and then I'll be done. You can hang up. I'll hang up if you want me to. So we go back Friday at five o'clock. Enter the casino. There's no problem. Um, I go on dinner break, and they do they do what most East Coast casinos don't do. I've only seen this at Foxwoods, where you actually go on dinner. I'm not saying other ones don't, but you go on dinner break, and I believe I've had it in Vegas a couple times. And you're you come back within 90 minutes. Your name's at the top of the list for any games you're on or whatever you were playing. And uh, this is eight o'clock. Come back at eight forty and try to enter on the north end, which is the high limit end. So you figure they're not going to give you any trouble unless you're dressed like a bum. And you've, you've met me. I I don't always dress in suits, but I'm I'm pretty well dressed, as is the wife. Carrying my backpack, and a security guard confronts me before I get to the actual two security guards that are carting everybody, and he puts his hand up and he goes, "You got to stop right there. You can't go any further with your backpack." And I'm looking. I'm like. What? Me? And he stops me and says, we're not allowing them in. I said, well, can you search it? And he looks at me like, no, we don't have the... He just gives me that like dumb look like, I don't know how to search a bag. And I'm looking around, and there are four police officers. None of them want to search it. I said, look, I open it up for him. I show him the 2,000 chips I got in the front pocket, the laptop that's in the other part. And I said, this one other section, which I'm willing to show you, which you probably don't want to look, has all my medical stuff that has to be in there for me to take that I'm not going to show in public. And the guy says, well, you can't come in. I looked at at my wife, and I said, you go in, you cash in whatever you have on you, and we'll just never come back here. And I proceed to walk around to the – what I call the south side of the building, which is the main entrance. And um, 
walk in. They don't stop me except to card me. And I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, I light up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, you know what? All this gray hair, and you want to think I'm 21 or whatever. And I start pulling out the ID, and as I do, he sees my gaming license, and he's like, oh, you're good. And I take two steps away, and guard runs over and says, you can't come in with that bag. And I'm like, I'm already in here. Yeah, and he well, starts they, this, this whole spiel. Okay, they, it's, it's, the whole thing sounds very disorganized. And, uh, Hold on. I'm not, I'm not done, though. Hold on. I'm not done. It, it gets better. So the wife is there at that point, and I said, you got two options. I said, you're going to let me finish walking in this casino and going to play poker because I'm on the dinner list, or you can walk me all the way to the poker room, which is at the other end of the casino, and or he knows it's at the other end, and I'm going to cash my chips, and you can wait while I cash my chips, and you, you can escort me back out, and I just won't come back, and I'll file a complaint. So we get to the poker room, and the manager is already there ready to confront me. And he stops me with his assistant chef and goes, why are you with security? Do you want to play again? And I'm like, no, they won't let me play. I can't bring my backpack in. So the assistant shift manager takes, all, takes down all my info and, and tells me I can take as long as I want. He doesn't care about security. It's a bunch of BS that I can't bring in the bag. And I said, I know what it is. I'm willing to show everything in it, but I'm not willing to carry everything that's in it when – it's not for the public to see. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well. So, so I get I Todd. I'm two seconds from being done. So, I I cash in the chips, put the two thousand in my pocket, get out to the parking garage, and I get a call from a three hundred one number, and I'm like, it should only be one person, and it's the poker room manager. It's the poker room director, and he's calling him, begging for me to come back. Finally, it comes to it. He tells me he gives me his sincerest apologies. And the one thing they did right in the whole time I was there was he offered, when I come back, there will be enough comp dollars to eat anywhere I want on property and a two-night stay oh, at the MGM, that's nice. which I don't care to stay at. Now, are, there, are they going to let you bring your backpack in next time? <laughs> he told me the only condition is that I have to agree to open it. I said, I have no problem opening in front of security, but if you've got Joe Blow standing right next to me, I'm not going to show him everything in it. If they want to pull me into a room, I got no problem. If the police want to search it, no problem. But he said, as long as I agree to open the backpack, they will not, they've agreed they will not stop anybody. Because well, okay. they even walked another guy, they walked another guy out of the poker room sitting with his bag. While I was being, while I was cashing my yeah, chips. I mean they're 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 being overly paranoid here, and I I think these are like uh, uh, not not to use the uh, Alan Thick reference again, but these are growing pains with the casino, and I, I think that uh, I'm not excusing these things. I think that uh, these are valid complaints you have here, and and they're doing a lot of stupid things, and see so they they get this idea. Oh, what, what, wouldn't it be terrible if some terrorist shows up with a backpack and uh, we have like a a repeat of the. Uh, the Boston Marathon incident. So, what, oh, of course. I mean, I hate I hate to discriminate, but you, like I said, you've met me plenty of times. I don't I don't dress like anybody you ever have to worry about. Well, I know, but they, I, no, I understand why they they have these concerns. Is, some people some people don't look like terrorists who can be you know, people who just uh, sympathize with ISIS online who just look like you know regular white boys that turn out to be uh, very dangerous. I mean, I know it's not that common, but you, you can't completely dismiss it. But they they have to be more. They they have to have a sensible policy, and here it just sounds like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. You know, it sounds good at least that they ha- that the poker room manager called you and that they have 
come to a better Program solution. director, Johnny. Yeah, so they it, so- it sounds like they're trying to make it better, and I give them credit for that. And these were a lot of stupid things you went through in the restaurants. Sounds like it was all a mess. But hopefully we see some improvement with this over time. And yeah, I, th- I thank you for your report with everything here. And definitely I would have been frustrated, too, if I went through everything you did. And... Uh, you know, it's sometimes you know sometimes they just these sticklers for rules at casinos. They just they abandon common sense. So you, uh, the, you know, there seems to be some issue with the backpacks where there's some confusion. Yeah, the 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 proper way to handle it that night until the public is really informed about no backpacks is to search them, and then that's it. You search them, they understand what's in them, and then they let them in. Uh, so they're just not very good with dealing with things. Well, that should the have been dialed in weeks in advance. And for, like, a medical thing, if somebody needs to bring something in, I don't know, that's like a lop. Yeah, that, that's another thing, yeah, that there has to be accommodation for people with medical conditions who need medical equipment or, or medicine to get in there. And and, uh, so. and that's why and that's why I left the property right away, because of the things that have to be carried, like I said, they are not going to be, they're not going to be seen in public. I'm going to take them to the bathroom or wherever I have to go and um, use yeah. them. But they're not going to be seen in public. But I have to give it a shout out. I have to give a shout out to Austin. I'm sure he doesn't listen. He's the poker manager, and uh, Johnny, the director, are very good at their job and are very customer friendly. So okay. well, anybody that wants to go to MGM and play poker, go play poker. You don't want to play table games. I understand. Okay, so so let's let's before we cut the callers here. So so handicap me. Has your pizza come yet? Handicap me. Did you pass out? He passed out the wrong I think wow. we lost. No, I think we lost. No, we lost him. Okay, he's gone. So I, he was. See, I, I let him stay here all this time, drunk, waiting for a pizza. I was. I don't know why the pizza was the. <laughs> like I don't even understand why, why was the pizza the the moment of truth there. Why why was getting the pizza the big thing? He's trying to call back in. I guess we'll take his call. Handicap me. Did you get your pizza? Wait, no, yeah, sorry about that. I meant to respond uh, to no, but I was on mute, and I clicked Raven off. I clicked, yeah, wrong button. But, but is the pizza uh, there? Is no, the pizza? pizza's not here yet, so I'm listening ever so diligently, and I'm being a good boy. So whoever said, oh, the drug needs to get off, uh, maybe it's like a few weeks ago when uh, What's-His-Face is on, but... I haven't really said anything besides relevant shit. Okay, but we're, so. we're about to drop all the callers, so so I'm just giving everybody a chance Wait. to speak. All, Wait. all, all the callers are going. on until the pizza's on, and no, no, then the, the time's up. The, the pizza's taking the pizza the, leave. No, the pizza's taking too long. We got to we got to drop everybody. <laughs> Larry, Larry, Larry Laffer. Maybe you should get a discount anyway. for him because the pizza's late. Get the guy on the phone. Whoa, whoa, it's risky. <laughs> I'm going to be in Vegas uh, probably in a few months, so. When I'm down there, I'll send everyone a message and we'll talk. Anyways, uh, so what I'm going to say is this, Todd. Yeah. Well, I know, you know, you can have drunk son. Send me next time you need some money. Um, okay. I, I hate that brand is not on, but I will support the show. Send me the message. I'll take care of it. I'm going to go wait for the pizza. Okay. All okay. right. Thank, thank you, Handicapping. Get, always, always. Right. Talk to you later, buddy. Thank you. Okay. So, handicap me. The, the, the problem wasn't so much the content of handicap. It's just kind of hard to understand him tonight because he's drunk. He's He sounds, uh, he just, he kind of sounds like what I'd picture he would sound like if you just call him and wake him up. And he's talking to you like in the first 30 seconds after waking up. He's a, 
you know, I, I can sound that way. I don't, I don't drink, but when I, I'll get a call and wakes me up in the first 30 seconds, often I'll kind of sound like that too. Sounds so, kind of like that swallow guy. Yeah, <laughs> we're back to swallow. Okay. Well, he's got a little, it sounds like he's choking on something. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. He kind of <laughs> did. Okay, Larry Laffer, what's the, you have anything last you'd like to say before we uh, drop the calls? Yeah, a couple, couple things. Uh, one, I wonder if Handicap Me is going to get a free pizza. It's been way longer than a half hour. That's true. And, uh, yeah, I was calling to say, you know, I'm glad I donated to the Serial Freedom Money, and uh, hopefully it went off. And, uh, yeah, I was glad I got to call the show. Wake up and call. Wake All right. up and call. Well, thank, thank you. Uh, so thanks for taking my call. Yes, th- thank you, Larry, for your donation tonight. And uh, I know you got trolled a little bit on the forum for it, but I, I appreciated the $20, and I know some other people green-wrapped you for it, so. Oh, those those two who uh, red wrapped are banned for for good. Oh, for winning your money. Okay. From any Larry Lasser money, those two are banned. How okay. did you did you do that? That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's, he's ridiculous. what he's doing is I allow anyone who donates money to ban others from winning the money they donate. They they can't ban from others' money, but any money you donate, you're allowed to restrict certain people from winning it. So he's he's uh, restricting Dwy and. Uh, who is the other one? And tell a friend. Oh, tell a, tell a, a, tell a friend for money. Yeah. Negative about a free donation. That's right. So, so, so negative about free money. You don't get the free money. So, so I, I have to uh, now, now tell a friend. He's a pretty uh, high limit gambler. So I don't. I don't, know if he'll, I don't know if he'll worry about that. But Dwight, I don't know about him. But they they can't win Larry's money if if they do play the free roll when he donates. So anyone has a right to do that. So, okay, Larry, thank you for the donation. Thank you for the call. And, uh, and Scott from the East Coast, thank you for uh, your information about the MGM National Harbor. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Okay. But, hey, one last thing, Calwatt. Yep. Calwatt, get my yep. info from Todd. Uh, hit me up when you come down to the National Harbor. I'll show you around. Yeah, absolutely. Or if, you come, or, if you come, or if you come to live, I'm usually at live. You play, the, uh, P- you play PLO 8 locally? Uh, well, I mean, when I go to Maryland live, I usually play the PLO games. All right, but the Farmers game is a PLO weight game? Correct. All right. I mean, there's a decent one at Maryland Live. I mean, it's only 1-2, but you know what? Any way you can get money, or 2-2, two, two, I should say. It's not 1-2. Two, it's 2-2, two, two, but yeah, any last way you can get I money. Was down there, I mean, last time I was down there, I ran I ran fantastic at the 1-2 the PLO, and then I, I ran really good at the 2-5 PLO, and then I think... Trying to remember, I think it was a five ten PLO that I played, and I ran fucking terrible. Yeah, that can be a t- that can be a very very. Are tough they still game playing now. those stakes there? There, I think there was a ten twenty five PLO game last time I was down there. It was a while ago though. Uh there's a, there's usually a ten there's usually one ten ten game going with one big fish that goes back and forth it, all night between five five and ten ten. Did it ever use guy? I don't want to give out his name. The ge- is it that general guy or whatever? I don't want to give out his name. All right, I mean, all right. If, okay. he, if, if he's a listener, I, I'm actually shocked how many people I've met at the poker table that, that tell me they listen to the show. I, got I know Todd says that for himself, but I'm I'm still blown away. No matter where I go, in Atlantic City, I go to Foxwoods, I hear people just talk about the show. So I don't want to I don't want to bash anybody. I got you. Um, okay, but well. he goes back and forth. Um, just be careful. Well, never mind. I'll tell you when he hit me up. All right, for. All right. very good. Th- All th- right. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Bob. Bye. All right, so we're we're back to the the three of us. Me, Calwad, and Trader Ruski have cleared all the calls off for now. Back back to a uh, little bit of peace. But I, I appreciate all the calls and uh, Scott's 
explanation of uh, his visit to the MGM National Harbor, which which sounds like overall a nice place, but they had a lot of uh, issues with uh, at startup, which can happen. But at least it sounds like they're trying to make it right and get these things. There's some things they just don't think of, I think. They just, like the backpack thing, they just didn't quite think it through of how they're going to handle it, especially people with medical equipment in there, what to do about that. It just, it just seems so simple to say, okay, we don't want terrorists in here, no backpacks. But then... Well, you got inexperience, and you also have people that, you know, it's their first day on the job, they don't want to get fired. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I, like, when it's like these first day growing pains, I, I'm actually more tolerant with these fails. The fails more bother me where they should have already had it ironed out by some point, and they don't yet. That's what starts. Well, to the, and the whole running out of food thing is just ridiculous. yeah, that was weird. They shouldn't let that happen. And when it does, they have to be honest. Of you know, if they're really out, then they can't invent food where it doesn't exist. But they, it sounds like it, they did have food. They just kind of were trying to find a reason to get rid of people. So I can't even remember the last time I've been anywhere that they run out of food. I've had it before where, like very deep into the meal, something that's been ordered, they say it's either gone or the side dish item. is gone. An yeah, item. item's yeah. gone, yeah. They're completely but running out, out of, food, of yeah. food. Yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. And think of how tilting that would be. You've been waiting for 45 minutes for your food, and they say, yeah, sorry, we actually don't have any food anymore. It's time to leave. Like, I, I would be furious. I'd be furious if there's a... I'm, I'm mad enough when this happens and they say we're out of an item and I've been waiting like an hour. Like a, right. I want to know when they're out. Of, I want to know they're out of the item at the time I order, or within minutes of me ordering. I don't. Forty-five minutes, sixty minutes, ninety minutes. I don't want to hear it at that point. Even even if I have to change at that point what I'm ordering, it pisses me off. But you would think they could project. Yeah, they they should be able to. <laughs> so it's to hear that we're completely out of food. You can't even change what you ordered. And just get up and leave. That's that's horrible. So, yeah. uh, and then they were not really out of it. Like what is what is that about? I I would have demanded answers on that one, and I would have. I, I hope he follows that one. All, all the things I heard, that's actually the most egregious. So, anyway, that's uh, moving on to the next thing. Uh, Washington State. They have a law in place, and it's been there for a long time, I think like 10 years or something, where it's a felony to play online poker from the state. Everywhere else in the country, you can play online poker. You just can't run it or process money for it. You, you can process your own money. Like, you can deposit, withdraw yourself. But, but it's illegal everywhere else to be a payment processor or to run one of these real money poker rooms. But it's, it's not illegal to play, which is why I've always been public about the fact... Do we have bows in the cloud? What, what am I hearing? What is that? Oops. Is that you, Sorry, Trader? That was my, I thought I was on mute. That was my dog. Playing with a toy. Okay, it sounded like both of the clowns' noses being squeezed or something. Okay, so uh, so anyway, yeah, I I'm very open with the fact that I play online poker on unlicensed rooms because it's not illegal where I am. So I don't have to. I went on national TV and said that I did that twice. So that's I. If it was a felony to be doing so, I wouldn't have done that. I would have been afraid that the feds would show up or the local police would show up and arrest me. But knowing I wasn't breaking the law, I was happy to say that. In Washington State, I would have been breaking the law if I lived there. So, I don't know how many people are, or if any people have been charged with playing online poker. It may just be a law in the books to scare people. But something's come out recently that they have been aggressively going after payment processors in Washington State. And that they've been seizing money 
from these payment processors. So uh, it turns out that $21 million, and maybe even more than $21 million, but at least $21 million was seized in, uh, in Washington State through online gambling investigations in 2015. And they've been doing this for, for many years, so they, uh, who knows how much money they've gotten, but they've kept this very quiet and very under wraps, and there's been no discussion of it. They've just, the authorities in Washington have just been quietly trying to trace payment processors, and the way they're doing it is they sign up on online gambling sites, not just poker, but just online gambling sites. They bet a little bit, they cash out, and then they trace the cash out trail to uh, uh, to where it came from, and then seize the money in those accounts. So they they it came out recently that in 2011 they did this to Bet US, where they they signed on a player from Washington State, proved that this was going on, and then uh, traced the money and and seized everything involved. In fact, the processing company was actually a British entity called uh, Thames Point Management Limited. And uh, according to the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, which is a uh, newspaper, uh, on July 19, 2011, investigators seized seven bank accounts holding a total of $3.4 million. Federal prosecutors filed for a forfeiture action three years later claiming the money was related to unlawful activity. A certified letter was sent to Thames Point. Prosecutors didn't hear back. U.S. District Judge James Robart in May 2015 found that Thames Point had failed to respond to the lawsuit and issued a default judgment for the government. So I'm not sure where they're exactly seizing the money from. I don't know if they're actually seizing this across uh, international lines somehow or if they're they're doing this in Washington or, or in other U.S. states. It's not made clear. But uh, but it looks like that these payment processors don't even try to fight back, that if there's seizure attempts on their money, they just consider it part of the cost of doing business and just let it go because they're they're just opening so they're never going to be able to get it back at that point and all they're doing is opening themselves up to uh being prosecuted so they say screw it we just don't show up we just don't respond just take the money is basically the line that they take at that point and it turns out that this has been you know that was 3.4 million but what about the other 17.6 million in 2015 seizures that were not publicized in any way. And what about in all the other years besides 2015 where uh, this has probably been occurring in Washington? So who knows how much money they've been seizing, but this is an interesting thing they have going on there where they've they've realized this is a revenue source for the government is to just keep going after these payment processes and seizing their money knowing they probably won't fight it. Now, there's even a bit of a connection uh, to a payment processor for Bovada, there's a UK-based processor named Axia FX, which is supposedly connected to Bovada. And uh, they, uh, I guess they tried to fight the seizures a bit by claiming that these, these were in violation of that World Trade Organization ruling that US was the U.S. was... Uh, not supposed to be interfering with Antigua gambling operations because I guess area Axia XF was providing uh, services for for that as well, but uh, that that was basically rejected, and 
again, they, they, they didn't really fight it in civil court, and uh, so it went. So... And that case, I guess, is still in progress. That hasn't they ha- they haven't uh, the money hasn't officially been released yet. But uh, Bovada is very good at processing. So it's thought that Bovada has a lot of different payment processors, and this Axia XF was just FX was just one of them working for them. Because Bovada has always been very good with paying people and paying people fairly quickly. So uh, I think that this is just something that happens that these payment processors charge Bovada a lot of money and they acknowledge that a certain percentage of the money they're holding for these cash outs will get seized and that's just part of what they have to deal with they make so much money that they can tolerate it as long as the seizures aren't too many and as long as they have enough accounts and are constantly moving around enough then they they can't all be seized and, they, and for the most part they can avoid it so I wouldn't be too worried about this. This isn't going to really affect your Bovada cash outs. This has been going on for as long as Bodog Bovada has existed. That they've been they've had their payment processors busted. When for those of you who have gotten checks from Bodog or Bovada that have bounced, it's not that Bovada's broke. It's that it probably means that that payment processor got busted. So I've had checks bounce before, not in a long time. I don't get checks from them anymore. But when I was getting checks from them, a few of them bounced, and they they made good on it. But they that that was what happened was that the processors were getting busted. So Washington State is one of the entities coming after them. So I hadn't really thought that Washington was doing this. I knew that the federal government was doing this. I knew that the U.S. Attorney's Office in Maryland, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, were going after these processors. I didn't know that Washington State was too, but. Wherever these governments can find revenue, they'll do it. I guess they figured it was lucrative, and it sounds like it has been. Yeah, and just like the money that they uh, are getting from that full tilt that is left over, all this money is going to go to helping, you know, handicapped children and that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and and that's a lot of law enforcement in this country is actually monetarily based. I'm not saying all of it. Like I'm not talking about. Uh, you know, typical crimes that you'd report to uh, to the police where they investigate, but I'm talking about where they choose which criminal org- organizations to investigate. Often, they go after the ones with the money, because they know they can seize assets, they can seize money, and they can keep it. The police department can keep it, the uh, the local government can keep it, the state government can keep it, and they feel that's a much better use of their resources than going after criminal enterprises that do not have very much to seize. Yep. So that's uh, a lot of what motivates them. The, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, that's, that's a big thing with them. They brag about that they seize a lot of money from large criminal organizations, or should I say rich criminal organizations. That's why they go, they've been going after online poker, because they know they can keep getting money from them. And yeah, and this may seem strange, but you know how you were talking about... Uh, tournament poker and you know the the wins that kate hall had and all that kind of stuff yeah the the same way that poker players talk about their tournament winnings that's how these uh district attorneys talk about their the the money that they've won yeah they do you know and it really is kind of like their 
their Hendon mob in a way. It is. They, they actually <laughs> you know? they, they put out press releases every year about how much money yeah. they seized from criminal organizations, and they don't list yep. them all. They don't say, "Oh, we stole it. We took this from online poker sites." So they they say we seized uh, you know, three billion dollars this year from criminal organizations. Our, our our division here. So and this is something they brag about. This is what makes them look good. This is where it makes the director of the organization look good. And it, and so. And there's really little downside to this because there's not going to be outrage from the public. Oh my God, you see three million, three billion dollars from criminal organizations? No, people seem happy that the government is getting revenue this way instead of taxing law-abiding citizens. They right. think, oh great, it's coming from criminals. That's the way it should be. So that, that everyone's thrilled to hear that, and that it also sounds like criminals are being stopped. So the problem is that when it's it's when so much is dictated by money, that that really shouldn't be. The motivation for law enforcement it should be to uphold the law it should be to go against the worst and most dangerous criminals not the richest criminals i, I bet you that I, I would not be surprised if there isn't a website out there that's just like the hendon mob but it lists <laughs> but it lists you know the bounties that these various uh districts have, have uh, successfully prosecuted for. maybe it's like, like the that prosecutionmob.com or something like that. Yeah. If it doesn't exist, I bet you it will exist soon. Maybe someone from our site will hear this. Go, oh, I'm going to set this up. Might as well. Yeah, but the, you guys can look this up of the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, Southern District of New York, about the money seized in 2015, 2014. You, you won't know 16 because they haven't. The year's not completed. They will not have announced that yet. But you'll see it's a lot of money. They're they're that's a spe- specific office that goes after. Rich criminal organizations, and that's I. I live in New York. Yep. I don't know where they're fucking spending this money because it sure <laughs> as shit isn't in the, on the roads. I have potholes all over the place. Yeah, that's the problem. Is a lot of this money just goes down a rat hole. It goes into a general fund, and it's, there's so much money wasted in the government. Just, just so much money, and uh, and they don't really care at that point. They care that they've seized it, and then that's all that matters. And they put it in, in some kind of general fund. And that's it. And the person who is in charge of the seizures or in charge of the office that does the seizures, they get the credit for it. Where the money's actually spent or how it's used, they don't care. That's not their business. So Is that publicly accounted somewhere, I would hope? Yeah, it sort of, you know, like it just it, it becomes part of a budget. So it's, it's this money specifically is not accounted, but it's, it it goes into part of the budget as any form of revenue to the government would. Right. And then they just have extra money to spend. But it it really is like what you were saying, like more of bragging rights for the right. ones right. Who, who run the offices that seize this sort of thing. So uh, I, I'm not even against the ability for them to seize money from criminal organizations and, and use it for, for good purposes. I think that's fine. I just uh, – when that starts to become the main point of the law enforcement of, of these offices, that, that becomes the problem. Well, yeah, tournament should be, poker player should be lowering taxes. Yeah, it should be. You got all this extra money coming in. Yeah, that would be great if they could say we got this much money this year. We got this extra money from criminals this year, so therefore taxes are going down. But you're never going to see that. Everybody gets a refund in this area. So yeah, that would be great if the people just got like how nice would that be? You just get a check in the mail. Yeah, we seized this much from criminals this year, so here's some money back. That that would be awesome if we got that, but we wouldn't. It wouldn't happen. They just they just find a way to use it. They. The government, totally true. The government has an insatiable desire for money, and they they never say, "Oh, we have too much; we don't need this anymore." So, uh, you know, there's people within the government. There's there's politicians who run on an anti-tax platform and and try to uh, lower taxes or or even try to you know some kind of gimmicky refund to try to 
make people uh, the, the public feel better. But but in reality, the government in general they they always find ways to waste money, always. So uh, I, I always compare the government to having a hard drive, where no matter how big of a hard drive you have, uh, you can usually find a way to waste the space. But yet, if if you can't just go buy a new bigger hard drive and you're forced to make do with the space you have, it's amazing how efficient you can make use, use of the space. You, you can really cut down the waste if you really need to, but if you don't need to cut it down, then your hard drive gets bloated very quickly. And this is especially true back uh, in, in days where storage wasn't as cheap. I mean, I know storage keeps going way, way, way up compared to... You know, on a typical computer. Thing. I think I think the governments are more like heroin addicts. <laughs> you know, and the and the money is the heroin. Yeah, and they just you know they will just shoot up as much as they get. Yeah, and you're and you're right. I mean, it just never uh, it just never goes away because a lot of these budgets um, they let's say a certain amount is allocated to a government budget. They want to spend that money because if they don't spend that money, what happens is the next year or whenever they review the budget, they're then going to get less money. Yes. You know, and they and they want to continue to be funded. So and, they and will find somewhere to spend this. And that's the, yeah, that's the other problem is with all the budgeting of all these different departments. There's never like, oh, we have too much and this department has too little. Let's transfer some over. They'll never allow that to happen. Every little department no. wants their, their own money. Uh, so they... That's another problem of why it gets so bloated is that there are underfunded departments and then there's overfunded departments. And the overfunded will never they'll never give up their money. Right. They're 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 all they may all be under the, the same government, but they all act almost as if they're independent businesses. Yeah, and like I said, they're not there is no impetus for them to actually be saving money or be inefficient with the money that they're allocated. Because all that means is that they're, it would be like senators, you know, voting against a pay raise for them. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. They, right. They, they don't have, they don't get any benefit out of uh, spending less money. So mm-hmm. and then all they, all, and then they're, of course, they're afraid too. If we, if we say we don't need as much money as you're giving us, then maybe next year we will need that much money and we won't be able to get it and we'll look bad. So we, we better just keep it no matter what or find a way to spend it. So yeah, it's, it's, these are problems and, and so this is why I will just about always vote against tax increases that are put up on propositions because I just feel like uh, you have to turn off the spigot of money to the government or otherwise you're just going to find new ways to waste it. If you, if you make them make do with what they have, then they start spending more and more efficiently. If you just say, okay, uh, we don't want to change anything, we just, uh, we just want more because you know such and such department needs more money now we need such and such more money for this purpose then okay just take it from the people and that's what happens it's what uh, i don't want to be the blank checkbook for any government to increase their spending before they wait, wait, don't don't you live in california <laughs> I, I said I don't want. I said I don't want. You chose to be the, poorly if they, if you're concerned about that. I said I don't want to be the blank. <laughs> I didn't say I, I. I haven't been. I just I don't want to be. I, I try to do my part not to be. So anyway, uh, go, going to the next topic here. Totally different type of story. Poker stars pro Jake Cody. Well, he said he's probably a tournament player. I, I don't really know him, but I all I know he's a poker stars pro. He has revealed that he was robbed. While he was skinny dipping, 
Here is the story in Jake Cody's own words. Matthew Johnson asks, have you been robbed before? Now, what he's, I should give some context here. This is, he, he did a video, about a 21-minute video on YouTube. And I guess he does these uh, for Team Poker Stars Pro. And he stands in front of like a beige wall and does this. And it's, it's really choppily edited, too. And this always tilts me watching these YouTube videos. I, I guess it's like a style that was developed. I think Jenna Marbles was the first one to do it. But it's a style that really irritates me. Because instead of trying to make the whole thing seem smooth, like if, if you mess up something, you do a retake. In, in, that was the old school way of doing videos, doing video production. Now, now what they do on these YouTube videos is they purposely make it jumpy. This so, from the guy who doesn't edit the podcast. Well, see, that's good. So it's smooth. <laughs> it, it, you know, it doesn't sound professional, but it's smooth. You, you don't have me saying. So this is what I'm doing here. And later than I went to this, like it's kind of like that where it's jumpy, jumpy, jumpy. It's hard. It's hard to pay attention. And when you're watching video, it's even worse because even if the audio kind of sounds okay, you see the guy kind of just jumping around because there was a quick edit. So you'll, you'll see a lot of this here. And he's standing in front of a beige wall, which is kind of a strange background, too. Not quite as strange as Doug Polk standing in front of uh, horizontal blinds. Well, we the, seriously serious took care of that, gave him the message. He's, all, he's, he's got a better staging now. That right? is true. Seriously serious. Said, no, no, no. No more horizontal blinds for you. No more of, the, no more of this. Yeah, so, so uh, Jake Cody is standing in front of this wall. And it all seems like he's in a, like a police lineup by himself. But he was asked a question by someone who wrote in to them or whatever. Have you ever been robbed before? So this is him giving the answer. Okay. This is a good question. And you might be thinking, why do you look so excited? Oh, it's frozen. What's going on here? Here we go. Why are you so happy about this potential situation? You're going to find out. The main reason is I didn't lose an extremely large amount. It was just, you get alter. So, so did you hear that? The main reason is like, that's, it's cutting all over the place. Why can't the guy just stand in front of the damn wall and just talk? Like I, yeah. I, I sit in front of the damn computer and talk for like how many hours here, and I don't, I don't have these funny edits. It's why, why do that? I, that always tilts me to watch. But I, okay, enough about that. Let's let them tell the story. So this was about five, six years ago now. Um, one of my first times in Barcelona. I was there for the EPT, and it was one of the off days. Decided to go out drinking. I remember we went to some shop bar. I was with my good friend Ashley Mason. Then we ended up at this karaoke place. Um, there was a few people there actually. Marvin Rattamine was there. Liv was there. Some of the Pokestar staff were there. And I remember going to the bar over and over and ordering mucho vodka with Red Bull, please. It sounds like he is in uh, EPT Barcelona. Why is it always crime over there? Why, why does Poker Stars keep going back there? <laughs> He's about to talk about getting robbed there in, in Barcelona. And he said he ordered a lot of drinks, and let's hear what happened. Because the girl behind the bar couldn't speak Spanish, so I kept on just ordering mucho vodka with Red Bull over and over. Bad idea. So, several mucho vodka Red Bulls later, the karaoke bar closes, and me and Ash decide to wander down to the beach bus. But there's been like six edits here in the last ten seconds. I'm not even kidding. Like, you, you can't, you can sort of hear them, but I'm telling you, watching this, I feel like I have epilepsy. <clears throat> 
Barcelona Beach. Now, if you've been to Barcelona before, there's a big row of like restaurants on the beach that turn into clubs at night, basically. It must have been about 4, 5 a.m. This was back in my single days. So we wandered down to the beach. We were just going to see what was going on. People were, like listening to music, drinking, having fun. It's really cool, actually. We thought we saw some girls in the sea. So we thought, let's go and try and impress them. And <laughs> I don't know who thought of it, but we decided to go skinny dipping. So we just like, thought it was a hilarious idea at the time, stripped off completely naked, and just started jogging down to the beach. Morale was... So, so hold on a second. He, I, This is different than I thought it would be. I'm, I'm hearing this for the first time like you guys are. So I thought he was gonna, like skinny dipping. I thought maybe he went in, the, in a jacuzzi or something with people he knew. He, he saw some what he thought were some girls in the sea, and he decided that the smart thing to do was take off all their clothes and just jump into the ocean naked. <laughs> that, that sounds like like sexual harassment or something. I don't know. He, he saw some, uh, you know, potential prey, so they unsheathed their swords, man. <laughs> we saw some girls in the sea, and we just pulled out our I, will- we pulled well, out the willies and ran in there. So far, the story is that two dudes got naked. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. the story. And plus, I think they were the prey because the guys probably had their girlfriends out in the beach. Yeah. yeah. And they, then they stole all their money. <laughs> yeah, yeah I see, we see where this is going. By, by the way, the, can you guys hear the edits as this guy's talking? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's even yeah, worse watching it. Sure. It's so weird. I would kind of understand if he was recording like a 15-minute speech and at some point he, he edits it out to cut out maybe when he's hesitating, but when you're editing it like six times in 20 seconds, there's something wrong. I, like, it's a new style, Druff. It's horrible. Okay, let's go on here. Let's through the roof. So we get into the water, jump in, we're loving life. It's like, we think it's like, well, funny. we think it's really funny. And then we start to look around. No girls. Either there was some kind of mirage or... Possibly we scared them away. <laughs> but either way, I there can't was no imagine there. why. Uh, I, I think maybe Trader Ruski's right. I think maybe the girls were a decoy. They, they ran I out to the sea. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> they ran out to the sea, and uh, and then they, they got the added bonus that they stripped down. So this way you take their clothes, they can't even chase after you. And all of a sudden, the initial excitement is worn off a bit. We're kind of like looking at each other like, hey, mate. <laughs> We're both just naked. Us is a bit weird. <laughs> let's um, let's go back. Now, chicks love so it we, when you get naked and chase them. It sounds like Brokeback <laughs> Mountain Part Two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we, we're looking at each other, and there's no there's no chicks in the sea, and uh, we don't have clothes anymore, and we're just naked, and there's no one around anymore. And we said, well, we both want to get some tonight, so there's only one way. And we did it. We did it right in the sea. Uh, there, was a, there was a rock on the side that uh, allowed me to get on all fours. It hurt my knees a bit, but um, it was worth it. The, uh, the sea provides a natural salty lubrication. To go back towards where our stuff is. Or where we think our stuff is. Uh-oh. We put it on this spot, kind of by a wall. And it's gone. And at first I thought... We must just have drunkenly, like, not realised where we put it. So all of a sudden, we're scrambling around, like, looking at all, all, like, the various places nearby. Bear in mind, it's still quite busy. And we're naked. And it's a very, it's extremely sobering experience. Realising you've potentially lost all your stuff. 
and you're naked in public. It's like one of those dreams where you just wake up naked and it's a nightmare and everyone's looking and you're like, oh my god, what the fuck? You're feeling very sober and pretty goddamn self-conscious. We realise that it's gone. All our clothes, our phones, our passports, wallets, bank cards, hotel room key card. Why are you bringing your passport to the beach? Is, is that a smart thing to do? They might have. They might have brought it so they could get drinks. Uh, I'm always afraid. I, I have mixed feelings about bringing my passport around. Like I just took a cruise, and at at the ports. Uh, if you don't have your passport and then you miss the boat, it's very hard to fly to the next port without a passport if it's a foreign port, which often they are. But if, you, if you're if you carrying around your passport, you risk losing them or getting them stolen. So as opposed to leaving them on the ship in the safe where, where they're not going to be touched. So I, I'm always like, I'm always not sure what to do there. So like if I, what I usually decide is if I'm like going to the beach, I'm, not, I'm definitely not bringing them. And if I'm going somewhere where I, I basically have control of my stuff, like if I have a car I'm driving around, I can just keep it in a backpack with me, then uh, then I take the passports. So just know this, guys. If, if I'm skinny dipping somewhere and you see my, my stuff there, you're not going to get my passport. Just uh, FYI to potential thieves. But, you know, I don't know about you you guys. When I'm going to a beach, especially one that's uh, you know not close to where I live, and I have my stuff out there, I'm always all paranoid someone's going to steal it. Like I'm always like popping my head out of the water to look, yeah, keep looking back at my stuff's there. Do you, do you do that too? Oh, I mean, of course, a little bit, but I usually don't bring anything all that valuable when I'm going right. to a place like yeah, that. That's exactly. Well, yeah, I try to bring the minimum, but still, like I'm always worried, like just what I have there is going to get stolen, and like, but I'm like always constantly looking. Is it there? Is it there? Okay, whew, it's there. And like, uh, at some point, you got to relax and enjoy it. I mean, well, yeah, I try. You know, I, I try to, uh, I try to do that. I try. You know, I have the. Got my snorkel there, looking at the fish, trying to just float there peacefully and look at the fish going by me. And then I go, is my stuff there? And I got to pop my head back up and yeah, you know it is. Any kind yeah, of identification. If they were in a foreign country and then just leaving all this shit there. Yeah, the poker players Yeah, poker players are so reckless. It's amazing. It's gone. Now we're like, okay, we need to try and get ourselves out of this situation. What should we do? So we jogged to the side of the beach. I remember there's like a palm tree and it had like these big like hanging leaves coming down. <laughs> big leaves, just to clarify. So we jump up, grab, grab two of these leaves to make ourselves like a little, little man skirt thing to like just help ourselves like have a little bit of dignity that we have left, even though there's probably zero right now. And we're staying at different hotels. And looking back now, why we split up? I do not know. Why didn't they just use a starfish or something? <laughs> That's what I would have done. I would, I would Are said, you kidding me? I, I, would, I would have said, you know, forget... You would put a starfish on your junk? Why? Well, you know, it's better than, uh, than have to search out a palm tree and climb in and get the... Yeah, thing those down. things have, like, thousands of little suction... Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Better than a sea I, Actually, thing. you know what? That would either be the worst experience of your life or the best. It could go either way. <laughs> I mean, you, it's better than a sea urchin. I wouldn't do a sea urchin, but a, a starfish I might consider. <laughs> what about just seaweed? You do seaweed, right? Just get a whole lot of seaweed and wrap it around? I mean, that would be better than a starfish. <laughs> Although, I mean, you know what the pejorative term for a, you know what a starfish is, right? 
Uh, what do you mean? You're talking about someone's starfish? It's their butthole. Oh, that star. Okay. I, well, see, you're thinking of that, not me. I, I'm thinking of a real starfish. I, I know you were thinking of a real starfish, and that's what I'm telling you, is those things, if you picked them up, they've got thousands of little suckers on the bottom of their feet. Well, okay. I mean, truthfully, you, I've, I've you never put... You could actually put one on your junk. Well, I've never tried that. lift your hands away. It would just stick, it would stick there. Well, I, I'd worry about that later. I bet I can get it. Okay. I bet I can get it to get off of me at that point. Later on, when I get back to the hotel and I say... Uh, Maybe. Good afternoon, sir. Oh, it's a nice bathing suit you have there. It looks just like a starfish. I was I was fooled. You might have to get that thing medically removed. <laughs> that would be horrible. I wonder if any listeners... You might be that guy that is the headline. Man has... Man rushed to the ER with a starfish attached to his ball sack. They should have me doing one of these Poker Stars videos. And so, uh, they stole my stuff, and uh, I, I, I don't know why I trust Barcelona, since every time uh, Poker Stars has an event here, it's a disaster. Things happen to the players, and Poker Stars doesn't care. But I, I said, um, I threw a caution to the wind... I found all my stuff is stolen, and I had more, no more, no more clothes. And uh, I figured it's either walk back through Barcelona naked, or have a starfish on my cock. So <laughs> I grabbed the starfish. I figured I don't have to attach it in any way because uh, Calibot told me it attaches itself, and it does it <laughs> attach itself very snugly onto my onto my it's balls. Like one way Velcro, man. So the starfish, it, it, it connected very snugly to my balls, and uh, it, it felt good in a way, I have to say. It, uh, it, it felt like it, uh, it wasn't coming off. I could walk around uh, very aggressively, and my starfish would still be there. Uh, the problem was, get, was getting a little bug off of me. I, I, I got back to the rim and said, all right, I, you can um, get going now. You can, um, you can, you can skit. Goodbye. Tally out. And it, it wouldn't go. And I, I tried to spray hot water on it in the shower, and it wouldn't go anywhere. And um, I just tried to pull it, and it just went along. The whole thing went along when I pulled it. I pulled it, my junk pulled as well. And I said, this, this is a bit of an issue. But, um, you know, at some point, the thing's going to just dry up and die. Maybe I could just outlast it. And it, it smelled rather bad for a while. Oh. It, uh, I, I had a fish smell going on. But I, I just told them <laughs> that there was a, a, la- a lady that I had slept with that wasn't very hygienic. Oh. And I just hadn't showered yet, and I actually got a few high fives from some gentlemen in the area. They thought that uh, you know, at least I got some action. Uh, eventually, the starfish it, it it died and fell off, and uh, yeah, I had a bit of a rash there for a while, but uh, it's, it's it still works. It still works. <laughs> oh man! No, I mean the move there—you don't need anything. Just put both of your hands over your junk, and you know, just scuttle away. <laughs> we said our naked goodbyes, and I said I'll speak to you in the morning. So I, had to, I was staying at the W Hotel, I had to walk right down to the end of the beach, or like I was walking pretty quick as I was just trying to get out of the situation. Luckily I'd sobered up enough to completely explain the situation to the guards and the security at the hotel, I'd verified what was in the room and my address, etc. Luckily, they let me back in. And I got into my room and my laptop was stolen. and I was like, oh bollocks, this again? Why does Pokestars keep coming here? And all was good. Until we had to spend like nine hours at the police station the next day. And we had to call, obviously call, cancel our bank cards. We had to go to the embassy to get new temporary passports, um, cancel our phones. It was, to be honest, it was a, it was a disaster. Um, funny looking back, but at the time it was a complete disaster. When we went to the embassy, oh, it might have been the police station. Channel 4 were doing a documentary about holidaymakers 
having things stolen and getting new passports, weirdly enough. And they asked me if I wanted to be part of the documentary, and I was like, in my hungover state. I had one of those hangovers, you know, where you think your banter's really good, but it's not. But like, you think you're funny, but I was in one of those moods, and I was like, yeah, why the hell not? Somewhere in the Channel 4 archives is me getting interviewed by like some Channel 4 reporter about getting my stuff stolen. I saw a quick, I saw a small clip of it once, it's pretty, it's pretty damn funny. Fall Farrell asks, hey Jake. All right, I've heard enough. So that's the end of that uh, answer. And I guess there are other questions. I still want to know who edits this. Does PokerStars edit this? It, it may be that this guy just sends them a lot of raw footage and then PokerStars puts together this terrible edit to bring it down to 20 minutes. But I can tell you, as a first-time viewer of this, it was, it was very hard to pay attention to all this because every few seconds it's jumping. And someone someone needs to learn maybe from this show that less editing is more but sometimes you know sometimes when I, we have a lot of fail on the show like tonight for example i am tempted to go and edit out the fail and occasionally i will if it's really bad like if if there's like 40 minutes of fail in the show then i go i don't want this taking up so much time and i'll go edit it but the funny thing is the reaction i get from people when i say that i've edited out the fail and people go no i wanted to hear it i wanted like if some people enjoy hearing me be frustrated about the fail that's occurring. They want to hear it. It kind of seems real to them. They, they don't want this to be post-produced. So, I, I have to say I'd much rather hear that sort of thing going on than watch something that's poorly edited and is jumping all over the place. But, maybe that's just me. Okay, moving on here. Uh, Lucky Chewy known as uh, Andrew Lichtenberger, is, is the latest to jump on the bandwagon of starting their own poker site. Of course, Phil Galfond is starting one as well. Phil Galfond's site is not going to be aimed at U.S. players. But uh, that really seems like more of an organized and well-thought-out operation. He's you know, Galfond posted his whole piece <clears throat> on how he feels an online poker site should run and he had some pretty good ideas, and I, I agreed a l- with a lot of his plans. You know how well they execute these plans, or, and whether this thing can be profitable—that's a different story. But at least I agree with the concept of, of what he's trying to do. Lucky Chewy Poker is a little bit different, and it's it's pretty ridiculous. Now, if you want to see Lucky Chewy Poker and uh, a screenshot. Of, of the website, I guess. Uh, and I guess also a similar thing is on the, the software itself. Go to the Lucky Chewy Poker thread in the Poker Community Discussion Forum of Poker Fraud Alert. But to let you know what I what it looks like, it says, Welcome to Lucky Chewy Poker. Play money games available now. They've got, they're in beta. Real money play coming soon to countries where online gaming is legal. So presumably not the U.S. And then you can click on Poker School Community, Poker School, or Poker Tournaments. But that all sounds reasonable. But then there's very prominently displayed on the right side a picture of Lucky Chewy, Andrew Lichtenberger, in a white hoodie with a long beard, with long hair, kind of looking like Jesus, kind of looking like a cross between Jesus and a homeless guy. (laughs) <laughs> and, and unlike uh, 
Chris Jesus Ferguson, who prior to the Full Tilt scandal was a very well-known figure in poker, and kind of a, you know his his unique look was kind of an iconic figure in poker. So when you saw him, you didn't think of a bum. Lucky Chewy is not really known to many people. He's known to big poker fanboys, but he's not like a household name in poker. So you just see a guy standing there who kind of looks like a bum as the face of the site and making no effort to not look like a bum. Does that really inspire the average person to want to put money on there? So I, I, have you guys looked at this yet? I'm looking at it right now. Now, if you were a casual poker player and not, uh, you know, not the dominator of, uh, of, of farm games like you are, <laughs> uh, would, would, and you didn't know this guy very well, would you, would you feel inspired to put money on the site managed by this guy? No. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, whatever. He looks happy. Yeah, he does look happy. But uh, uh, you can also. I'm, I'm taking one for the team right now, Drew. <laughs> I downloaded the Lucky Chewy Poker app. Oh, wow. And I'm actually signing up and I'm giving it a shot here. Now, it doesn't. Uh, do you see his picture prominently displayed in the software? Because I saw some screenshots of that, too. Where, like, yes, he, but like, it's worse. <laughs> <laughs> so describe what's there. I, I don't have the software in front of me. So what, what do you see here? It, it's like this poorly drawn, well, yeah, it's some kind of like stylized, almost looks like a kid's drawing. And then him in a hoodie kind of photoshopped into the middle of it. It looks really bizarre. Oh, yeah, I think I see I see a screenshot on 2 plus 2. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So like, like a, it almost looks like the one I'm seeing is he's standing in that same hoodie kind of on the right side. Oh, that's now. I just got to that one after. Okay, I, yeah, he's he, like in. in front of like he, like he's in space, like poorly sh- photoshopped in this shot of space that's kind of purplish looking. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, that that was not the one that I was describing okay. originally, but I do see that one now. <laughs> um, wow, this is a this is a really 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 badly done app. I think it was probably done with Electron. Yeah, so this is it looks like Amateur Hour to me, in what I'm seeing here, and I, I think they. They have to understand that in in 2016, soon to be 2017. In fact, I'm sure it'll be 2017 by the time we can play real money. There poker. are no games running. What a shock. <laughs> well, it's only play money right now. But when it can be for real money, wherever they're going to operate. Well, you're, I mean, right now, the, the Poker Fraud Alert online poker room is beating it out. That's <laughs> true. And there's no picture of me in a hoodie. I mean, there's literally nothing running. Even though it's play money, there is not a single game running. Yeah, well, I think everybody just kind of opened it for the lulls and then <laughs> probably didn't open it again. But your your site has to look like something that's going to inspire people to have faith in it and that it's professionally run. Uh, otherwise, it just becomes a laughing stock. And, and the truth is there's far more of these online poker rooms than there are players who want to play on them. So it's a... it's And also, of course, the you've got Poker Stars and a few other big ones sucking up the vast, vast, vast majority of the traffic for these uh, online poker sites. So to get people over to your site, there has to be a reason why people want to play and definitely no reasons that they don't want to play. Yeah, so, okay. I, I, I've done software development for a really long time, so I'm kind of checking out the internals of this thing. So they're basically using Chromium for their desktop app for this thing. Yes. Which basically means that it's just a glorified web browser is what the app is. <laughs> so the actual poker game is written in 
primarily JavaScript. Oh yeah, I say I hate those. That's those. Those always run very poorly too. So, I hope he didn't get fleeced for a lot of money. He probably did. He probably put a lot of money into this. I, obviously, he didn't do this himself, so he he paid yeah, some. He hired some firm to build this for him. Yeah, and uh, has no idea how shitty of a job they did. Yeah, like everybody on the internet's laughing at this, and he's not even appearing in the two plus two thread, even though he has a two plus two poster, and people are questioning like, why isn't he here? And there's comments on the two plus two thread like, "This is a joke, right?" And someone says, "I think I broke it." <laughs> I wonder if they did. He says, and then someone else wrote, I normally laugh when I see sites trying to attract players with skimpily dressed girls, but even that is better than some homeless douche in a hoodie. (laughs) (laughs) So these are the stellar reviews from 2 Plus 2. Let's let's see what else people wrote here. And they're doing photoshops making him into Jesus. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Don't understand why he started dressing like a bum. Uh... Hopefully this is the start of poker sites trying to outbid each other in terms of how much rake they charge. And probably not there. Uh, and I, I guess it it uh, it has a UK gambling commission stamp. Yeah. But but in an attempt to search for it. It uh, says it was tested in July of 2015. Yeah, but yet uh, someone from Two Plus Two tried to search for it in the the licensing website for the UK Gambling Commission and could not find anything for either Andrew Lichtenberger, Lucky Chewy with no space, Lucky Space Chewy, Lucky Chewy Poker, all one word. They tried all these things. and then Well, he claims it's by iTech Labs uh, that did the certification, and in theory it sounds like they're the ones that did it for Bovada, too. And then he did find a tweet, though, from uh, December 10th saying... Real money licensing and legislation in the times to come as well. We are excited to continue pr- to promote and share the game we all love. So that almost sounds like it hasn't been licensed for real money. So there, I don't know why there's that stamp there if they haven't gotten licensed. But well, what what they're saying is that it's been the the RNG has been certified, but oh, that doesn't okay. mean that they're actually going to be able to do it for real money. Oh, okay. So they got But yeah, iTech Labs, the same lab that certified them, is the one that certified Bovada for what it's worth. Mm. So, oh, here, here's here's another good one. This is also found by the detectives on 2 Plus 2. That it looks like they lifted parts of the, the FAQ from PokerStars. <laughs> and, and they didn't do it well. So, for example, to give you uh, instructions on how to play basic poker, it says flush. Five cards of the same suit, not in sequence... In the event of a tie, the player holding the highest the highest ranked card wins. Well, that's all true. What's wrong with that? The picture of the flush they show is ace of clubs, ace of hearts, two of diamonds, six of hearts, eight of spades. <laughs> that's quite that's a, a flush. That's that's a different type of flush. That's that's like an anti-flush. That's that's a rainbow hand. They have every suit there. Hmm. So that that's there now, but hold on. How do I know part of this is from Poker Stars? Well, I'm glad you asked. In addition to that uh, screenshot of the flush, they also have under the fact frequently asked questions. Can I play with w- more than one account? The answer: No. Each player is only allowed one Stars account. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
You can only have Oops. one poker star that got unlucky chewy poker. That's almost like uh, copying someone's paper in, in school and then writing the, their name on the name bar and then turning it in. That, that, that's pretty much what that is. <laughs> you can only have one star's account. Uh, also, this is really weird, on the How to Play page, it says, and determine the winner of each hand according to combination Lucky Chewy Poker 2016 NS of players' cards. So somehow the, the string Lucky Chewy Poker 2016 is just appearing in random places. Mm. I don't know how that happened, but they must have copied and pasted some text and then accidentally pasted Lucky Chewy Poker 2016 over parts of it. So th- this is currently on the site, or at least it was as of when they searched. They, prob- they probably just didn't replace, and then because the other one said stars instead of poker stars, it didn't replace it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's actually, it's just like all one word, Lucky Chewy Poker 2016. But yeah, maybe it was... Uh, or a find and replace. I bet you're right. It's, it's, it's some sort of like that. That's so Yeah, funny. and this is a shit show. I'm like poking around the website and there are JavaScript errors everywhere and it's just <laughs> it's not good. And they just put this out for beta. Like how do they uh Oh my goodness. Like this is it's so funny when these poker players think that they're businessmen and they, they try to do something like this with, with very little understanding of what their what the whole undertaking is, what the market is uh, what the cost is going to be, uh, what the likelihood of success is going to be. They, they don't put any effort to this. They go, oh, you know what sounds cool? Running a poker site. I think that's probably lucrative, and I think I'm probably well-known enough to where people will play on my site. Okay. Yeah, see, a lot of people that aren't in the business won't really or won't necessarily understand this, but it's not that difficult to put up something that has the fa- the facade of looking reasonable, right? Um but it is really difficult to make something that will scale well. Uh, for instance, the infrastructure that PokerStars has is, uh, you know, it's not trivial to duplicate. Um, so, you know, Galfon has got some work ahead of him. And, but it looks like for the Lucky Chewy Poker, I mean, they didn't even go for a decent facade. Yeah. I mean, it's just bad. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> looks, it really does look amateur hours. It looks like, it looks like they, they believe they're putting together something that looks modern and, and new and cool, but it actually doesn't. So, uh, now, so this looks like a bunch of guys in Lithuania put this together. <laughs> it probably was for for some kind of a discount, you know. Now, here's a, an alternative perspective the the other side of it from someone named Sage Donkey, who I, I've seen make a lot of stupid posts on Two Plus Two, but hopefully he doesn't listen to the show. That guy is annoying. He is, but so Sage Donkey wrote. Uh, Regarding the Jesus saintly hippie-like branding of his image on the site, I think this is a positive. Yes, he's not a huge household name in poker, but he's a fairly he's fairly well known. If you haven't heard of him when you Google him, you will get a distinct impression of an ethical humanitarian type person. That's not what I'd say when you, uh, if you if Google and see his image, you don't really get that. You just kind of think, oh, this is like a young degenerate. That's that's what you kind of get from looking at that. That's uh, I have no idea. I don't know him, but I assume it's quite close or very close. Uh, so having him, his image, his outlook of life heavily associated with the brand and the site's name, I think will encourage some players to play there based upon their perception of this particular gaming company. So I, I don't agree with this. I think you, whenever it involves money, which of course the site is planning to do, you want people to feel like responsible individuals are involved. You, you, don't, you don't want someone who's like a, a hippie type, who's uh, a free spirit managing your money. You, you may want that person... Uh, in a creative type role, 
But you don't like that person managing your money. You want someone who... Uh, Unless she has a good rack. <laughs> and then she'd be perfect to sell it. Yeah. So you you just want... You want someone... If, if The person you think is in charge of the site, you want to believe is like a... Someone has a look of someone responsible. You could say it's unfair. You could say you know how he looks shouldn't matter, but it does to the average person. They just they they get an impression when they look at it. So I don't think I can guarantee you this is one of two things, Ruff. This is either a he has a buddy of his that quote unquote does web development that talked him into you know going into this venture. Or he just kind of got the idea on his own to do this and doesn't know enough about the business or the tech industry or anything like that to understand how incredibly unreasonable what he ended up with is. You know what I mean? Like, he probably has no idea how just completely unreasonable the end product is. Yeah. And I I don't even know if he understands how... to even have a shot at succeeding in this industry at this point, starting a, a site in 2017. It's one of the last businesses I would want to get into. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to either. And and if But if I did, I, I would have some ideas. Well, I'm not saying they'll necessarily be successful, because it is very, very tough to break through at this point with, with online poker. Or but could you have saved the Epic Poker League, is what I want. <laughs> I'd have a better shot at saving the Titanic. <laughs> but... Uh, you All right, if you were if you had the the shot of being called in as the CEO of Lucky Chewy Poker or the CEO of the Epic Poker League, which one? Oh boy, that's a tough one. I thought at least I'd have a shot at like Ultimate Poker or something. That, that I nope. choose that one, but no. Uh, I I had to take Lucky Chewy Poker. Really? Yeah, because the Epic Poker League just had no chance. This one, at least, if if it's redeveloped, I think, and I think you chose poorly because the Epic Poker League, at the very least. You could pull an Annie Duke and you could fleece a bunch of people and draw a nice salary and just wait till the thing goes tits up and but you're asking hit, about hit the lecture it. circuit. You're, you're not asking about exploiting it. You're saying to save it. For expo- well, exploiting and no, it. Just become the CEO of it and well, whatever, okay, but I, but whatever I that entails. I wouldn't want to explo- I thought you were asking you to save it. Like the, uh, as far as ex- which could you ex- exploit people for more money, I'd say probably, yeah, probably the Epic Poker League. But I'm not saying you would save it or you would gut it, but you would just be the CEO. You know, I wouldn't have wanted Whichever to way done. you wanted to take it, you could take it. I wouldn't have wanted to do with that. The Epic Poker, I would have felt very bad having done what Annie Duke and Jeffrey Pollock did. In fact, uh, I would have been the one, and I don't know if people would believe this, but I, if I had run that fail league and people didn't get their free roll and I made hundreds of thousands of dollars profit on it while doing so, I would have said, look, you, know, you I, I'm going to, since the whole thing failed and you guys didn't get what was promised and I made all this money on it, uh, the very least, what I made on this, you guys can play for that. I, I felt terrible that I I did this and then pretty much scammed everyone. So, but what if, as part of that package, you got to fire Annie Duke? Oh, that that would have been fun. That might be satisfying. Yeah, right? I, would, I would have had that. In fact, I could have, I could have uh, even sold the delegation of this to Daniel Negreanu. I bet he would have paid me big money to fire Annie Duke. Oh yeah, he, that, that would have been like his fantasy to fire Annie Duke. So, yeah. But anyway, this—I uh, mean, this thing has zero shot of ever going anywhere or doing anything. Yeah, I agree. Z- zero. <laughs> so, yeah, Play I hope- that zero point. Oh yeah, the zero point zero. All right. The the chance of it succeeding. Zero point zero. Yeah. 
So uh, everybody on two plus two is laughing about this. It's just uh, it's an embarrassment. Well, it's not even close. I mean, even a really well done, well designed online poker uh, room these days is going to have a struggle. That's what they're saying. Let, about let Phil- alone something like this. I mean, give me a break. That's what they're saying about Phil Galfon. They haven't seen his site yet, but at least uh, they they think he is at least going in the right direction of what he's intending to do with it. But everyone's saying they still think he's going to lose his shirt. Because it's just too hard. It's just too well, hard. Well, we don't know how much shirt he actually has in the game. Anyway. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, someone's going to lose their shirt with it, but maybe. But I, I, it's going to be very tough. To, it's very tough to compete with these things. It, it is very tough to get started and to get to attract players and to you know both attract the the right percentage of grinders and fish and and get everyone to be excited and, and play there rather than other sites that are much more established. There's there's a lot to it and. Uh, I guess we'll see with Galfond if he knows what he's doing, but at least that one has a chance. The this one has no chance. So it's, at least it's providing good fodder for laughter. You know that's yeah, that's laughter is important. They say the the world revolves around laughter. So I mean, I I don't know the guy. I do feel kind of bad because at least from what I've seen of him, he seems like a nice, well-intentioned guy. Unlike a decent number of people in the poker world, so I <laughs> in a way I feel kind of bad that. He's obviously, you know, just going to lose his shirt on this. But I mean, he's it is gonna, what it is. Going to lose his white hoodie. He's well. <laughs> yeah, he's going to lose something. <laughs> That's for sure. So, Trader Risky, are you still here? Yep. Hey, have you taken a look at at, uh, at Lucky Chewy Poker? Just the website because I'm on my iPad, so I couldn't download the app. Yeah, that's but, all. I've done. So, did you? Are you going to sign up and deposit, Trader Risky? I'm not. Maybe I'll wait till there's three or four players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the thing. The funny thing is, you know, uh, Trader Ruski, you could you could go on there, and uh, and and you could be the the number one winner of all time there. True. I mean, I guess maybe not because you can't win anything, but you could. I think just by having an account, you can have the highest balance there. At least you could deposit a dollar and have the highest balance on the entire site. Yeah, you should have a solid solitaire app on this. Yeah, it could be in action already. Okay, so. Even the even the solitaire business is competitive. <laughs> yeah, so like the, like if this were solitaire, <laughs> it wouldn't do shit. <laughs> even solitaire would beat it. It would. Yeah. It wouldn't work. Okay, so uh, yeah, everything uh, everything's developed these days. It's hard to come up with new ideas. So here's, here's you, don't, you don't need a new idea. You just need to do it really well or better than the last. Game. Yeah, well, that's what gets so hard. And this is not. Yeah. I mean. He, you know, Lucky Chewy should have started this like 15 years ago. He would have had a shot. He, wow. could, have, he could have competed with uh, Planet Poker. I'd say the same thing about you and me, you know? Yeah. All right, so uh, here's a company that is not coming up with a new idea, but is following along with everybody else. The Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas has decided that they are going to start charging for parking right there in the center strip of Las Vegas. The Cosmopolitan is located pretty close to the Aria, and they've noticed that everyone around them is starting to charge for parking. First, the MGM properties, which does include the Aria, is charging and has been for uh, most of 2016. Uh, but they were the only ones doing it for a while. Then Caesars finally made the decision in November 
to start charging for parking as well. They haven't implemented it yet, all of it, but uh, it's coming very, very soon. Well, once Caesars announced it, well, that made the two biggest players in town want the charge for parking. So then it became okay for everyone else to do it. So when the next day said that they are charging for parking. It, it doesn't make it just okay. It makes it that they have to do it to compete. Yeah. And and then, you know? uh, so then uh, shortly after, the Cosmopolitan announced that they are going to charge for parking. And what's interesting is they are claiming the reason they're doing it is because they feel that if they don't charge for parking, that they will become the free self-park lot of the center strip, which sadly is probably true. I think they're actually right in that uh, if you're the only one, if you're the only major hotel around there that is not charging for parking, then everyone's going to park at your place and, and not even bother going in. Now, there could be an argument for f- forcing people to walk through your casino from the parking lot to get out or something, some kind of thing like that, or making it very difficult to get out of there unless you go through the casino and hope to get a certain percentage of people walking through they they use that model downtown for a long time which they just ended but they for a long time they're using that model downtown like at binions where you just have to go in there to get a parking validation stamp but you didn't have to play so i I guess they're getting away from that model they the cosmo they don't want to be the free lot for everybody so they figure if everyone else is doing it we have to do it otherwise we're gonna have to go through the expense of maintaining this lot and the liability of maintaining this lot and get very little benefit from it. So they are ending that. And uh, the way it's going to work at the Cosmo is that for an hour you can park for free. After an hour you are going to be paying $7. You can stay for $7 all the way through four hours, and then it will be another $3 to stay for the next 20 hours. So basically the maximum you're going to pay per day is $10. You'll get one hour for free, and you'll only pay $7 to be there between one and four hours. Uh, apparently there will be free parking for some kind of level on their players club, which is called identity. So I, I don't know what level it is. They only have three levels there. So I don't know if it's going to be the middle one or the upper one that you get the free parking. I'm getting the, guessing the middle because what all the other properties seem to be doing is if you have the second lowest tier level or above, then you get free parking. So at, uh, Caesar's properties will be platinum or above at MGM, it's Pearl or above. I don't know what Cosmo is going to be. It probably will be. I think it's like silver, gold, and diamond, their levels. Or no, silver, gold, and platinum. That's what it is. So I think probably gold will get you free parking that hasn't been announced the last I saw. But times are changing. Parking is going to start costing money in Vegas. And really, the way I get around this, I don't know in Cosmo how you're going to do it because they don't have a credit card associated with them. But with MGM and Caesars, as I mentioned before, just go get the credit cards. If you're planning on parking there, it's a free credit card. You can just let it sit and do nothing with it. There is a Total Rewards credit card. There's an MGM MLife credit card. Just Google it, find them, sign up. There's even a small sign-up bonus if you can spend a moderate amount of money in the first three months. And then you get automatically upgraded to Pearl or Platinum, you know, depending on which uh, one you get. Pearl for MGM, Platinum for Caesars, and then you can park for free. So it's a smart thing to do if you're planning upon coming to Vegas and uh, and parking, because who, who wants to pay for parking? Now, this is not, at least at this time, going to affect any other markets. They're not planning to charge in any uh, anywhere else, either MGM or Caesars, uh, 
for parking in their other properties. But we're talking about Vegas here. They're all pretty much emulating each other. So it was an exercise of wait and see with MGM, see if this affects them negatively. Caesar studied it. Caesar decided MGM is doing fine and they're making extra revenue. So they said, we'll do it too. And then once the two big ones did it, then of course now everybody can do it. So soon, I'm guessing all the free parking is going to be gone. However, our buddy Sheldon Adelson has announced that as of now, Venetian and Palazzo are not going to charge for parking, that they have no plans to. So maybe they will buck the trend. So, But they're not center strip, so it's, it's not as convenient to park there and walk elsewhere. It's a little bit of a walk from there. Uh, have, have either of you ever heard of a gambler, an old-time gambler named Cat uh, Holbert? It's a woman. Not me. What about you, Trader Ruski? What? What? Cat Holbert? Cat Cat Holbert. C A T Holbert. Is it a woman? Is a woman. Yes, she's in her sixties. Sounds familiar. I'm yeah. Sure. So uh, let me uh, explain about Cat Holbert. She wrote a an article. On a, a long article for the BBC magazine, it's on uh, BBC.com. In fact, if you if you Google BBC.com and Cat Holbert, so it's H U L B E R T. You'll probably find the article. The article is it was written on December sixth. It's called or released December sixth at least. It was called Cat Holbert: How I Got Rich Beating Men at Their Own Game. By the way, I'm hearing a lot of background noise here. Trader Risky, is that? Uh, That's me. My bad. My bad. Okay. All right. Very good. So. Cat Holbert, How I Got Rich Beating Men at Their Own Game. And this is a long article describing her many years in the gambling world. Uh, she she was at for many decades. There's even some references in, to, in it that seem to be uh, seemingly referring to Skolansky. Like, near the beginning of the article, it says, For 40 years, a well-known gambling author would, for fun, make bets at the poker table about whether the cocktail waitress would be able to answer commonplace questions. Questions like, who is the vice president, or what's the longest river in the U.S.? Oh, I thought thought you were going to say something about, do you have any mentally disabled daughters? (laughs) I knew there'd be a comment like that, as I mentioned Skolansky. So, yeah, so she's been involved in in the gambling world since she was young. And as I said, she's in her 60s now. And you can see in this article a lot of pictures of her from when she was younger, and including ones that look much more current. Uh, everyone seems to be raving about this article. I just found it today, so I have not read the whole thing. It, it looks like it's, it's an interesting read. But uh, the reason I decided to really mention it on this show, aside from the fact that people seem to be enjoying this in the poker world, reading about it, she, she discusses her life as a professional gambler both in in blackjack and in poker. She was a card counter as well as a poker player. But I want to tell you about my interaction with her in 2004. Did you hit it? No, but but I, I might have been able to. I, I don't know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. I was on a poker network called the Interpoker Network, and it included Interpoker, Caribbean Sun Poker, uh, Betfair at the time, believe it or not, and uh, William Hill at the time. So... Uh, Mostly Europeans on there. There were some Americans. The games are very, very good. Now, there were a lot of players who were very good. I played against a lot of very good Limit Hold'em players. But the when the fish were bad, they were horrid. The fish were mega fish there. 
at the highest stakes games, which was at the time one fifty three hundred pounds, and this is when the pound was worth almost two dollars. So it was like three hundred six hundred dollar limit, and you had horrible fish in there, which is pretty much giving their money away. And people made lots of money off that site, myself included. And 2004 was really the heyday of it. The problem was getting a seat in the game. These were six max games. There were a lot more than five poker pros competing for those remaining five seats once a fish would sit. So you had to be very quick. You had to see the fish was there. You had to identify that it was a fish. There was no tracking site doing so in 2004. So it had to be a fish you knew of. It was also you also got to kind of get the idea of who was a fish when like a new player would show up from certain places that uh, were typical of fish, such as UK, the UK and uh, Greece and a few other places. Sometimes now some of the pros were starting to play games there. It was actually legal to multi-account on the Interpoker Network. You could make as many accounts as you wanted. It was within the rules there, so multi-accounting was allowed, and everybody did it. So. But anyway, putting that aside, the one of the biggest factors on how much money you would make in these games would be how often you could get into the games with the Mega Fish. And I once, so I was sitting at the table one day. And I, I think it was in a mid-stakes game. Now, I, I think it wasn't the highest stakes game there. I'm not, I don't think Cat Hulbert played those at the time. But maybe it was. I don't remember which game it was. But I, I was talking there, and I think it's because she lived close to me. I think that's why I started talking to her. Like I said, who are you? Do I know you? And we got to talking, and, and we got along there. And you know, she told me she's female. I, I had a girlfriend at the time, so I wasn't trying to hit on her anyway. But uh, she told me at some point her age. I think she was 51 at the time. So much older than me. I, I I wouldn't have been into that, especially at the age I was back in 2004. I just I wasn't into the older women thing. I wasn't into the cougars. And she was like about 20 years older than I was. So, but, but we got along very well, and she took a liking to me. I don't know how much of a liking. But I made a comment to her that it would be great if there was something called Donk Alert, where... There was a service that just watched the games all day, and whenever it saw the known fish appear, or someone that looked like a fish, it would call me, and then I could rush over to the game. And she said, oh, I can do that for you. I said, what? She said, yeah, I, I, I actually, I have this open most of the day. I'm just kind of in the background. I'm just kind of looking at it. I enjoy watching these games. Yeah, I play sometimes, but I, I like watching a lot, and I, I'll call you up. Give me your phone number. I'll call you up whenever one of these fish sits. And so I, I thought at first she was you know, angling for money for me to give. No, she was just offering to do this for me just to be nice. Hmm. Now, one of my friends who I told about this said that they were convinced that she was doing this as a way to, uh, you know, she was a cougar. She was trying to get with a, the young guy here. This is the, the, her in. I, I never saw any indication from her. Like she, didn't, she never flirted with me or hit on me or anything. But, uh, but she was really, really nice to me. And I hadn't met her in person. And she didn't really know who I was, and I was not a known player then. I had not run a bracelet yet. I hadn't even I hadn't even attached who Dan Druff was to a real name. Like to, no one really knew who I was. But she, you know, she knew I was a a guy in my early thirties. That's all she knew, and I lived very close to her. 
but she was uh, she made this offer. I accepted, and and she did it. She was calling me up and telling me when these fish were there. It was very useful, and I thought, what a nice woman. Uh, and so, this didn't last too long. Now, Kat, you know, she was in her early fifties at the time. As I said, I think she was fifty-one. She was one of these women who didn't like getting old, like even more than the average woman. It was a very big thing to her that she was still seen as attractive and sexy and that uh, guys still wanted her and that you know that her age wasn't holding her back. She kind of had that whole thing going on. And I, I could tell that when I, when I talked to her. So the worst thing you can ever do to one of those women is start making derogatory comments about their age, you know, calling them an old hag or things like that. Now, I didn't do that. I wasn't, you know, she, I thought she was very nice. I got along with her well, and I was thrilled about the favor she did to me for nothing. So I, I, I was not going to insult her. In fact, even if she hadn't offered to do this for me, I was not going to insult her. But the, I had a friend who played on Poker Stars as Good Eats. He was a good friend of mine. And uh, he played as a different name on that inner poker site, but People knew that he was uh, close friends with me. And he had a different opinion of Kat than I did. He, he just never liked her. He thought she was arrogant. She, he thought she was uh, annoying. He, th- he thought she was full of herself. So he, he really took a dislike to her. And, and so she, he and I kind of had different opinions of her. And I, I noticed some of the quirks. I noticed she liked to talk about herself a lot. And she, and she, she liked to... Yeah, she was also one of the women who liked to, you know, even the title of this article about how she beat men at their own game, she liked to talk about that too. But yeah, these were just kind of quirks she had. It's, uh, for the most part, I, th- I thought she was very nice. But, but Good Eats did not like her one bit. And he kind of kept his mouth shut, but he was he really had growing disdain for Cat. And then one day, I think it was in a 50-100 game, he was playing against her and she put some kind of really bad beat on him. And he couldn't hold. He couldn't. He couldn't contain himself anymore. And he just went off. And he threw every insult of the book at her. Called her an old hag. Called her a lot of other bad names. And she was furious. And this went on for a while. She, you know, she argued back with him. He he continued. He continued on and on and on and on. I mean, he just really tore into her really cruelly. So. I came on later that day, said hello to her, being totally ignorant of what had just happened there. And she said, your friend there ruined it for you. And I said, huh? And she, she, she said, ask him what happened. You know, He ruined it for you. And then she wouldn't talk to me again. So I asked Good Eats what happened, and he told me that uh, the story, and he told me that... Uh, he didn't think this was going to affect me. He thought it was just you know bet- between the two of them and that she wasn't going to hold against me whatever he said and that he just never liked her. He just couldn't control himself after that bad beat. He just wanted, you know, he just had to let her know what he thought of her and he was tired of her attitude. And so, yeah, I, I was still frustrated. I said, you shouldn't have done this. You know, she was doing a great thing for me here and you should have, you know, shouldn't have rocked the boat. So that was the end of it. I was not uh, getting any more calls from... Cat Hulbert about Donk sitting with the games. And uh, I ended up seeing her in person at Hollywood Park, of all places. Or I guess she was hanging out a lot in those days. But, uh, again, this is before I was a known player. And I, I recognized Herbie's. I had 
looked her up on the internet, but she didn't know what I looked like. So I just didn't even say anything. I just pretended like I didn't know her. And so I've never formally met her, even though I saw her that one time. And she was kind of running around and flirting with various guys she knew there. So, you know, so I, I could totally picture with the type of stuff that Good Eats was saying to her. It's basically that just, you know, you're old and used up, get out of, get, get out of my face uh, type of thing. That was like the, the worst thing to say to someone like her. So, uh, now, Kat is, is fighting cancer right now, apparently. She wrote in the article that she has a type of cancer that people don't like to speak, to speak about. Now, what type of cancer do you think that would be? Cervical cancer. Close. Any other ideas? That's it. That's all I got. She has anal cancer. It's just one hole over. Yeah, I said close. So, yeah, she says, I have the kind of cancer you don't talk about in polite company, the kind that leaves you open to all the snide remarks. People say, well, she's an asshole. What did you expect? (laughs) <laughs> at least she has a good sense of, she has a sense of humor about it uh it has a very high cure rate anal cancer but the true but the treatment's brutal i like that's the way she just puts it there it's, it's like instead of like how could, the, how could the treatment for anal cancer not be brutal <laughs> she said the oncologist said i did so well because of the people who cared for me after a lifetime spent with men it was an all-woman team that got me through my friend, my friend Robin found the best doctors, researched the disease endlessly for me, and told the truth in gentle ways to mitigate my fears. Another friend, Linda, immediately flew over from Germany to be by my side and offered any financial help I might need. My sister Cheryl called me every day. So, uh, I, I, and then she's talking about how uh, the radiation, the radiation was like walking through fire. The chemotherapy killed my taste buds. Now alcohol is like gasoline, and I can't can't taste anything else except lemon. My skin is thinner, and I bruise more easily. Mm. Most, upsetting at all, uh, most upsetting of all, it damaged the most precious asset I have, my short-term memory. Well, that actually makes her more like other poker players. <laughs> I thought she was going somewhere else with her most precious asset. <laughs> So, uh, here's another uh, interesting part from the article. She says, My last love was a woman. She's still a dear friend, but I was an incompetent lesbian. Perhaps the world's worst. It would take four shots of tequila before I could think about sex. Now I prefer to be alone. No turmoil, no need to make adjustments or compromises. No requirement to share the television remote. What this sounds like to me is that that she wasn't really a lesbian, that she kind of forced herself into a lesbian relationship but wasn't attracted to women and needed four shots of tequila before she could even think of doing anything with one. That's what it sounds like to me. So it sounds like someone who was... I mean, she's... I've always noticed from what I've seen of her, and I'm talking about 12 years ago and up through now, just what I've seen of her is that she has kind of a girl power feminism thing going on. And I'm wondering if that perhaps influenced her like, Oh, I've got to try a relationship with a woman. Like, like maybe that's what I need. Maybe that's what I've been missing. And then she tried it and she's like, Oh crap, I can't get into this. You know, it sounds like to me, what sounds to me like kind of what you were talking about before, where, 
you know, she wanted to be attractive and all that kind of stuff. Didn't like getting old for that reason. And couldn't handle that men were basically done with her when she hit a certain age. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, because she was saying stuff about, you know, having been surrounded by men my whole life. And she, she kind of goes out of her way to mention that aspect of it. I, I wonder if, uh, you know, that isn't what's going on. Yeah, and I, I see the old pictures of her in this article, and she wasn't, like, really hot, but she was, like, fairly attractive, especially for someone in gambling. So, like, I can see, like, where the dude she'd encounter when she was younger, and I don't even mean really young, I mean probably all the way through her 40s, uh, you know, she had a lot of guys probably hitting on her, and then, yeah, you're probably right, at some point it stopped, or, or greatly dwindled, and then, yeah, so maybe... Uh, she decides to play for the other team, and she she calls herself an incompetent. Well, or just a little bit of bitterness because you know something that most of her life she was used to, which was the attention of men, kind of you know left her. Yeah, you know, and maybe there's a little bit of bit- bitterness there. You know, yeah, know. it could be. It's uh, by the way, it says here she was uh, born in 1952. So yeah, she's 63. That makes sense. I was right, 51. That's what she was 12 years ago. I remembered well. So. Yeah, she she said, uh, this is earlier in the article, she said, I had no intention of becoming a blackjack dealer, but I immediately knew the, the casino was where I belonged. So night, right right after the course, I, I quit my job, this is for dealer school, packed everything I owned into my Honda Civic, and headed out west through the biggest snowstorm Ohio ever recorded. It was 1977, and I was 25. So that's, that's part, a little part of the story I'm reading here, and... Uh, it's, I mean, she sounds like a character. She is. She is. And that's like, I, I'll tell you, I liked her for my interaction with her 12 years ago. And, and I was, I was frustrated with good eats because I, I, uh, I, I she was someone that, uh, I, I enjoyed interacting with. I, I didn't have a romantic or sexual interest toward her. Just, you know, for the age thing alone, I wasn't into that, but, uh, but you know, I, as a person, I liked her, and I especially thought it was great that she had offered to do something like that for me, and, and wanted nothing in return. I don't even think she was like angling for anything. Like, I don't think she was hoping I was going to get for money in the back end if I uh, made. You might have been one of the guys, Druff. Like, I you might have been. been one of the guys that drove her, that made her bitter. <laughs> maybe right after the. the so I can't even land this this Druff guy. No, maybe right after the good eats thing, she's like, you know what? I'm done with men forever. I'm a, I'm a lesbian now. That's it. That's it. This is the final straw. Could be. I, I found my calling. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, you can't catch fish anymore. You stop eating seafood, you know. Fish. Hmm. Well, interesting to <laughs> so, All right, re- reverse the analogy. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, you can see she's being very candid in the article about all these things, and uh, it's kind of just putting it out there. So. Uh, what what I've read so far is interesting, and it gives you a view, not just into the the gambling world and someone who lived their life in the gambling world for 40 years, but uh, also a woman who who lived in that, you know, dating back decades. So it's it's an interesting read. Go to, uh, you know, just Google BBC Cat Hulbert, H-U-L-B-E-R-T, and I do wonder... You know, again, I'm not. I was never into older women, and I had a girlfriend at the time. But let's say I was single then, okay? And let's say I had, let's say this thing with good eats hadn't happened, and we became closer friends. Like, like, uh, 
was was this possibly on her mind? Was was she possibly thinking, okay, you know, I, I can get with a guy who's, who's uh, thirty two years old, and this this is kind of my in here? Like, was that was that on her mind? Would this have happened? Would would she have had sex with me if I had uh, shown interest and this had not occurred? I don't yes. know. You think yes? I mean, I don't know her, but yeah, <laughs> I would. I would think so. Well, yeah, I mean, someone who's who's fifty one who still wants to believe that uh, you know she's attractive yeah. and men watch her. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 the it way is... you described her, and again, I don't know her, but the way you described her is someone who didn't like getting old, still wanted to be seen as attractive. Absolutely, yeah. would want to be with a younger guy. Yeah. So, guys, and it's funny around that time. It has nothing to do with cat or gambling, even. But there was this. There were these parties in L.A. I think I've mentioned them on the show before, called Dr. Dan Parties. It was put on by this uh, anesthesiologist named uh, named Dan in, in Encino, California, which is in the San Fernando Valley. And he would he had two homes, so this is his second home. And basically, it, w- it was free alcohol there. He yeah, anesthesiologists it. make buku money. Yeah, they do. And, and he and he. he 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 ordered tons of free pizza there for everybody, tons of free alcohol there for everybody. And the policy of that party was if you're over 21 and you know about it, you can come. So you, you don't have to be invited. You just have to know it exists. You have to know when it is, find out through someone else, and uh, and go there. And a, a lot of people, like behind-the-scenes Hollywood types, are there. Not anyone really famous, but... Uh, what we had there also was a lot of cougars, and there were a lot. There's a wide age group of people there. You had people as young as uh, you know, some under 21 who weren't supposed to be there, and all the way up to people in their 70s. But for the most part, the it was like 40s and 50s there. But as I said, a very wide range. But but these women in their 40s and 50s, I'm telling you, they they loved the young guys there. They they like. I was constantly getting hit on by older women. At these uh, at these parties, I, I never did anything about it, but sure. I, I, like constantly, uh, and, and some of them were very forward. They made lewd comments to me. It was it was amazing. I'd never seen anything like this before. And it, like well, every if time, the, if the roles were reversed, I mean, it would be even worse. It'd be a feeding frenzy, right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and so there there was a lot of that, and so I, I guess this is uh, I guess it's not hard to believe. And it's funny, some women are. Some older women are really into the younger guy thing. Some of them just really love if they can have sex with younger guys, younger guys give them attention. And other women, they, they absolutely hate younger guys. They absolutely would never touch them, have no interest, find it, in fact, uh, unappealing to be with younger men. In fact, my girlfriend is one of them. She would never be with a younger guy. She's just not into that. And uh, I don't think she's ever dated in her life anyone younger than her. Even like a year or two younger. So some, and then there's, there's women that and she's not into way older guys, but uh, it's like her age and and you know, up to yeah you know, some years older. And uh, then I've known other women who are mainly into just older guys. Even when, but they, yeah, but as we've discussed before, probably not older homeless guys. No, no, probably probably not like Lucky Chewy in his sixties. <laughs> Or well, okay, Lucky Chewy maybe, but not not a guy that looks like yeah, that. not a, a broke Lucky Chewy, Lucky Chewy, right? Yeah. So anyway, uh, now to, to Cat's credit, when I saw her flirting with guys at the at Hollywood Park, these weren't young guys. The ones she was flirting with were around her age, but she knew them already. Though these were these were friends of hers there that she kind of was flirting with at the same time. So, but anyway, it looks like a good article. 
And I, I always like reading these things of uh, gambling stories or stories of uh, old school gambling figures, even ones like her that are not household names in gambling. But uh, she is known, especially to people who have followed the, the gambling world and the characters involved. People who follow it closely have probably heard of her at some point, especially from L.A. or Vegas. If you're in the East Coast, you probably haven't heard of her that much because she uh, didn't spend most of her time there. So it was a name I hadn't thought of in a long time until I saw this article. In fact, even Phil Galfond is retweeting it saying people should uh, be reading this. It was a good article. Yeah, it sounds like it is. Good read. So, All right. Uh, last topic of the poker gambling subjects we have here. Hey, Druff, uh, long-time caller, or long-time listener, first-time caller, I'm going to uh, hang up and listen to your answer. Okay. I'm, I'm shot. All I'm right. Gonna, no, that's that's I'm, good. You I'm, made it almost to the end. I'm starting to hallucinate. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, All right. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you for being on, what, the third or fourth show in a row? The fourth or third? Uh, I don't know. I think it's three, maybe. I think it's three. Okay. If you've done such do a good it, job. Do it, if you do it earlier, I promise I will be with you to the end. Oh, you got very close. Very good. Okay. He's using that West Coast advantage against me. I am. I, I'm thinking, what a lightweight. He's going to sleep at 1240. And they go, oh, wait a minute. It's 340. And he got up at 5 a.m. You've, you've been up for almost 23 hours. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shot. Yeah, I, I can understand. All right, later on, Drew. All right, good night. Bye. I'll give Calwatt credit for something in that he's not what, when he gets tired, it's not like what happened to me a few weeks ago. And. I was described as low energy. You know, kind of like uh, Jeb Bush. He's not low energy. You can't even tell he's tired. So. Calwatt is gone. And uh, Trader Risky, do we still have you here? Oh, boy. Then we've lost everything. Trader Risky, the tea kicked in. You gone? I'm just going to hang up on everybody then. I'm just going to hang up from everybody. Alrighty. So, that's it. Just me. If anybody wants to call in, 775-FRAUD-55. 775-372-8355. And it's funny how we got all our calls at once. They all came in in a bunch. And I hung up on all of them, and now I'm alone again. But that's okay. You know, if I have this weird, peaceful feeling now. And I, I love having the co-host here, but I have this weird, peaceful feeling that now I, I just... It's just me. I almost feel like I'm just alone in a room now with my thoughts. And with you, the listener, but... I, I can't see or hear you. So I can pretend you're not there. In fact, you might be listening to me you're probably listening to me at a different time than when I'm broadcasting this. So to you, I might seem like I'm speaking to you live, but in reality, I might be sleeping or doing something else right now. In fact, uh, I might be listening to myself on the call to listen line, walking my dog in the year 2020. When Donald Trump is running for re-election. So, Let's talk about the final subject here. And this is about a 
uh, this actually isn't even a gambling story, but kind of fits in. A student who already had a lot of debt found a way through a bank error giving him unlimited overdraft privileges to spend over a million dollars on sports cars, speedboats, strippers, and cocaine. One million dollars. In Australia, a guy named Luke Moore found that his bank made a mistake and let him write unlimited checks that would just keep overdrawing his account but never stopping him from continuing to write checks. So his balance would just keep going higher and higher in the negative but would not stop him from continuing. I don't know how he learned this, but uh, at some point he realized that he could just keep doing this, keep buying what he wanted, keep getting the cash he wanted or needed, and he could just continue on. His balance would be more and more negative, but didn't matter. What mattered is that whatever he wanted, he could just write a check for and it would be there. It was like magic money appearing out of the air. Just write a check and it's yours. I remember before I understood how checks worked when I was a very young child, I saw my parents' checkbook. And I I didn't quite understand that it was writing checks against money my parents had in the bank. And I was very young. I was probably five years old or something. I knew what the checks were. I knew my parents would write out their... that they were, you know... They were paying money to someone. They'd write a check to them. They'd write the amount in there. They'd give it to the person. The person could get money from it. But I didn't quite understand how it worked. I thought, wow, you could just write on here whatever money. So I was thinking to myself, like, what if you just wrote out a million dollars? Could I just pay a million dollars to someone? <laughs> like, you know, could I just go buy really expensive things? I don't know exactly what age I was. I was probably five, six years old. I remember thinking that. Well, Luke Moore wasn't five or six. He's 29. Maybe when this started, he was 27. But he discovered that what I was picturing as a kid, he could actually do. So he treated himself pretty much to anything he wanted. And uh, he opened up what was known as a complete freedom account in March of 2010. And I believe the bank was called, of all things, St. George. <laughs> How come St. George is always involved in some way if it's bank fraud? Even even St. George in, in Australia. Somehow St. George always is involved in some way. So, he opened a complete freedom account with a bank called St. George in Australia in March of 2010. I guess he was actually uh, 23 then. They accidentally allowed him through a computer error to, I guess it wasn't unlimited, but he could go all the way up to 2.1 million Australian dollars, which translated to about 1.5 million US dollars. So he had a massive overdraft limit. How that happened, I don't know. Maybe someone hit a few extra zeros, but some, somehow he had an overdraft limit of 1.5 million. 
So, as, as he noticed he could keep overdrawing his account without consequence, he just kept doing it. Then he realized he didn't just have to spend money on things, that he could just write uh, large checks and just take the money and put it in other bank accounts he had, which is what he was doing. So he started just spending money like he was going to style. He bought a framed Michael Jordan shirt. He got a, a house and, uh, and started to pay a mortgage with it. He uh, used it to pay for his insurance and other bills. He used it to buy a boat, vacations, an Aston Martin, a Maserati. He also spent money on strippers and cocaine, probably at the same time. I have to say, he got a lot out of this $1.3 million. He spent $1.3 million U.S. He, he think all this stuff here, paying mortgage, getting this Michael Jordan shirt, the insurance, the bills, the, the Maserati, the Aston Martin, the boat, the cocaine, the strippers, you think? One point three million couldn't pay for all that, but I guess he, he stretched his dollars pretty far. He he stretched his stra- his fraudulently obtained dollars pretty far. He was a at least good at getting value for his money. Because this sounded more like a multi million dollar expenditure, not one point three million. But of course, this was not going to last forever. Of course, the banks always catch these things. The banks, even when they make these mistakes, they go through auditing processes. And catch when money is missing. And that is what happened. At some point the bank figured it out. And he was arrested. He was sentenced to a four-year jail term. For what he did. But. That sentence was last year. Luke Moore does have a bit of a happy ending. Because. He just won on appeal and has been released. His appeal was based upon the grounds that his actions were not deceptive, meaning that he did not do anything to trick the bank. That he just thought they gave him a large overdraft limit, that he didn't know how it worked. He was just a student. He noticed they let him keep overdrawing his account, he just figured he's racking up debt. That yes, he lived irresponsibly, but he was not trying to steal. That he really thought that he's just racking up debt that he'll have to pay back one day. That the bank might be stupid to let him do this, but who is he to question it? That was basically his defense. That this was not deception. It's not like he was forging people's signatures or hacking accounts or withdrawing other people's money. That he was overdrawing his own account up to the limits they allowed him to overdraw. Which is an interesting defense, because it is illegal, at least in the United States, to keep money through erroneous bank transactions that you know are erroneous. For example, if you know your account has $500 in it, and you find you can keep going to the ATM every day and withdrawing 500 500 500 500 and just withdraw tens of thousands of dollars when you know your account never had tens of thousands of dollars and you'd have no reason to believe it ever had that money. Even though the ATMs let you do it, you will be prosecuted for doing that. 
Same as if you come into the bank and they tell you your balance is much, much higher than it is supposed to be and then you withdraw all the money and either keep it or spend it. That is also a crime. Now, if it's a small difference, then you would not be charged with a crime because then you could legitimately say, or at least... Uh, sound legitimate when you say that you don't know your exact balance and you knew it was in the neighborhood. So if you if you thought you had three thousand and it turned out you had and it shows you have five thousand, you withdrew five thousand, even if you knew they were making a mistake, you could reasonably claim that you thought you actually had five. You thought they were correct, you knew it was in that neighborhood. But if you think you have a few hundred and you're withdrawing tens or hundreds of thousands, obviously you know what you're doing. So that's that's the law in the US. And there have been people prosecuted for this and successfully prosecuted. In Australia, I don't know the law, but apparently this is illegal or otherwise they could not have prosecuted him. But, but he's claiming here, look, I, I wasn't withdrawing money that I didn't have. I was withdrawing money and overdrawing and knowing I'm overdrawing. And I just thought I had very high overdraw limits for whatever reason. I thought this bank is just very lax with the overdraw limits. So I was not deceiving anyone. I just figured when I can't overdraw anywhere, they're going to stop me. Now, I don't believe that. I think he realized that there was a mistake here and decided he can live the high life on the bank's dime. And He kept drawing, withdrawing increasing amounts. And what's especially egregious about this is he wasn't just doing this to live out his life. He was, you know, he was spending money on, on luxury items he was spending in the way someone would if they believed they had unlimited money that they don't have to account for. You can again say he's just running it up against his own credit, but you have to think that someone who believes that there's a future ahead of them, uh, that they have to pay this money back, they're not going to just go do that. They, what they would do is uh, they, would, they wouldn't treat it as if they had a sudden windfall. So I have to say that I, I don't know about four years in prison for this, but I, I think it's pretty clear he knew what he was doing, that he knew he was stealing it. Where is he right now, now that he has been released? He is broke and living with his mother in Goulburn, New South Wales, Australia. He is a student again at the moment. What is he studying to be? A criminal lawyer. <laughs> I don't see how that's possible because in the U.S. you couldn't become a crim- you couldn't become a lawyer after something like this. You you can't have these type of convictions on your record and then uh, be licensed to practice. But maybe in Australia you can. So I guess he feels that once you've experienced crime, once you've committed crimes yourself, then you can understand it and defend others who are accused of crime. So just know this. I mean, I guess he had a good time doing this. But just know that if you think that bank errors in your favor, and I'm talking about major bank errors. I don't mean like if they accidentally credit you $30 to your account that you shouldn't have had. I mean a major bank error in your favor that you knowingly take advantage of. You're you're going to get in trouble. You shouldn't do it. Especially for this type of money. All right, so my general topics tonight. First, I want to talk about the Yahoo hacking. Another Yahoo hacking has been announced, and it's it's just amazing how 
incompetent Yahoo has been. And it doesn't surprise me. I used Yahoo a lot. I used their email a lot in the past. I don't anymore. So don't try to get a hold of my email there. You'll just find a bunch of old stuff. But I I used Yahoo for both email and for the chat for a while while that was open. Now that was a long-running chat. They, they closed it in 2012. I, I had stopped going in there before that point, but I was a big user of Yahoo Chat. But Yahoo has disclosed that in addition to a, another hack that had occurred that was reported in September... This is a separate hack where 1 billion accounts were breached in some way in August 2013. Yahoo's chief information security officer, Bob Lord, said that the company has not been able to determine how the data from the accounts was stolen. It just happened, but uh, they don't know exactly how it got stolen. The stolen information may have included names, email addresses, telephone numbers, dates of birth, hashed passwords using the MD5 method, and, in some cases, security questions. So, you know those questions like, what was the name of your favorite teacher in elementary school? Well, guess what? They may have that information now. That's pretty bad, because... That can be used to reset your passwords on other sites. In addition, the hashing algorithm MD5 is no longer considered secure, and they can easily be looked up online, these MD5 hashes, to decrypt the passwords that are encrypted through the MD5 algorithm. That's bad news. So even though the data doesn't include plain text passwords or any kind of payment details, uh, passwords can be grabbed in mass this way. In fact, I believe uh, MD5 was responsible for the 2 plus 2 hack that happened a few years ago. I believe that was cracked the same way. Yahoo says they're notifying the account holders affected in the breach, and they'll be required to change their passwords. Uh, they also announced today that its proprietary code has been accessed by a hacker who used the code to forge cookies that could be used to access accounts without a password. (laughs) Now, to explain what that means, cookies are used by your web browser. And it's, it's pretty much a way to communicate with websites that you browse that you've done something. So here's some example. When you browse the Poker Fraudler forum, um, cookies are used to tell the forum not just that you know your account information that you're online so that five minutes later while you're still on the forum it doesn't ask for your password again, but also even if you haven't logged in, cookies are used to tell the site what what uh, 
topics you've browsed already, what threads you've browsed. So even if you haven't logged in, now if you log in, then it also saves that way. But even if you haven't logged in and you're just browsing Poker Fraud Alert without ever logging in or even without having an account at Poker Fraud Alert, it can remember what threads you've read and what threads you haven't read through cookies. So cookies, if they're forged, which uh, really can't be done unless information is obtained on the end of, uh, of the server, in this case, Yahoo. But once they can forge cookies, then basically they can have the cookies tell Yahoo that this user is already logged in. It doesn't need to enter their password again. So that just allows them to bypass the whole password thing. You may have noticed on Yahoo, if you use their mail, that if you logged in yesterday and you close your browser and come back on today, it may just let you right on there without having to log back in. I don't know if it still does that, but it used to be that way. So that's, that's how the cookies work. So, apparently, this is pretty bad, too, that a hacker has accessed proprietary code to make phony cookies to just be able to waltz right into any account they want to use. So, what Yahoo says is the outside forensic experts have identified user accounts for which they believe forged cookies were taken or used. We are notifying the affected account holders and have invalidated the forged cookies. And they believe that the attack was launched by a state-sponsored actor, meaning another country that it was another country's government actually doing this. So they're saying right now those four cookies aren't useful anymore. They've invalidated them, but who knows how long that's been going on. They didn't really say. So perhaps this has already been uh, harvested. Yahoo already had uh, that other hack of the 500 million users and that uh, it turned out that Yahoo even knew about this as early as 2014, but did not announce it until September 2016. And Verizon has been attempting to acquire Yahoo. They agreed in July to buy them for $4.83 billion, which I think is a bad deal because Yahoo's really... It's on its way down and nothing seems to be stopping it. It's just it's a sinking ship. $4.83 billion is, is still a lot of money. It's, it's not as much as Yahoo would have gone for in previous years, but it's. Uh, I think Yahoo's value is quickly dwindling. I don't think Verizon can really save it. But uh, Verizon is very upset about these various revelations, including the fact that they, the executives knew about the other hack for maybe two and a half years and didn't say anything. So between that and this, and, and the cookie thing, there are speculations that Verizon may say, we want a billion dollars knocked off of the price. We want a billion dollars back. They haven't bought it yet, but they may want it down to $3.83 billion. So it's a pretty expensive security breach. Uh, in October, Reuters reported that Yahoo had scanned all of its users' accounts in early 2015 after it, being, after it was requested by a U.S. intelligence agency. 
Yahoo's general counsel, Ron Bell, asked the Director of National Intelligence, James Chapper, to provide the public with more clarity regarding the email scanning program. Presumably this is for terrorist uh, communication. I don't even mind that as much. I know some of you get freaked out whenever that sort of thing happens, but they're looking for something very specific there. They're not going to be going through your private emails. There's not going to be some guy sitting there panting over your private emails with, with girls you've been hitting on through your Yahoo account. They're scanning for very specific things, and if they don't find them, they move on. I mean, it's a balancing act. You can say that's terrible, who wants that, but at the same time, if, if they catch terrorists planning attacks there and put a stop to them this way, and, and, and it's true, terrorists do use services like Yahoo to communicate with one another. In fact, in some cases, surprisingly recklessly. So if they can do this and save lives, does that justify the small invasion of privacy here? So I can understand that. You'd like to believe that everything is secure. You'd like to believe that no one has access to your email. But look, you're using your email through a third-party service. Yahoo is a third-party service. It's a private company. Your email resides on their servers. There is employees of Yahoo who could access your email at any time. They could. I'm not saying every employee could. Most couldn't, but there are some there who can that don't even have to log in. They could could look up your your email through a database if they wanted to. Uh, There's, of course, hackers that could get through and have gotten through, as you've seen. So... Is the government scanning their email in early 2015? Is that really the biggest thing you should be concerned with? Should you really worry about that? I'd be much more worried about the hackers. Now, what are the hackers doing? Are are the hackers, let's say you were one of the victimized accounts. Let's say they got got all this info on you. Uh, Are are the hackers going to go through your email and uh, blackmail you? Or are they going to post your, your dirty pictures online? I mean, that happened to Joe Seabach when someone hacked his account and got that uh, naked picture of him and blackmailed him. So is, is this what's going to happen to you if you were a victim of these these hackers? Or are they going to get into your bank accounts and drain them? Well, here's the good news. When mass hackings occur, they are not targeting you. They're not going to do anything individually to you. It's not worth their time or their effort, and that's not even why they're doing it. Uh, What they're doing here is they're looking for information. They're looking for information they can use in mass to screw a whole lot of victims at once. And the good news by about this being done by a foreign government is that they're not it's not being done probably probably not being done vindictively or maliciously just to make people upset. And what I mean by that is some real mischievous hackers who just want to pretty much troll everyone after acquiring private emails of everybody could theoretically set up a server that's holding everybody's email and just let everyone access it, let everyone read everyone else's email. Can you imagine that chaos? Can you imagine if you could just go read the email of anyone who used Yahoo and see all, and you know, 
search for things, search for your own name in there and see people discussing you. And Can you imagine the havoc that would cause? See people talking behind your back. Whatever. See maybe girlfriends cheating on you. Girlfriends seeing you cheated on them. Family members who you're on good terms with find you were talking behind their back. That, that's what someone who would be really nasty would do just for fun. Just to get a laugh out of the ensuing chaos. But I don't believe that's what these state-sponsored actors are doing. I, I believe that they are just harvesting information that they can use for one of many purposes. Maybe for fraud, identity theft, for acquiring other passwords on other sites. For example, maybe they think that uh, people using Yahoo might be using the same passwords as they would be using on much more sensitive sites, maybe government sites, people who have access to those who also have Yahoo accounts. And if they can get their Yahoo passwords, then maybe they can log into these same people's accounts on much more sensitive sites with data that they would really like to see. They could acquire U.S. secrets that way. That's what they're looking for. They're not looking to blackmail you with your naked pictures. They're not looking to individually log into your bank account. Now, if they can commit some kind of fraud in mass with the data they get, then they could do it. But they're not going to do anything individually to you. There's not going to be one guy doing things to you. There's not going to be one guy who, who, got it this, who got this who's now going to decide to go buy things on your credit card. That's not what he's going to do. Even if he can use your information to get into your bank account, it's not going to be in there to steal from you. It's more likely going to be in there to look up your expenditures to get information on you, just collect as much information as possible, and then use that information for purposes that help them. If it is going to be used for blackmail, it would be against people who are important. So, for example, let's say the Russians did it. and Let's say the Russians find some illicit emails. Let's say they find a, a married politician who's having a, a gay affair that nobody knows about. Well, they could theoretically approach him and say, look what we found. We're going to release these emails unless you do such and such for us. And maybe he will to save his reputation, save his career. So they could go after someone like that. But they would specifically search out these names in the massive data breach that they have committed. Or maybe search out those people's passwords and then try to get into other sites where they can get this information. But they're not going to go after you, ordinary citizen. There's just too many accounts that were hacked. They're not going to care about you individually. And it's too difficult to steal money from a mass number of people at the same time. There's too many checks and balances. There's too many fraud alerts that occur in the banking system to where if they tried to do this, if they tried to utilize a lot of the stolen information at once. And by the way, this wasn't billing information anyway. And uh, yes, they could use the passwords to get into bank accounts, but there's a lot of protections for that these days. You know, when you try to log into your bank, it doesn't recognize your device. It it wants you to it wants to text your cell phone to make sure it's really you. You know that whole procedure. So I don't think that's really what they're looking for. I think they're looking to 
just acquire information. Maybe get into other systems. So it's really not aimed at you. Now at the same time, you should beware about storing sensitive email on third-party systems. Now what do I mean by third-party systems? Well, unless you have your own email server at home, every email server that you use is a third-party system. Whether it's a site like Yahoo or Gmail, whether it's your it's email through your cable provider, you know, like Cox, Time Warner, whatever, that they give you an email account. It's, it's always through a third-party company that is processing your email for you. But there's a difference between using a server like that for email and using it to store email. And if you really want your email secure, what you should do is you should configure it to where you download the email onto a device and then delete it from the server to where the email is stored on your local device and not on their server. Now, in the era of multiple devices where people have an iPhone and an iPad and a computer, maybe a computer at work, sometimes they want to have access to all of that data across devices. And in in that case, data does have to be stored somewhere so all the devices can access it at once. Just beware when you do that, you are leaving this in the hands of whatever company is managing it. And whether there's someone corrupt within that company or more likely if hackers manage to get through and steal this data, then it will be in their hands. There is a chance that there could be a giant data dump one day just to humiliate Americans. Maybe just to wreak havoc, maybe to make people nervous, almost like a cyber terrorist attack to break into a major email service and expose all the all the email they can and make it searchable online somewhere. Now, the U.S. could retaliate against this in some way. The U.S. could take measures to take down those servers that would be housing such things. But still, it's hard to keep it down completely. So, if you do value privacy a lot, I would suggest that you don't leave emails on these servers. And also, maybe choose an email service that's not mainstream. Maybe don't use something like Yahoo or Gmail, which would be a target of hackers. Also a target of the government. If you use a smaller service, it's less likely to be breached, and it's less likely to be monitored by the government. However, it is less stable. It is very possible that such a service could just disappear one day. It's also more likely that there would be someone who is dishonest within the company that will uh, do things with your data. So you face that danger more than you would a very large company that typically is more careful about who they employ that could access your data. The smaller the company, the harder it is to trust. Anyway, just beware that anything that you have stored online could be accessed one day. 
This is why I would advise against storing naked pictures online. Uh, any kind of sexual picture, you know, you having sex with your girlfriend, unless you don't mind that getting out. Um, sensitive emails that you wouldn't want other people seeing, whether it's emails that are revealing deep, dark secrets of yours or sexual fetishes of yours or you talking about others that you wouldn't want them to see one day. You should know if it's sitting on someone else's server, on a different company's server online, that maybe one day that'll get out and it'll wreak havoc upon your life. I don't think from this hack it will, but one day a hack may occur to where that is the motivation. So if you have it on your local devices and it's deleted everywhere from the servers, then you will not ever be a victim of this. It may be a little more inconvenient, but it will protect you for the most part. So be aware of that. And be aware that these massive hackings are becoming more and more commonplace these days. And be aware that no matter how strong a security protocol is developed at these companies, a lot of times the point of failure is a human point of failure, where someone is tricked into giving a password that can access everything. Someone is tricked into providing someone access to a system that they shouldn't have access to. A lot of times it's a matter of social engineering or phishing rather than a brilliant hacker breaking through a very tough and secure system. Sometimes it's that too. But a lot of times it's a human error where clever people take advantage of it. Or clever people kind of force a human error. The Russian hackings of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, specifically the John Podesta emails, supposedly were just a simple act of phishing. There's all this talk about Russian hackers. I've been reading that the John Podesta emails were accessed just by a phony email from Google that he needed to change his password immediately and they gave him a link to go ahead and click. (laughs) Even more amusing is the fact that he was suspicious about this, took it to the IT guy, and said, wait a minute, is this legitimate? And the guy wrote back that, yes, this is a legitimate email. (laughs) So he went and, quote, changed his password through a link in that email, which actually went right to the hackers, and they got his real password, and then they, uh, you know, I said, like, you know, enter your previous password, enter your new one, and then they just went on, and they had his password through the, quote, previous password, and they accessed all these emails. That was the brilliant hack employed in that case. So a lot of times these supposed brilliant hacking jobs are just a simple feat of social engineering that even a teenager could pull off. So now that we're on the topic, I want to discuss this uproar we have at the moment with the Russians and their interference in our election. There are many, many people who are bitter and unhappy that Donald Trump won. They want to find any possible way to deny him the presidency. 
There are many who are trying to encourage electors to be faithless electors and not vote for Trump, to cast their vote elsewhere, or maybe even for Hillary. And there's some saying that the whole election should be done over again because it's invalid since the Russians have breached it. The Russians have influenced it unfairly. That the Russians seek to help Trump and the Republicans win, and they did, and therefore the election should not be valid. There are also those that believe the Russians may have hacked the voting machines and changed data, changed voting data, to allow Trump to win when he hadn't actually won. Especially in some areas like Wisconsin and Michigan where he was not expected to win. Well, first of all, there's no act, there's no information that votes were directly changed, that there was any kind of breach in voting data. So I, I don't believe that happened. I haven't seen any kind of credible information that it happened. So until we see that, we have to take that out of the conversation. But what about the fact that it looks likely, I will admit, that Russians hacked the email of various Democratic figures and released them in order to harm Hillary's campaign and help Trump. I believe the Russians did that. I believe they were responsible. I believe they did so because they wanted Trump to win. I believe they were trying to influence the election. I think it's even possible they did influence the election. I think it's even possible that Trump may not have won if this had not happened. Because not only did these leaks convert some Hillary votes to Donald Trump votes, but they also caused some potential Hillary voters to stay home out of frustration, especially many of those on the left who were frustrated by the way they were treated in the way Bernie Sanders was treated with the various rigging of the primary. So, since, you know, I know there's a debate right now whether it's, it's accurate because the CIA claims now that uh, the, the Russians were involved. In fact, there's a claim today that Putin himself was directing this. He wasn't doing the hacking, but that he was directing the whole process. So if Putin himself was directing this whole process to mess with our election, to influence who people vote for, and may have been successful in influencing enough people to turn the results from Hillary winning to Trump winning, there's no way to know if that's true, but it may have been, then do we really have a valid election? Should we accept an election where a foreign country hacked private email and released the content of this email to influence the way people would vote? My answer is yes, it is a valid election. And I'll tell you why. Assuming the Russians did this hacking, all they did was expose bad things that were being done by various Democrats and various people who worked for Hillary or were close to Hillary. That's really all was done. Now, I'm not saying that private email shouldn't be private. I'm not saying that uh, 
the hacking was necessarily fair because I'm sure things could have been found if Donald Trump's email had been hacked and exposed to the public. So it was very one-sided. But still, it looks like the information that we got to see, the data that was dumped, the emails that were exposed, were authentic. It would be one thing if it was found that the Russians were releasing phony email that Hillary's people had not actually sent in an attempt to throw the election and make her look bad. That becomes a much more complicated question if that stuff is put out there and the American people are tricked by Russians into believing things about Hillary's people that was not true. Then people were voting based upon false information that was fed to them by the Russians, and then you can start to argue, okay, maybe this election was skewed by a foreign interest via lies. But that's not what happened here. The information that was found, the information that was exposed, it was damaging, but it was true. The bad things that were being done by Hillary Clinton, by her people, by the DNC, these were all true things that they were doing. These were all things that we as Americans deserve to know about. I say, hackers, bring it on. Keep doing it. Keep exposing the corruption in this country. So people like Hillary Clinton will lose, no matter what party they're part of. Now, I know that they weren't doing this as a good deed to expose corruption. They were doing this because they had a preferred candidate, so they decided to go after the one they didn't like and expose unflattering things about them. But the thing is, they exposed the truth. If you want to blame anyone for this, don't blame the Russians. Blame the people in the Democratic Party. Blame Hillary Clinton. Blame Hillary Clinton's people for doing the things that were exposed in the first place. Because the stuff that was exposed, the emails that were exposed, were authentic, they were true, they were basically making us aware of a lot of bad behavior in Hillary's camp, in the Democratic National Committee. So with that information, people chose not to vote for Hillary. Is it fair that we didn't get to see the same amount of information about Trump? Probably not, but you can't redo the election for that reason. There's always going to be a difference in how much information slips out that's unflattering to various candidates. Let's look at the the video of Donald Trump saying, grab her by the pussy. That, That really harmed him. That wasn't an accident that was found two months before the election. That wasn't an accident that a video like that from 2005 was unearthed in September 2016 when he's running for president. This was done to hurt Donald Trump, someone who was anti-Trump, who wanted Hillary to win, within our country, not outside of our country, had that released. So we didn't get to see a similar video of Bill Clinton probably saying the same thing at some point about women. We didn't get to see similar videos of Hillary herself doing things that she shouldn't have. We only got to see Trump because someone released that video who wanted to see Trump lose. This is part of politics. This is what happens. There are leaks. There are breaches. We learn things about candidates that they didn't want us to know. But the more information we have, 
about a candidate, provided it's true, the better informed decision we can make. And if we learned bad things about Hillary Clinton and the people that work for her and the party that was supporting her, if we learned this stuff and it was all true, we can't be mad at the ones who allow us to learn it, even if they're doing so for their own agenda. Let's say there was a a burglar and he sees a house he wants to break into. He waits for the homeowner to leave, a guy who lives alone. He breaks in, just planning to steal valuables. But he sees a DVD there and grabs it just, among other things he's grabbing, a homemade DVD. Puts the DVD in when he gets home with all the stolen stuff and finds the homeowner who he's been watching so he knows that you know it's, it's him. And it's a video that the homeowner himself made of molesting children. The homeowner himself is molesting children and has recorded himself doing it for his own pleasure to watch later. And this burglar who came in and stole his stuff and knew nothing about this and just happened to have grabbed this DVD too discovers that I've just burglarized the home of a child molester and I have in my possession hard evidence that he's been doing it. So the burglar goes to the police. After after a long internal struggle, he decides that uh, he's got to do it. He's got to turn this in, even if he gets in trouble for the burglary. Maybe he even makes a deal that they let him offer that if they uh, if he gives up this uh, DVD he found. But either way, it doesn't matter if he gets in trouble or not. But when this comes out, when when the police go arrest this child molester and have the hard evidence against him for what he really did. How do you feel about the burglar at this point? Now, I'm not saying you should think he's a wonderful human being, because he isn't, but is it his fault that it came out that this guy was a child molester? Should, should we be angry at this burglar for exposing us, exposing to society or to the police that this guy was a child molester? Should we say, the burglar had no right to do that? How dare he break into this guy's home and expose that he's a child molester? You may say, how dare he break into someone's home? But you can't say you feel bad for the child molester that his crimes came to light because someone stole his DVD that he made of his crimes. In fact, I would say that most people would be happy that burglary occurred. And while the burglar would not be a hero, you'd say that It just so happened that what he did ended up as a net win for society. Even if it was unintentional. So what I'm saying is, even if those who are exposing bad behavior are not doing so for noble reasons, it's a net win for us when this bad behavior is exposed. So we shouldn't look at who the messenger is. We shouldn't look who the exposer is. We should, provided we believe it, provided, the only reason we should look at those exposing it is just to make sure it's authentic. But provided we believe it's authentic, which, there's never been a question that it's been authentic. The, the Hillary camp will not acknowledge this is, that these emails are legit, but at the same time they never denied it, which pretty much is acknowledging it. So since we know these emails are legit, then 
we shouldn't worry about where they came from. We shouldn't worry about why they were exposed. We should worry about why was Hillary Clinton doing these things? Why was John Podesta doing these things? Why was uh, Donna Brazil doing these things? Why were they screwing Bernie Sanders like they were? Why were they behaving this way? Why are they so corrupt? Why do they think they can get away with things like this? Why should we be voting for someone who does things like this? And has people working for her that do things like this? This gave us more information. And therefore the election is not invalid. We voted based upon true and correct information that we received. Even if it's from a nefarious source, it was true and correct information that it's actually good for us to know. Maybe if enough of this happens, politicians will stop being as shady. Maybe politicians will start fearing that in the digital age we live in, that it's harder and harder to hide things. And that when they do things that are shady, that one day it may get exposed and ruin them. And maybe they will decide the best course of action is to walk a straight and narrow path. So unless it can be shown that the Russians actually changed the voting results, that they hacked voting machines and changed the votes, that would make the election invalid. But until we have evidence that happened, which we do not, in fact, it's still believed that this did not happen, I feel this is a valid election, and we have to stop worrying about why the Russians hacked it, Was it fair that they did it? Is the election valid? Yes, the Russians had a preferred candidate. Yes, that preferred candidate won. Yes, they helped to win, but they helped to win by exposing the truth about the opposition. And I'd like to see more of that, not less. The best way to make politicians act right is to have them very fearful that if they don't act right, that we will know about it. The worst we can have is an environment where politicians believe they can get away with anything. The best environment we can have is where they believe they can get away with nothing. If they believe they can get away with nothing, then we get a much closer version of the politician we thought we elected. Larry Laffer PM'd me. He's a druff. They use ransomware all the time. Ransomware, for those of you who don't know, it's when you end up with uh, files on your computer, malicious programs that will prevent you from accessing your own data unless you pay them money. So you get something and it, it locks up your system and it says, uh, sometimes it'll just be blatant and say, we're, uh, you know, we've gotten control of your data. You have to pay f- you know, whatever money to get it back. And sometimes it's actually more often it's, it's more subtle and they claim that uh, viruses have attacked your computer and that you need to call such and such phone number and pay such and such amount of money for them to uh, fix your computer. 
Of course, they're fixing what they broke. That's what ransomware is, but I don't see what this really has to do with... Uh, he's saying they, they use their mass hackings to obtain IPs to do this. You don't know what you're talking about, Larry. I'm telling you. That's, uh, that's not how it works. Like, obtaining IP addresses doesn't do you much good. Uh, usually these ransomware programs end up on computers, not from direct hackings through IP address. These happen through email where people are, are tricked into opening attachments which install the ransomware on these computers. Also, you can sometimes get them through websites by being tricked into installing things through a website. Even sometimes malware on websites can install things on your computer where you don't even know what's happening. So just... Having your IP address, it's unlikely they're just going to be able to come into your computer and, and put ransomware on there. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Jay Stat says, it was not Russians, in my opinion. It was the damn casino industry. <laughs> Jay Stat also says, paranoia is good while dealing on the internet. I like that. That is very true. I've always said as far as personal info, you can't take personal info back once it's out there. And that's more true today than ever. I said this like almost 30 years ago. But it's more true today than it was when I first said it. The way to prevent information about you from getting into the hands of those that you don't want to have it is to not have that information available in the first place. It means having your mail sent to a a separate mailbox instead of your home address. It means giving your full information to as few places as possible. It means not linking your social media account with everything that wants to link to you. It means taking other pains to keep your privacy intact, which can be a pain in the ass. But you never know when you'll need it. It means not listing yourself in directory services. I think I've told this story before, and I'll I'll tell this little story probably on the show. In 1999, I started to date a new girl, and then we. She was unhappy where she was living, and she wanted to move closer to work. And where I was living was much more convenient for her, so she actually moved in with me quicker than I otherwise would have. But I, I was always very private. I didn't like to be listed in directories, and I didn't want uh, my information out there. And I told her what I just said to you guys that. Once information's out there, you can't take it back. And she thought that was stupid. She thought I was being paranoid. She thought I was being crazy. But I told her if she moves in with me that she has to pretty much operate the same way I do. Otherwise, anyone who knows we're together can just look her up. So that meant she had to get her mail at my P.O. box. That you know, I gave her a key to it, but uh, she, we had to have an unlisted number. All, all these precautions I was taking and she was so frustrated about this and she was so so irritated with me that I made her do this. Well, she worked in insurance in a claims department and a crazy woman whose claim she denied made death threats against her. 
said that uh, this has ruined her life, the fact that the claim was denied, and that she's decided what she's going to do is, is find her, shoot my girlfriend, and then shoot herself. I'm talking about my girlfriend back then in 99, not the one I have today. So this woman was basically saying she's going to do a murder-suicide on her. And that's scary because someone who has no regard for their own lives, and they, they in fact, they, they are going to kill themselves after killing you. There's, there's not even going to be any consequence for that person. So if that's what they want to do and they can find you, then the police can't even help you. Nobody can help you. you know, once they kill you and kill themselves, that's it. So she was very scared about this. But just weeks earlier, she had moved in with me. So even though she was in the phone book, Address and everything, very easy to find. She was no longer easy to find because all that information was no longer current. If that woman went to go find her to kill her, she would have found an empty apartment with no information leading to where she was next. The only place she could possibly find her was at work, and fortunately she had a a very well-secured building in downtown L.A., and they gave her extra security who walked her in and out of the building and looked for anyone that was around, and so she felt so much safer living with me and all the privacy measures I took. And she said, well, I can't believe it, but you were right, because I could have never seen this coming, she said to me. She said, when I listed myself, I felt, hey, I don't have any enemies. I don't have anybody I care about finding me. So whatever, I'll just list myself. But she says, I couldn't have seen this coming, that this crazy woman would decide that I ruined her life and that I was her enemy. Now she's trying to find me, and if I was still living in my apartment, she could have. And even if she never came for me, I would have been terrified every night. And she said, you're right. You're right that once you put info out there, you can't take it back. So, it's a little more complicated today because it's not just about the info you put out. There's a lot of data harvesting services that will get your information without your permission and then publish it without your permission. And you've got to be in a constant battle to get these services to remove you. And there's more and more of them every day. There will soon be a time when it's very difficult or impossible to suppress your address from, for anyone who, from anyone who wants to find you. In fact, we're already getting close to that point. Unless you're completely off the grid, such as you're, you're living with a roommate, nothing's in your name, only in the roommate's name, and you never have anything sent to that address, then you can be found. But still, the more precautions, the better. The more sophistication, the more dedication that someone must have to find you, the better. So, keep that in mind. All righty. Uh, I guess that's it. Brandon may do a show tomorrow. In fact, I almost took the lazy way. I'll, I'm going to admit something here. I almost took the lazy way out and didn't do the show today, thinking that Brandon's going to probably do a show this week. Anyway, you guys will have your show. It'll be fine. I can take a break. And I said, no, I want to do a show today. So, I did a show today. 
Thank you to Cal Watt for doing the show with me for almost the whole time. Thank you, Trader Ruski, for the time you came on here. And thank you to the callers who came in kind of all at the same time. We should be back on uh, December 22nd. Sorry, December 21st. You know, we may actually do the 22nd. We may do Thursday next week, so stay tuned for that announcement. I may not be able to make the 21st, but there will be a show next week. I think there's going to be a show the following week, too. I, usually we start missing some shows in December, but I, I think we're going to have one every week this year. So that's good news for those of you who don't like when this show misses weeks. Check PokerFraudAlert.com. If there is a brand new show, he will post about it. I'm sure of it. I'm not promising you there will be one. It's up to him. It's also contingent upon him getting everything set up from a technical standpoint. I told him that I will give him whatever information he needs to get it going. And I guess that's about it. We won't know if the Kate Hall match occurs with Mike Dentali until March. So that's going to be on hold for a while. Poker Fraud Alert Radio should continue into 2017. We're not shutting down anytime soon. We will continue operating as usual. No matter which co-hosts we have or don't have, or have and then don't have and have again, whatever. I'm happy to have this show, happy to have the listeners we do, and this will continue. We will be entering our sixth year of broadcasting very soon. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening once again. Good night, and Shalom! Shalom!